Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. A Beautiful Wish Part 3 Chapter 6 Mother's Love George ran to the house in a panic. A million worst-case scenarios flashed through his mind, visions of blood, chalk lines, his mother dead. He burst through the open threshold expecting to see a scene out of a bloody cop drama. Instead he could hear his mother's distraught voice tearfully giving someone a description of George. He followed the voice to the kitchen where she was listing off George's physical attributes to a young patrolman while another was examining the pile of smashed dishes on the floor next to the breakfast table. As he came into view Jessica gasped, leapt from her chair, and smothered him in a motherly embrace. Sobbing, she cried. Thank God, oh thank God. George was relieved but confused. A moment before he had been imaging the worst and now, while relieved, he wondered what could have happened to put his mother in such a state. Had they been robbed? Were his sisters all right? In any case, his mother's tight hug was making him uncomfortable, and he disengaged from her as gently as he could. What happened? He asked. She wiped her bleary eyes as she answered. Someone, someone broke in. I thought. I came home. She visibly took hold of herself and with forced calm said, I walked in and saw all this and called for you. When you didn't answer I feared the worst. Burglarized? He had only been gone a couple of hours, three tops. He scanned his surroundings for signs that the house had been ransacked, but the only damage had come from his earlier romps with Dawn. Then it hit him. That was what she was referring to. He and Dawn had left the house to go shopping without cleaning up the disaster left behind after their last escapade in the kitchen. The pantry had been almost completely emptied, the sink was filled with dirty pots, and even though the perishables had been put away, most of the food he bought was sitting around the kitchen in flimsy grocery bags. W what did they steal? He asked, already knowing the answer. Just a few of your father's clothes. I don't understand what someone would want with them though. They must be over ten years. Jessica paused as she realized what George was wearing. George, where did you get those clothes? I, uh, borrowed them from your closet. He replied sheepishly. There was no use in being coy. She would put the two and two together on her own, but George couldn't help it. He knew this wasn't going to end well. Her expression began to change as she started to get a glimmer of what had really happened. Her lips stiffened into a thin frown, her soft brown eyes narrowed, and her face went from hot anger to hurt to disappointment. Despite her obvious disapproval, she asked calmly, George, please tell me why you would. She stopped. George felt Dawn's gentle hands wind their way around his arm. She looked at Jessica Square, not flinching or embarrassed, merely making her presence known. She exuded a quiet bravery, at peace with the fact that this could not be avoided. George was in trouble, and she was putting herself in the line of fire. George was sure that if she only knew how terrifying his mother could become when she was truly angry, she'd be shaking in her booty shorts. However, he noticed that Dawn had traded in her much too short shorts for a pair of capris, along with a bra. She was definitely the smarter of the two of them, he thought. I see. Officers, she said quietly. You can go now. I'm sorry to have wasted your time. Ma'am, are you sure this is your son? Asked the officer who had been taking down George's description. He stared at his notepad, then back up to George with a confused look on his face. She merely scowled at him. Not needing to be told twice, the two men headed for the door. One of them put a hand on George's shoulder and whispered. Good luck. The sentiment didn't make him feel any better. Jessica moved to the stove, where a kettle of water was beginning to steam. Would you like some tea? She asked quietly. George was too petrified to answer, but Dawn immediately stepped forward. He screamed in his head don't take the tea. She's going to tear us a new asshole. Don't take the tea. Yes, thank you, I would love some. Said Dawn. George cringed. Jessica's hands were shaking as she reached for two mugs from a nearby cupboard. How do you take it? She asked. Um, however you take it. I have not had much tea. Jessica began to pour, but the heavy kettle slipped and splashed boiling water on her hand. She dropped the mug and it smashed to the floor with a sharp ceramic shatter. God damn it! Cursed Jessica as she nursed her scalded hand. She knelt down to pick up the pieces. 
Dawn immediately threw her purse on the table and moved to help with the cleanup. George was tempted to help as well, but he knew from experience that when his mother was this pissed he should keep his distance and wait for her to tell him what to do. He noticed that some of the contents of Dawn's purse had spilled across the table. There was a half-used chapstick, a few dollars with some change, and a few crumpled gum wrappers. They were all typical things George knew would be in a woman's purse. But what truly surprised him was the book that Dawn had stashed inside earlier. It was a collection of stories by H. P. Lovecraft. He thought it was an odd selection for her first read, but figured she was probably misled by the author's name. The women finished cleaning up the mess in silence, until Jessica added a very curt. Thank you. She went back to making the tea and Dawn quietly moved to the kitchen table and sat down. George sat next to her as far from his mom as he could get. So, I'm George's mother, Jessica. And you are? She said as she finished making the tea and placed a mug in front of Dawn. Her anger over the situation was barely hidden behind a thin veneer of civility. It is very nice to finally meet you, Mrs. Everhart. My name is Dawn, she said as she noticed the contents of her purse spewed across the table. She scrambled to cram everything back inside. Dawn, what? asked Jessica as she sat down. Dawn's face turned ghostly white as she struggled to come up with a satisfactory answer. George's mind went into overdrive as his eyes darted around the room for a something to remind him of a name. Suddenly, he caught sight of the book Dawn had been trying to push back into her purse. He just blurted out. Lovecraft. Dawn Lovecraft. He regretted it as soon as he said it. How cliche could you get? But it was out there now, and there was no explainable way of taking it back. Under the table, Dawn's hand crawled into his. She didn't look directly at him, but he could tell that she approved. That's an interesting name, said Jessica as she sipped her tea. Well, George, I guess if I'm going to really understand why you decided to freak me out like this, you'd better start from the beginning. George sighed heavily as he searched his thoughts for a place to begin. As he hesitated, Dawn started to explain. Well, you see, I was... Jessica cut across her. Thank you, Miss Lovecraft, but if you don't mind I would like to hear his explanation first. Dawn deflated in her chair and squeezed George's hand tightly. She was beginning to understand what George already knew. His mom was nobody to bullshit. He entwined his fingers with hers and gave her a gentle squeeze. You're worth even this, he thought. I was at work. He started. I was having a really shitty day. I was late. Rocco punched me in the face, and Linda made me stay for the late shift. Wait, Rocco punched you? Why? Said Jessica, a look of concern momentarily breaking through her anger. Why does Rocco do anything? Because he's a fucking jerk, that's why. The memories of that day aroused a fury inside of George that he had forgotten about since Don's emergence, but he hadn't meant to test the limits of his mother's understanding at the moment. Jessica wasn't phased by his harsh language. Instead, she cursed something under her breath. Anyway, I was sitting by myself, just like I always do, thinking about how much I hated my life. I thought about quieting. I? I thought about lots of things when Don walked in. Don stayed quiet as this was the first time she had heard George speak of the events leading up to the discovery of her vessel. She hung her head low and locked her eyes on their joined hands. She caressed his index finger with her own. She didn't work there or go to school there, but all she wanted was a swim, and I needed some company. So I let her in. We talked for a while. She told me about herself. She's from Phoenix, she just graduated high school, she was looking into colleges, and she liked me. Dawn's hand squeezed his like she would never let go. Jessica listened intently and said nothing. I like her. He glanced over at Dawn and made a quick, meaningful eye contact. She's new in town and needs a place to stay. So I let her stay here. And I don't want her to leave. I see, said Jessica as she reached an understanding. She turned to Don. So is that your scam then? You find someone vulnerable, then get a few nights under a roof, steal everything of value and move on. And no, that is not, cried Don. George stopped her. Now he was angry, and he didn't care if it was his mother who said it or Adolf Hitler. She had no right. Mom, I know I fucked up. And I'm sorry for that. You can yell at me, punish me, ground me till the end of time, but don't talk to her that way. It was all he could do not to scream at her but Don's touch kept him grounded and prevented him from saying something he would probably regret later. If you have any faith in me at all, you'll trust me that she isn't like that. And you know this how? She asked incredulously. I love you, but we both know that you aren't very experienced when it comes to this. For all you know she could be on the run, 
or worse. So far, all she's done is be polite to you. You're always telling me to see the good in people, to give them the benefit of the doubt. Why is it any different when I finally bring a girl home? Oh, come on, George. Who goes across the country by themselves without some plan as to where they are going to stay? I suppose she doesn't have any money either. I taught you to be smarter than that. First of all, she has no family, she grew up in an orphanage. Secondly, I don't have any money either. Only what you gave me, and she hasn't so much as looked at it. He took a sharp breath to calm himself. I understand why you are upset with me, but why are you taking it out on her? Jessica looked away from him. She looked ashamed and confused, but still very angry. Fine, in the interest of finding out why my kitchen looks like the aftermath of a natural disaster, let's assume you're right and move on. Don't say something you'll regret he thought. He found it impossible to hide his scowl. Fine. She spent the night, the next day we hung out and got hungry. We were looking for something to eat but there wasn't much, so we got a little creative. He paused as he struggled to keep his explanation strictly PG. But we got carried away. I had meant to clean it up before you got back. I thought you weren't coming home until tomorrow, so I wasn't worried about it. Why are you home so early anyway? That investment I had been tracking turned out to be a bunch of bullshit. Run by two college kids who were trying to run a scam, so I came home early. I figured you would be lonely here by yourself, so I was going to surprise you. I didn't realize you had found ways to entertain yourself. What's that supposed to mean? He asked pointedly. Nothing, she said with a dismissive wave. She took another big sip of her tea. George continued. As I was saying, I remembered that you asked me to go food shopping, so we went this afternoon. But I didn't have any clean clothes that would fit me. I found these in your closet. I'm sorry I didn't know that you still kept his things. I should have asked. Jessica looked away in an attempt to hide the sudden swell of emotions that made her begin to tear up. Yeah, well, if you would do your part and keep your room cleaned up and put your dirty clothes in the laundry room, you wouldn't need to go through my closet. You know, you're right, he admitted. She was trying to change the subject away from what was really bothering her, George could tell, but she echoed what George had only recently come to realize. I need to take better care of myself and my things. I will from now on. So that's it, said George. After we finished shopping we dropped off the food and went to Walt's for lunch. Then we stopped at a store on the way back. When I saw the police car and your car, I thought something really terrible happened. I bet I was just as freaked out as you were. Well, I didn't think about it that way. She took a deep breath along with another sip of her tea. Maybe I overreacted a little. I just, when I saw the house like this, and you weren't around. I suppose I should have noticed that your car wasn't here, but I just panicked. She wiped a tear forming at the corner of her eye. I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't mean to scare you. Things have happened kind of fast around here. I wasn't thinking. All right, said Jessica, her anger dissipating. You are going to clean up this mess though, right? George nodded. Okay. I'm sorry I scared you and I'm sorry I overreacted. I should have had a little more faith in you. She reached for George's hand from across the table and gave it a reassuring pat before finishing her tea. Now, George, will you leave the room, please? Miss Lovecraft, and I need to have a chat. George and Dawn cast quick nervous looks to one another. Um, why? Asked George. If I'm going to let a stranger stay in my house, I'll need to interview them first. I think that's fair, isn't it? Dawn squeezed George's hand so tightly he thought his fingers might pop off. He had faith that Dawn would be okay, but he hadn't planned on throwing her to the wolf so soon. He stroked her hand reassuringly. I'll be upstairs then. He leaned over and kissed Dawn on her temple, then he stood and headed for the stairs. He made a lot of noise as he pounded his way up and shut his bedroom door, but it was only so that his mother would believe he was out of earshot. He moved back down the stairs very slowly and quietly until he was sitting on the bottom step. With his new body, moving silently was much easier. He couldn't see them, but he could hear them perfectly. He could hear his mother getting herself another cup of tea. How's your tea? asked Jessica. Oh, she sipped fast. Wow, this is delicious. What did you put in it? Just some milk and a little honey. I have a cup or two every night. It helps me unwind. They sat in silence for a few moments, save for the sound of teacups rattling on saucers. It seemed neither knew how to begin. In one corner was the reigning female champion in George's life, and in the other was the challenger threatening to disrupt the status quo. His mother had always tried to encourage him to be better, to get out in the world and mix it up, to chase his dreams. 
But to have the fruits of her encouragement sitting across the table from her must have been quite a shock. George wasn't sure for whom he felt more sympathy, Dawn and her inexperience, or his mother with her own. Well then, I'll just come out and ask it. Are you too sexually active? George would have spit out his tea if he were drinking it. Dawn, however, seemed unaffected. Yes, we are. Are you using protection? Yes. George forgave her for telling a half-truth. The protection she was speaking of came from no normal means of prophylactics. And there is no worry of disease, George was my first. You'll pardon me if I find that hard to believe. Another uncalled-for remark. Why was she acting so cruel? There was silence for a few moments. George could hear Dawn sipping her tea again. There is nothing that I can say that will make you believe me at this point. But I think that you will find, in time, that I am trustworthy. Another pause. He heard Jessica stand up, along with a frustrated sigh. He could hear her fumbling with some dishes in the sink. Then she stopped. You know, I really thought this would be easier. I've always wanted George to find a nice girl. It's just, George has been through a lot. Not just with the teasing and the whole embittered geek thing he has going on. I mean real trauma. And you think that I am going to build him up with false affection, and then leave him? It isn't fair to assume that. But that's how I feel. I can see how he looks at you. I haven't seen him act like that, well, ever. If you take that away from him I'm afraid I'll lose him forever. I'm not foolish enough to think that I can stop you two from going down whatever road you've already chosen. But please, if you aren't 100% serious about this, leave now. I'll blame it on me, that I drove you away. I'd rather that he hate me than have whatever is left of his soul be crushed by a passing fling. Dawn paused to sip some more tea before answering. Mrs. Everhart, I appreciate your caution and your obvious concern for George's well-being. I wish. I wish I had a mother who cared for me like that. But George isn't some scam to me, or a fling, nor is he a guy I can change if I work hard at it. Her voice began to crack as she became more impassioned. I love your son. I will always love him. George could tell that she was trying very hard not to cry. Please believe me. Hang in there, thought George. His heart ached to be with her. Have you told George that you love him? Yes, whispered Don. The dishes Jessica was washing made louder clinking noises, like they were being pushed around forcefully. Then there's no turning back now. What did he say? Said Jessica, defeat evident in her voice. He didn't say anything, but he cried. Well, she sounded genuinely astonished. That's way more than I've ever got out of him. What do you mean? I must have told him that I loved him a thousand times, but he always waves me off. No thanks, or I know, or I love you too. It's like he thinks I'm just kidding. But you actually made him cry? Yes. He wouldn't let me say it at first, but I felt like I had to. He needed to know. And then I said it, and he broke down. I may not understand why George feels the way he does, but I do understand what he is feeling. I know how much it means to him to hear that we love him. I would never say it unless I really meant it. Jessica was moving around the kitchen now, opening and closing cupboards as she put food away. You know, I can't remember the last time I saw George cry, or laugh, or smile. Mrs. Everhart, why does George have such a hard time telling someone he loves them? George panicked. Please don't tell her, Mom. She'll never look at me the same way again. Please don't tell her about Dad. Jessica stopped roaming around the kitchen and sat down. There was a pregnant pause as she searched for a way to explain. George's father, Henry. She said sadly. He died a while back. Let's just say, it had a profound impact on George. He was only eight at the time. Dawn started to ask something presumably, but Jessica stopped her. It really isn't for me to say. It should be him who tells you, not me. George, on the verge crashing the conversation, felt a sudden wave of relief. Anyway, after that he changed. He used to be so happy, he was a handful let me tell you. He and his father were so close, more like best friends than anything. And when Henry died, much of George died with him. I tried everything I could think of to help him. Therapy, drugs, I even remarried, nothing worked. George remembered all of her attempts to bring him out of his depression after the death of his father. The therapy sessions didn't help because he didn't want them to. The various psychologists and spiritual healers wanted him to accept his father's death as something that had to happen, something that made sense, something that would all go away if he let it. The drugs only made him stop feeling, and that hurt even more. And his stepfather stopped showing an interest in him when it was clear that George would never accept him as even a poor substitute for his real father. Haley and Corina would freak out if they knew the George of old. 
Haley has a big mouth, but her little jabs are nothing next to George's nuggets of wisdom. He heard her sip her tea in bulk. Would you like some more tea, Han? Mine is cold. Jessica got up and fumbled with the kettle some more. You know, it's really sad. I don't think George has ever told his sisters that he loves them. But I can tell that he wants to say it. It is on the tip of his tongue. But then he gets this pained look on his face, like, like, like someone died. Yeah. Jessica sat back down with fresh tea. I've seen that too. I think I'm not sure but I think that he associates love with loss. If he admits that he loves someone, even for a second, they'll leave him. I'm his mother so I know he loves me, even if he never says it. I can only imagine what it's like for you to put yourself out there and not have it returned. He will say it when he is ready. I have only known him for a few days, but one thing that I know for certain is that he feels more deeply than either of us can imagine. All he lacks is the courage to show it. Another pause. I think you're right, said Jessica. She chuckled lightly. I have to admit, I think I might have been wrong about you. When you walked in my first thought was of all those girls I grew up around, who got any guy they wanted just by turning off their brains and hiking up their skirts. But I should have more faith in George. He would never settle for a girl like that. Thank you, Mrs. Everhart. The sincerity evident in her trembling voice. Do you think we could start over? I think we should. I'm Jessica Everhart, George's mother. It's very nice to meet you. I am Dawn. Dawn Lovecraft. I am George's girlfriend. It is an honor to finally meet the woman who raised such a wonderful son. That's my girl, he thought. The topic strayed away from George after that, focusing on Dawn's fictional background. Believing they would be finished soon, he headed back up the stairs quietly to wait in his room. The last thing he heard before he closed his door was, So, why don't you use contractions? Um, I do not know, I just... George quietly closed the door to his room and paced back and forth as he waited for them to finish their chat. Dawn had passed the test of his mother's wrath with flying colors, though he wasn't surprised. He believed Dawn could do anything, and not just because of her powers. She had a way about her that disarmed everyone. You couldn't hate her, even if you wanted to. She wasn't shallow or petty, or self-centered or rude. Even in the face of outright hostility, she never stopped being thoughtful and genuine. He was more surprised by the way his mother had acted. Sure, the kitchen was post-apocalyptic, and maybe he should have thought twice about going through her closet. But to freak out at dawn for just being there, his mother had always been much more rational than that. He had always thought that, for a mother, she was pretty cool. She kept her music tastes current, played video games, she even cussed it in front of George without so much as an apology. So why had she lost it so completely when she found out that he had gone into her closet? Maybe there was something there that she didn't want him to find, something other than his father's clothing. Bah. What am I thinking? This is my mom, not some Colombian drug trafficker he thought. She's probably upset that I got into dad's old clothes. It probably reminded her of how much she misses him. But the idea that his mother was hiding things from him was intriguing and alarming. He had always been too preoccupied by his own drama to worry much about her. She always seemed so poised and strong. But maybe there was more going on that he had been too self-absorbed to notice. Maybe she was also in pain. Lonely, just like he had been. In any case, it was an odd thing for George to hear them talking about him that way. He always believed that his mother had his best interests at heart, but he could have never imagined the depth of her concern. Had he really been so callous as to disregard his mother's love? He realized that he had made the same mistake with his mother that he had with his father. He had taken her for granted. But this time it was worse. Not only had he assumed that she would always be there, he had downplayed her affection for him in an effort to shield himself from more pain. The only upside was that she was still alive. There was time to make things right. He ruminated over the situation for an agonizing hour before plopping down on the bed. He hadn't been tired up to that point, but the new bed's heavenly comfort lulled him into a dreamy haze. He closed his eyes and imagined what it would be like to spend the night with dawn in the cloud-like wonderland he had wished into being. He could almost see her lightly tanned skin glistening with sweat, hear her melodious voice crying out in ecstasy, smell the tea-like scent of her hair as it fell around him, feel her entire body shiver out of post-orgasmic euphoria. Just thinking about being close to her was enough to make him hard. He rubbed his member casually as he dreamed of dawn lying next to him, kissing him like he needed to be kissed loving him just because he was him, and nobody else. He was asleep before he even realized it, drifting off into a dream involving dawn, a sandy beach, a hammock, the sunset, and gently lapping waves. 
The wind, the saltiness, the cold, they bit his face and eyes as he shot at breakneck speed across the water. Exhilaration, invincibility, freedom. They were all that mattered. Speed, more speed. The waves couldn't stop him. Hit them harder, go faster, don't stop. Too fast, too hard, the sea always wins. A wave, too large. No control. A dull thud, a loud crack. Where is he? Where is dad? There, face down. The sky is gray, the sea is gray. So why is the water red? Save him. You can do it. Grab his hand, pull him up. Swim, goddammit, swim. Too heavy, too rough, too cold. Can't do it. Going under, water everywhere, can't breath. Get to the boat. Almost there. Just a little farther. Arms, legs cramping. Lungs heaving, choking. Let go, he's dead, you can't help him. Never give up, never stop, invincible, free. You'll die, let go, you tried, it's over. Hands slipping. Wake up, help me. I need you. Too heavy, too cold, need air. I'm sorry. Fingers slide free, he's gone, into the black. Get to the surface, and breathe, but not live. George broke the water surface, sat up straight, and choked violently on air. He was awake, back in his room, his old room. No. Was it a dream? Where is Dawn? It couldn't have been a dream. Please tell me it wasn't a dream. His mother opened the door just a crack, and whispered. George? Are you awake? You can come back down now. George was soggy and cold. Wait, what? He asked, shaking. I said you can come back now. Dawn and I are finished. Are you okay? You're sweating. Dawn wasn't a dream, he had awoken from a nightmare. George fell back as relief once again washed over him. I, I'm okay. I'll be right down. Jessica opened the door all the way and entered. She sat on the edge of the bed. Honey, did you have the dream again? He didn't answer. But his mother knew. You haven't had that dream for a long time. He was embarrassed. He was a grown man, and was fiercely loved by the most amazing creature in all the universe, yet he just had an old nightmare. I get it every once in a while, when dad comes up in conversation. It sneaks up on me. I was feeling alright when I dozed off, but for some reason. Do you want to talk about it? He sat up straight. Not really. There isn't much to say. Same old stupid dream. I woke up just as I broke the surface just like last time. Jessica looked like she wanted to say so many things, but they had all been said. You know that. I don't blame you. Right? George said nothing. He knew she didn't. She never had. But sometimes he wished she would. He wanted her to hate him for letting go, for being stupid, for being weak. For so long he had felt like it was no more than he deserved. She was the one person in the world who had every right to give up on him. But she didn't. While others feared him, loathed him, and took pleasure from his pain, she remained loyal, true, and hopeful. It would have been so much easier to give in to grief long ago, but she wouldn't let him. After a long silence in which it was clear George was finished talking about the subject, Jessica cleared her throat. Anyway, I got the chance to get to know Dawn a bit while you were sleeping. She's a lovely girl. I'm glad you were so picky and waited for a girl like her. It wasn't a matter of being picky. Girls just don't like me. Jessica put her hand up to stop him. I don't want to hear it. It's obvious now that that's a cop-out. Dawn's living proof. If you would have only shown some initiative and actually asked a few of them out, you wouldn't have been such a downer all these years. Wow, mom, thanks. She brought her finger to her head like she was playing the dumb blonde. Oh, did I say that out loud? He pushed her playfully, almost shoving her off of his bed. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sheesh. She cried as she batted away his attempts at debating her. But really, you know what I mean. There's no law that says you have to be alone all the time, George. I don't care what you believe in that regard. You deserve to be happy. I just wish I could have taught you that sooner. Actually, we went and saw Lindsay today. It turns out that she's had a crush on me for years without me realizing it. She gasped. My Lindsay. She told you. Well, no, Dawn kinda pointed it out to me. Apparently, it was extremely obvious. Oh, of course not. She said, her voice dripping with sarcasm. You'd have to be Dr. Phil to poke through that cloak of deception. Wait. You knew? Of course I knew. She made me swear not to tell you a long time ago. W.Y. didn't anyone let me know? Why did she tell you and not me? Jessica turned somber. George, cut her some slack. 
She's young, she is just as nervous about putting her feelings out there as you are. And she didn't exactly tell me, either. You have to understand, she has never had a mother, so she compensates by being one herself. But she only does it to people she really cares about, her father and you. That's how I knew. Do you remember the last time we went to the beach? Vaguely. He said dryly. He remembered all too well. He had been tricked into going by his mom and Lindsay was there waiting for him. He spent most of the time trying to avoid having to go into the water for fear of taking his shirt off. While the rest of his family played in the surf, he and Lindsay sat on the beach. George was busy sulking and waiting for them to go home, but Lindsay was badgering him constantly about sunscreen and drinking water. Well, I could see what she was doing. She was so nervous about you seeing her in a bathing suit that she had reverted to caregiver mode. Afterwards I confronted her about it, and she just blurted it out, made me swear not to tell. George sighed heavily as he leaned back against the headboard. Are you mad? No, I'm not mad. Actually, I'm a little mad at myself. Ever since Dawn came around I've been noticing all the parts of my life that I've been neglecting. There's Lindsay, you, Haley and Corinna, college, myself. So much of my life has been a waste. I have to be better. I can't keep going on like this. Jessica patted his knee. I'm glad all it took was a hot girl showing you the good things in life for you to finally wake up. And George, don't beat yourself up anymore. Can't we let the past go? George caught her meaning and turned towards the window to avoid her gaze. I'm trying, Mom. He said finally. Jessica stood up and headed for the door. She stopped as she reached the knob. Thanks for cleaning your room up, by the way. Another one of Dawn's good influences on you, I gather? He looked around. Though it was his old room, it looked like the best possible version of that room. He was confused at first but then he remembered that Dawn had said she was going to make a few minor changes. He found himself missing this version of the room. Even though it was from a difficult time, the place had been his sanctuary, his escape from the pain and disappointment that was his daily existence. It was like growing out of a favorite pair of shorts. You can't wear them anymore but you hate to throw them away because of all the times you put them on knowing that they were the perfect fit. George was struck by how thoughtfully Dawn had treated it in her alterations, even if she didn't fully understand why it was important to him. Just thinking about Dawn was enough to break him out of his funk. He felt alive again. She threatened to put her clothes back on if I didn't. It's amazing how fast you can clean when a hot naked girl needs a place to lay down. Jessica smiled as she playfully wretched. Ugh, too much information. Make it stop. George laughed and threw a pillow at her. Okay, I'm done. Come downstairs now. I need to talk to both of you. As soon as she closed the door behind her the room reverted back into George and Dawn's love nest. The difference was altogether shocking and a bit empty without Dawn there with him. Maybe he had been too hasty in his wishes. The huge bed and the stripper pole were a lot of fun but they weren't really him. Why should his room look like something out of a bad softcore porn flick when that wasn't the person he really was? Dawn certainly didn't mind. Maybe he could get her to leave his old room intact, albeit the cleaner version he had now, and just pull out the harem. Room for special occasions. He got up and went to the bathroom. After splashing some water in his face and rubbing his neck with a towel he was feeling much better. He took the opportunity to check his reflection in the mirror to make sure his new body had been maintained. For some reason, he had become worried that Dawn was just a dream again, but his reflection told him otherwise. Or at least he was still in the dream. Either way was fine by him, as long as it didn't end. He followed the voices of Dawn and his mom down the stairs and into the living room. They were sitting next to each other on the couch, pouring through old photo albums. Oh look! cried Jessica. This is my favorite. Dawn's mouth fell open. Is he? Such a cute little tushy. To this day I can't remember why he was wearing a shirt but no pants. Either I forgot to dress him properly, or he decided he didn't need them. I suspect it was the latter. George knew which photo they were talking about. It was from when he was only two or three years old. He was watching his dad ride around on a quad behind their old house from behind a sliding glass door. He was naked from the waist down with his face pressed against the glass. His little behind dominated the photo. As soon as Dawn caught sight of George she pulled the photo out and showed him as she laughed. You were hot stuff even then. George laughed in embarrassment as he sat down next to his dream girl. Dawn and Jessica continued to ooh and ah at the various photos. Some were from George's various cub scouting trips with his dad, some were from the vacations the young family had made together, a few from family outings with other relatives. The last photo in the album was of Henry, 
and George side by side next to a large pool. George had just taken the gold in a regional swim meet, and Henry was hugging him tightly. His smile was huge and bright. It was so infectious that people had actually told him to stop, that it was making them smile too much. When they were finished Jessica closed the album and stashed it away. Don pouted. Ah, uh, are there any more? Unfortunately, no, not of George anyway, said Jessica as she shifted uncomfortably in her seat. Why not? He is so photogenic, whined Don. Well, uh, he just got camera shy after that. Mom, was there something you wanted to talk to us about? Said George in an attempt to come to her rescue. It was foolish to keep things from Dawn, she would find out eventually. But a part of George still wanted to spare her his drama. Everything was going so well between them. He hoped he could just forget the past entirely and focus on her. Yes, but I need more tea first. She got up and headed for the kitchen. Would you two like some? None for me, thanks. Called George. I would love some more tea. Sang Dawn excitedly. Jessica disappeared into the kitchen. When she was far enough out of earshot, Dawn pulled herself into George as tightly as she could. Are you all right, master? She whispered. George was again alarmed at the honorific. Why, yeah. Why? I sensed that you were in distress when you were in your room. I wanted to go to you, but I could not think of an adequate excuse. So I had to suggest to your mother that you join us again. Is there anything I can do? I'm okay, Dawn, really. I just dozed off and had a bad dream. Really? She pleaded. Well, I'm definitely feeling much better now. He said as he squeezed her. Dawn looked even more concerned. George, one of the reasons why I love you so much is that you are a terrible liar. Dawn, it was just a bad dream. You're acting like I was about to fall off a cliff. Master, I am your genie. Would I not know the difference? Jessica reappeared with two mugs of steaming tea and placed one in front of Dawn. There you go, sweetheart. Thanks, Mom. Dawn said quite nonchalantly. George couldn't believe what he had just heard. Mom? She's calling you Mom? How long was I gone? Just a couple of hours. But we decided that since she has no mother, and since she is going to be staying here for a while, that I would do for now. So, you're not going to kick her out? No. She may stay. George was about to jump for joy around the living room. However, his jubilation halted. There are conditions. Oh, he thought. What kind of conditions? Okay, rule number one, Dawn sleeps in the spare bedroom. George and Dawn visibly sank along with their hearts. Rule number two, she pays a monthly rent of $200. Wait, mom, she doesn't have a job. How is she supposed to pay rent? That isn't my problem. And if I catch you paying her rent, I'm kicking you both out. Ah, mom. Don't you ah, mom me. I think that's more than fair. Finding a place to stay for cheaper than that is almost impossible in this town, especially for use of an entire house. George looked over at Dawn, who appeared to be a little uneasy. He was sure she was capable of holding down a job, but he remembered how nervous he was when he went looking for a job the first time, and he didn't need to worry about paying rent. Rule number three. She continued as she began keeping track on her fingers. No hanky-panky or excessive PDAs in the house while your sisters are here. George was about to protest when she stopped him. I don't want to hear it. This is important, George. Your sisters are still very young and whether you like it or not you are the dominant male influence in their lives. The way you and Dawn interact is going to set the tone for their attitudes towards relationships forever. If you two are making out all day long, touching each other, laying around like a bunch of horny logs, then the girls are going to think that that is what is acceptable for them to do too. You have to set a good example, like you would if you were their father. Lord knows, their father isn't putting any decent ideas in their heads with all his little girlfriends running around. She scowled. George was crestfallen, but he knew she was right. Still, keeping his hands off of Dawn was already proving to be a Herculean feat he wasn't sure how he was going to last two entire weeks without at least sneaking a little something. Rule number five, er, for Dawn, you have to do your part around the house. You aren't going to be a maid or anything like that. But if this house is going to be your home, then you will have to treat it as such. If I find that you are disrespecting the house or anything inside it, I'll have to ask you to leave. My home? She asked in wide-eyed wonderment. Yes. This is your home now. At least until you find out what you are going to do about your schooling. But you can stay here for as long as you follow my rules. Is that acceptable? Dawn had adopted a faraway look. She mouthed the word, home, to herself, and her eyes became misty. Dawn, honey? 
Jessica asked as she tilted her head to make eye contact with her. Why, yes? Is that okay with you? She looked towards George. My home? She asked. George had assumed she knew that any home he had would be hers as well, but then he remembered that due to their master-slash-slave connection, this wasn't necessarily the case. He could easily make her sleep outside if he wished, and she would comply with a smile on her face. He nodded. She flashed him her heavenly, heart-softening smile. She turned back to Jessica. That will be very acceptable, thank you. Great, beamed Jessica. She moved over to Dawn and gave her a hug that would not have been out of place if Dawn had been her daughter. George looked on in silence. He was immensely pleased that the two most important women in his life had become close. But as the hug lingered, he began to long to feel what they were feeling, and debated getting in on the hug himself. He let them have their moment, though. He had never been much of a hugger anyway. It only made him feel inadequate. It usually wasn't a big deal, though, because most of his extended family hadn't extended him any hugs for quite a while. Okay, said Jessica as she pulled away from Don. I've had a long day and I'm going to bed. George, try not to stay up too late. You have work tomorrow. Okay, Mom. Good night, all. Good night, they chorused. After George was confident she was out of earshot, he sank into the couch. Phew. That was intense. Sorry to have to throw you in the deep end like that, babe. Dawn laid down on the couch and rested her head on George's lap so that she was looking up at him. I admit, I was worried there for a second. When you went rushing off towards the house I was confused. I couldn't sense any danger in the house, but you were obviously upset about something. I am glad it was just your mother. It could have been much worse. Fuck yeah, he said with a heavy breath. I thought someone was dead. Are you all right? I am fine, thank you. I was very nervous, but your mother is not an unreasonable woman. In fact, she is quite funny. You should have heard all the things she told me about you when you finally went back upstairs. Like what? He said. George became a little worried. He had been a precocious youngster and had many embarrassing adventures before he stopped feeling adventurous. Well, I have now pinpointed the exact moment in time when you discovered girls. George put his hands over his face. Oh no. He groaned. She giggled impishly. Now I have something to blackmail you with when you become famous. Hey, she came on to me, I swear. Maybe, but that did not mean you needed to run around the playground screaming. Please don't say it. It's too embarrassing to think about, let alone hear out loud. Very well. But George, she still remembers. Arg. He dramatized. His face flushed a deep scarlet. They both laughed. But as the laughter died away, Dawn's face adopted a more concerned look. So, about the dream. It was just a dream. He said tiredly. Forgive me, George, I do not think you completely understand how my protection powers work. I am constantly monitoring you for any threat to your well-being, whether from an outside source or from within. These powers are always on, even if I am away from you or otherwise occupied. I do not even need to be conscious. What I observed through your body and mind into a state of near death. Something inside you was trying to kill you. I still think you're overreacting. I've been having dreams like it for years now, and obviously I'm not dead. It may have been a dream, but it is only a symptom, not the cause of your pain. You are being consumed by something, little by little, from the inside. I cannot put my finger on what, but it is there. My powers do not lie. Well, can't your powers protect me from whatever it is? My powers can protect you from anything, unless you prevent me from doing so. Wait, do you mean that I'm not letting you protect me? Yes. Consciously, and for reasons unknown to me, you are blocking me from affecting this corner of your mind. While I do not actively read your mind or delve into your memories unless it is pertinent to your wishes, or would otherwise help me to blend more seamlessly into your world, this one, fairly large construction is completely off-limits. When my powers kicked in and attempted to spare you from whatever was hurting you, your mind decided that it would rather die than let me in. The only thing that could have stopped me was you. George didn't know what to say. He leaned his back against the couch and let out a frustrated sigh. I do not mean to badger you, George. I am just worried about you, that is all. I will drop the subject if you wish. Her voice sounded wounded and crestfallen. George thought hard about all she had said and was reminded of Don and his mother's conversation. They both loved him dearly. Why couldn't he just accept that and move on? Look, Don, I trust you. And I know what you are saying is true. I just want to forget the past, that's all. I don't want to think about all I did wrong or what might have been. 
I just want to be with you and leave all that stuff behind. George, I want to be with you too, for as long as you'll have me. But you know, just as I do, that it is impossible to forget. You can cover anything up with all the happy memories in the world, but the darkness will still be there, and the longer you let this go, the more damage it will do. I am not demanding you get help from me, but please, please take care of this. You cannot ignore it forever, and my powers have the potential to keep you alive for a very, very long time. He knew she was right, about everything. He had been trying to forget what had happened for eleven years and things had only gotten worse. But confronting the past was even more terrifying. Okay. Was all he could finally say. Thank you, George. That is all I wish for you. She took hold of his hand and kissed one his large knuckles. By the way, shame on you for eavesdropping. She said as she lightly bit his index finger. Hey, I was just looking out for you. Nah. You were being sneaky. She scrunched up her face in mock anger and shook her finger at him, like he was a naughty dog. He melted before her unfathomable cuteness. His hand drifted to the curve of her belly while his fingertips crept underneath her shirt. She looked down at the gentle intruder, then looked up to meet George's gaze. She bit her lip in a coy smile. And just where do you think you're going right now, mister? Sure, I'm being sneaky. You're not supposed to know. She giggled and whispered. Oh, right. What was I was thinking? Her hand moved to his, but didn't stop it. As he moved higher, her fingers rested just on the top, enjoying the ride. With his other hand, George caressed her forehead with the back of his fingers. He reached the bottom of her ribcage and traced it upwards to the bottom of her breasts. Her eyes closed and he felt her shiver as she purred. I think I like it when you are sneaky. He could feel the soft flesh of her breast clad in a lacy bra give way to his touch. He dragged his fingertips all along their generous proportions, reveling in the forbiddenness of it. He felt her nipples stiffen against his palms while her hand pushed him to touch harder. Just a few days before, he had done nothing but wonder what a woman's breasts felt like, why they were so alluring, why he couldn't help but daydream about being close enough for a woman to give him their approval. Dawn's ample mounds fulfilled all his expectations, and then some. In the back of his mind he knew they were only breasts. Every woman had them but it was special. It was akin to going to an amusement park for the first time, an amusement park built to his specifications. Everything was made for exploration and thrills and fun. Her breasts were only the first ride. The main attractions had yet to be visited, but what it meant to be that intimate was something he could never have expected. Genie or no, below him was a woman whose trust and affection allowed that she never keep from him. Body, mind, and soul belonged to him. She had accepted him as someone worthy of taking advantage of her if he wanted, but she knew that he wouldn't. The pleasure wrought from such intimacy was more than anything he could have ever imagined. Dawn alternated between craning her neck to see what he was doing to her and looking up into his eyes. She had the loveliest mixture of arousal, innocent curiosity, and reverent affection. As she gazed up at him with her vibrant dawn-colored eyes, she looked to be completely content. She was exactly where the universe intended her to be. There, in George's lap, she was home. It made him feel really good to believe that. He bent low to kiss her quickly on her inviting lips before switching his hand for hers. She understood, and began to fondle herself as George followed her fingers inside the cups of her brow. She bit her lip once more as she roughly tweaked her hard nipples. His hand traveled back down over her stomach, his favorite part of her body, though he didn't know why, and reached the button of her caprice. He unfastened it. She giggled as his fingers danced at the edge of her panties. You may be sneaky, George, but you are also predictable. You're right, this is boring. Let's go play some video games. He smirked as he pulled his hand away. No, no, no. She laughed as she pushed his hand back down. I did not mean that I wish you to stop. Their fingers entwined and rested atop her belly. What do you wish, Don? She smiled heavenly once more and the grip on his hand tightened. I wish so many things. But, she took his hand and guided it back under her pants to the edge of her panties. For now, I wish for you to touch me here. If she had wished that he jump off a cliff, he would have. He slid underneath the elastic and felt the hairs at the top of her mound. She closed her eyes as he pushed down, deeper, through the silky hairs of her short bush, to the velvety skin of her folds. He brushed his fingertip across her clit, eliciting a loud moan from Dawn. Sure, babe, my mom's upstairs. He said quickly. As sorry. She whispered. Please don't stop. I will be quiet. He continued his ministrations. He was very nervous, as he had never attempted to get her off in this manner. 
He still didn't even completely understand her anatomy. All he knew was that she liked what he was doing, so he continued as best he could. He used two fingers and moved them in small circles around her clit. Dawn guided his fingers into her slick vagina, covering them in her lubricating juices. He understood, and let her guide him to where he needed to go. As he stroked her sex, Dawn heroically held in her loudest moans, but a few muffled squeals still escaped. George enjoyed watching her ride below him. One hand held his, the other needed her heavy breasts. All the while she looked up at him with her heavenly smile, biting her lower lip whenever she felt the urge to make too much noise. Hey babe, can I wish that my mom stay upstairs and not notice what we are doing until we are done, now matter how loud we get? Why yes. She managed. Make it so. He felt the pleasant tingle in his mind once more that signified that she was reading the true meaning of his wish. Her eyes flashed gold as the wish was accepted. She let out the sharp yelp she had been holding in. Unhindered by sound, Dawn let George hear her. Oh George, I have been waiting for this all day. She cried. W wait. S stop, please. George let up abruptly, worried that he had done something wrong. Dawn sat up and swung her leg over to straddle him. She placed her hands on his shoulders and leaned in to kiss him passionately. I was about to come. But I want to come with you inside me. She said breathlessly. He kissed her back and said, Strip for me. She giggled and smiled shyly. Yes, master. She stood up and kicked her shoes off. Her hands moved gracefully along the sensual lines of her body, like they weren't her own hands but someone else's, who knew of places she had yet to discover. Her pants were the first to go. They were tight and clung to her as if they were reluctant to let go. She swayed enticingly as she peeled them off her mile-long legs. Her light blue panties came into view. She turned to show George how they hugged the curve of her butt. George had seen her naked almost as much as he had seen her clothed, but watching her disrobe was blowing his mind. Dawn noticed and blushed, even as her caprice finally dropped to the floor. Are you pleased, master? She asked knowingly. George was slightly panting as the body he had been sneaking touches of all day long was finally being revealed. But the anticipation was driving him wild. The long lines indicating her athletic and feminine stems made her look healthy and strong, yet built for only one thing. You are the most beautiful. He stumbled, though he meant it sincerely. She approached slowly and lifted her foot to place it next to George's hip on the sofa. He adopted tunnel vision up the length of her inner thigh, towards her wet pussy. Instinctively, he reached for her calf, made easy by her knee pressing into his shoulder. He massaged the smooth muscle in his large hands, and kissed her where the knee met the inside of her creamy thigh. He looked up to see Dawn watching him enjoy her. Would you like me to continue? She asked, almost in a whisper. He leaned his temple against the inside of her knee and nodded, her display evaporating words from his brain. She brought both her knees down around his waist so that she was straddling him. His hardened shaft nestled against her panty-clad mound. Without another word, she began unbuttoning his shirt from the top. He brought his hands up to stop her, a knee-jerk reaction from his days of feeling unattractive, but he was able to stop himself. He instead rested his hands on her thighs. Dawn quickly graced him with an understanding look before returning to her task. It was so quick that he might have missed it had he not adored her eyes so much. But that was where he felt most enthralled by her. In her eyes was a promise of unending love that filled him with untold hope. Without thinking, he leaned in to kiss her cheek, and thanks for letting him feel something he had only read about. Dawn turned slightly so that she could meet his lips. They kissed just like they had the first time, slow and sweet, like if they pressed further they would chase it away. George felt himself melting away once more. He gripped her thighs tightly as his soul became a little less broken, one step closer to the healing that his mother so desperately wished for, thanks to Dawn. Finally, Dawn finished with the buttons of his white dress shirt. She reached inside and caressed his naked chest, her nails tickling his pecs and abs, before deftly unfastening his belt. His cock was only a quick tug away from being unrestrained. George gripped her thighs even tighter in anticipation. Suddenly, he felt Dawn's light touch pulling his hands northward, across her hips, to the bottom of her top. She pulled away from their passionate kiss and smiled impishly as she lifted her graceful arms above her head. She said not a word, but her intention was clear. George slid his fingers under the top and peeled it up. His hands lingered as they passed over the swell of her tits. She looked down and arched her back, pushing her full breasts into his hands then smiled again as she watched him squeeze them lightly. He continued and pulled it off her arms, leaving her clad in her light blue panties and matching lacy bra. She kissed him quickly once more and said, Get this thing off of me, George. 
It feels so tight. I like to be free. George reached around, and after fumbling with the clasp for a very funny 30 seconds, he finally figured out how it worked. Dawn tried to help by pushing herself forward to give him better access, but all that did was push her glorious mounds into his face. The fact that it only took 30 seconds was a marvel. She giggled the entire time. Once the clasp was released, Dawn stood up and made a show of removing the straps one at a time. She turned away, but looked back as the straps fell from her shoulders. George had never really admired the back before. Sure, he had spent much of his focus on her perky bottom, but her back had only ever been felt. He could clearly see the muscles in her back recede as they curved in towards her trim waist, and then curve out as they met her butt. Her long braided ponytail hung loose down her spine. She wasn't overly toned like a fitness queen, nor was she super skinny like a runway model. She was a healthy mix of soft sensuality and raw sexiness. Dawn let the bra fall away and posed with her arms curled above her head. George could see the outline of her breasts even when her back was turned. George examined every bit of her that he could see and secretly thanked the major genie who created her. Dawn turned around. George was hoping he'd finally be able to see her topless as he had been thinking about it all day. But she kept herself covered with her arms folded across her chest. Her breasts mashed up and out, her arms giving her a support no bra was capable of matching. She sashayed over to him and thrust her right hip towards him. He suddenly noticed that her panties were now tied in two small bows where before they had been held up by elastic. He didn't mind the change. Would you, George? I have my hands full at the moment. She said with a smirk. He dragged his fingers up her thigh to the bow keeping her panties on and slowly pulled the knot loose. The two halves fell away and she turned so that he could repeat on the left side. He pulled the flimsy garment away from her and tossed it over his shoulder. She quickly dropped to her knees, keeping her nakedness out of view. Nervous and unsure of what to do next, George watched in wonder as she positioned herself between his legs. Once she was ready she beckoned him with one finger and come hither smile. He leaned forward and their lips trembled against each other's as their passions become more inflamed. She lifted her hands away from her chest and lightly caressed his face from his temples to his chin. Suddenly, she pushed him back against the couch. She winked and moved in towards his dick still bound in his trousers. She started by massaging its length from his balls to the tip and wrapping her delicate hands around it. George could feel the thin cottony material slide against him. He enjoyed it tremendously, but longed to get his pants off so that Dawn could have full access. Oh, George. I can feel you again. I can feel what I am doing to you. Her eyes began to glaze over as their pleasures mingled within her. Do you want me to stroke your dick? You want me to suck it? Please let me suck it. George nodded dumbly. Please say it, George. Tell me. Order me. Command me. She pleaded. George could have come in his pants right there. De do it. Do what? As suck my dick. I order you to suck it. Dawn ripped his pants down and sucked his throbbing cock into her wet mouth. She bobbed up and down rapidly, twisting her entire head around his pole. She pulled in ragged breaths through her nose and made labored moans, sending vibrations up his shaft. She was sucking his cock like she was on a mission, like she was possessed. George strained with all his might to stave off his orgasm. He wasn't sure if it was due to his new body, or the fact that he had been having a lot of sex lately, or maybe Dawn was keeping him from going over the edge right away, but he was able to stay just out of reach long enough to really enjoy the sight of Dawn's luscious lips enveloping his cock. Her big beautiful eyes were shut tight as she concentrated all her effort on giving him the perfect blowjob. She braced herself against him with her forearms. George pushed a few heavy strands of her golden brown hair out of her face that had unwoven themselves from her braid and held them back. Dawn shot him an appreciative look and even managed a smile around the long cock fucking her mouth. Her eyes glistened as she worked. George marveled at how much enthusiasm she applied to him. She not only looked like she was getting off, but also like she was having fun. As he felt himself approaching the point of no return he cried out. Okay, stop. Wait, wait. Dawn took a long slow suck and his dick popped free from her vacuum-like grip. Relieved, he took a huge breath. Okay, get up here. Dawn raised herself from the floor, but seemed unsure of what to do next. What is it, babe? Well, um, do you want me facing you, or away from you? She asked with an apologetic expression. George held his arms out in as much of an invitation for a hug that he knew how. She smiled heavenly, and crawled into his arms. She straddled him like she had before, only this time his naked cock nestled itself against her bush. She wrapped her arms around his neck, squashing her breasts into his chest in the process. 
She just looked at him for a moment. He didn't feel the tingle, but he got the impression that she was searching for something. He chuckled nervously as he asked. Are you okay, babe? She nodded happily as she suddenly came to her senses. I am very okay, George. Are you ready for me? It occurred to him that he had been ready for her for a long time, before he even met her. All he managed was, Oh, I am so ready. She reached down between them and positioned him at her entrance. She took him in, her eyes never leaving his even as they fluttered. She paused once all of him was inside her. She breathed a sweet euphoric sigh. George had waited to hear it all day. George? Asked Don, as she basked in the feeling of finally being joined. Yes, Don? She leaned her forehead against his and whispered. Thank you? George was confused. She had just given him a blowjob. Why was she thanking him? As if reading his thoughts, Don answered. Thank you for taking me out today. Thank you for standing up to your mother for me. Thank you for being a kind master. Thank you for being you. Thank you? She kissed him. She began to slide up and down his shaft slowly, still locked in their kiss. It was so slow that George almost didn't realize she was doing it at first, so concentrated he was on her lips. But the sensations in his cock radiating up into the pit of his stomach were too powerful to ignore. George hugged her as tight as he could. Dawn began to fuck him faster, being careful not to move her upper body so much as to break their kiss. She breathed her pleasure into him. Her muffled cries echoed through him and cast away all worry and self-doubt. Faster and faster she went, bucking on his cock while George held on to her for dear life. She leaned forward to get a new deeper angle into her sopping pussy. Instead of bouncing, she rolled her hips like the wheels of an out-of-control freight train. George's cock felt like it was being given a blowjob from ten dawns at once where one would have been too much. His cock went from warm to cold and back again in rapid succession as her ass rolled off of him and slammed back down. Her ponytail dangled helplessly as her back curled and knocked it senseless. Finally, it was too much, and Dawn flung her head back to let out a cry George didn't know girls could make. Her voice was broken and ragged. Oh yes, George. Fuck me. Fuck me. She came hard. Her pussy clenched even more tightly around his engorged cock. Then it quivered, even as she continued to ride him. Come in me, George. I want to feel it inside me. I want to feel your hot come fill me up. Oh, master. With a guttural moan he erupted up into her. His cock pulsed as long ropes of his seeds splashed against the walls of her pussy. She felt his orgasm too and it triggered her own. She leaned her head on his shoulder and was nearly crying as the pleasure emanating from George's cock overtook them both. After a few minutes of wheezing, their breathing started returning to normal. Though they were loath to move and break the physical connection that reflected the emotional one that had formed so powerfully over the course of just a few days. George's cock softened slightly, though not completely, but just enough to let some of his cum dribble out and down his shaft. Dawn's head still rested on his shoulder, but she wrapped her arms around his neck in a loving hug. She whimpered as she planted tender kisses on his cheek. T thank you? She whispered softly to him. George! It took a moment to register that his mother was calling him from upstairs. He was tempted to ignore it, but then he heard footsteps. He suddenly realized that she would see them in a matter of seconds. George panicked, but couldn't bring himself to move with Dawn so wonderfully intertwined with him. All he could do was cringe as the footsteps fell closer. In the few seconds he had before his mother found them, all he could think about was how terrible it was going to be when she reconsidered her decision about Dawn. George, said Dawn. He had been expecting a violent outburst from Jessica, not Dawn's sweet whisper. Yeah, Dawn. I have slowed time for a moment. We should have enough time to make ourselves presentable before mom sees us. Can you do that? I mean, can you stop time without me wishing for it? I have only slowed it. I cannot stop it altogether. And I can use my powers for you if it involves sex to a great enough degree and I am sure you would want me to, even if you are too preoccupied with. She looked down at their coupling. Other things. I'm not going to argue with that. Let's get dressed. And thanks for looking out for me, babe. You're welcome. She said happily. After a couple of wishes to get them looking presentable again, George had her resume normal time. All Jessica wanted was her glasses, which she had left on the coffee table in the living room. She was a bit perplexed as to why she didn't think to check there earlier, but dismissed the notion quickly and went back to her room. So, what are we going to do tomorrow? Asked Dawn cheerfully. Her post-orgasmic glow was hard to ignore. Well, I have to go to work and you need to find a job. I suppose I could ask Chip tomorrow if the camp has any positions open. Who is Chip? 
Oh, he's the camp director. Nice guy, really fat, you'd love him. She punched him playfully in the shoulder. So how would you like to try your hand at being a camp counselor? She sank slightly in trepidation. Is it hard? Nah, not for you. It's going to suck though because I won't get to see you most of the day. Ah, uh, she said with a quick kiss. Remember George, I am always only one wish away. I know. Man, this is going to be fun. I'll finally work with someone I actually like. Well, I mean, except for Karen. She's pretty cool. She pulled out her now trademarked playful gasp. Who is this Karen? He laughed nervously. She's just a girl I was infatuated with. Hey, hey, don't get any ideas. She's dating someone already. Dawn became excited when George mentioned he liked Karen. I did not say anything. She said defensively. It's a moot point anyway. She's going out with Rock. George's face went white. What is it, George? She asked worried. Dawn, can you use your powers to check on someone? For sexual purposes, yes? Could I prevent a rape? Dawn's eyes went wide with alarm. Yes, of course. But how? Let's go upstairs. I had better tell you everything. Karen switched on the lights in her bathroom and took a moment to check her appearance. She had spent the last two hours primping and preening in preparation for her date with Rocco. Now that he was late she found herself pacing around her apartment, sneaking nervous glances at her reflection whenever the opportunity presented itself. All the waiting was forcing her to constantly reevaluate her decision to go out with Rocco for a second time. She knew it had to be done, but why couldn't he be different? Why did he have to be such an immature jerk? Why couldn't he be more like George? Her long shiny chestnut hair had been curled and it framed her exotic looking face. She wore a pair of her favorite skin-tight blue jeans and a pink t-shirt. While the shirt was not unflattering, it was nothing compared to the plunging neckline she would have normally worn. She spent a lot of time on her appearance. She liked being pretty. But lately, she wondered who she was being pretty for. It wasn't for herself. And if it was only so she could be attractive to guys like Rocco, then what was the point? A combination of French and Italian heritage, Karen had always been admired for her beauty. It opened many doors for her and earned her sympathy when she desperately needed it. But it was also her curse, attracting many unsavory men interested in nothing but sex. Deep down, she knew Rocco was one of those unsavory types. But that seemed to be the only type of guy she could attract. Rocco had acted gentlemanly throughout their time at the water park and dinner afterwards. She had been fairly excited when he brought her to see the view from the Oceanside Bluffs. She knew what he was doing, and she was planning on letting him have a little fun. But she couldn't believe that he had gone as far as he had. Karen was no virgin, but she wasn't one to give it up on the first date, or even the third date. But Rocco had other ideas. They had started with some light touching and kissing in the back seat of his car, which turned into a tonguey smooch. He wasted no time before grabbing handfuls of her breasts and groping them vigorously. While she didn't appreciate Rocco's rough treatment of her body, it wasn't beyond any lines she had promised herself she wouldn't cross. It was when he began to slide his hands down to the button of her jeans that she put on the brakes. Not yet, Rock. She had whispered as sweetly as she could. Let's save that for another day. He didn't respond, but pulled the button loose and dove into her panties. Karen began to panic and grabbed hold of his wrist to stop him, but Rocco was too strong. Rocco, stop. Stop! She yelled. Oh, come on, girl. Don't be like that said Rocco. He had turned on his tender voice to try and melt her defenses, which flew in opposition to the unwanted treatment of her body. He continued to press further down, into the curls leading to her sex. Angry and terrified, Karen bucked and squirmed as powerfully as she could to break free. It was no use. With one arm wrapped around her and grasping her breasts, the other moving closer to its prize, there was no way for her to break free. She began to tear up as the inevitability of the situation dawned on her. Please, Rock. Please stop. I don't want it like this. She pleaded. Rocco cooed. Didn't we have a good time? All I want is a little bit in return. So stop playing hard to get already. Karen started sobbing as Rocco's pushed his large fingers into her pussy. And no. I want to go home. Please take me home. I'll take you home. Let's just leave this night off right. He pulled his fingers out of her and reached for the zipper of his shorts. After a few moments of fumbling with his underwear, he took out his cock. Once again, he returned to his tender voice. Come on. All I want is a little bit. It'll be fun. Karen considered her options. If she continued to resist, Rocco would just take her against her will. 
but maybe she could get out of this without having to go all the way. Oh, okay. What if I jerk you off? After that, will you take me home? She asked as she wiped her eyes. He gave a broad, predatory smile. Girl, if that's what you want to do, I won't stop ya. Karen leaned over his lap and took hold of his cock. It was bigger than any she had touched before. If she hadn't already been forced into this position, she would have been intimidated by its proportions. She wondered briefly how much of it she would be able to take. If only he weren't forcing her, she might have enjoyed finding out. She was good at stroking a cock. It was something she enjoyed doing. With her ex, she loved to idly stroke him during a movie, or in the car, or any time she could get him to herself. It was easy and fun, and he had loved her for it. But now it was a task that if not completed would mean dire consequences. She used every physical trick she had learned. The mental ones were more intense, and hid the real pleasure, but they required a more patient partner. Even so, it hadn't taken very long. Rocco was simple, and liked it as fast as she could go. Karen's only warning was when he leaned his head back and groaned loudly. The first stream shot straight up to her nose. The rest in a gooey mess around her hands. When he was finished he stuffed his cock back into his shorts, and thanked her. You see? I told you that would be awesome. Yeah, that was great. She said hopefully. See, can you take me home now? I have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Let's get out of here. He climbed into the driver's seat and sped away from the Oceanside Bluff. Karen stayed in the back, with Rocco's spunk leaving a mark on her that she would have trouble letting go of. Since he hadn't given her anything to clean herself was she wiped it underneath the seat. The entire way home Karen fought the urge to cry. She had been less upset about Rocco's assault than her own foolishness for putting herself in that situation. She had moved to this town to get away from her stalker ex-boyfriend and her family's condescending attitude. She liked her classes and teachers at Stafford, her friends at the day camp she worked at, and she loved the children she was charged with looking after. But she had fallen into her old routine of dating guys who were completely wrong for her. She had held out hope that she could find a nice guy who would treat her like a lady instead of some fucktoy. After two years of one bad boyfriend after another, Karen was about ready to give up. Was this to be her destiny, to pass from one poor relationship to another? The next day at work she had found herself in a sour mood as she ruminated over her situation. It didn't help that she had to see Rocco at least twice a day when she brought her kids into the pool for their swimming lessons. Rocco had been so cute to her once. He had short sandy-colored hair, a fresh-looking face like a member of a boy band, and a beautiful chiseled body. He had a look not unlike Tom Cruise in Risky Business, boyish and charming with a huge smile, but in a man's body. But now, he had the face of the boys who had wronged her in the past. There had been one other boy at work that she was interested in. The advanced swimming coach at the pool. George was his name. They didn't talk much, but she could tell there was something different about him. He was about as tall as Rocco without the model quality body, but still cute. He kept to himself mostly, but turned into a gentle giant whenever he was with children. He had such a way with them. He was firm, but fair and kind, and there was a protective big brother-like affection he held for them. The children trusted him almost automatically. She had heard rumors from some of the other guards that he was a loser and a nerd, and once did something gross in the shower with cheese or a cat, or something like that. She never understood why the others belittled him so much, but she paid these rumors no mind. She could tell that George was one of the good guys. She made it a point to help him with his swimming lessons, for which he was always thankful. She started wearing swimsuits around him that weren't completely appropriate for work with children, and George took notice. Out of the corner of her eye she could see that George was sneaking glances. It excited her to know that she could attract a good guy too. But he never made a move. The most she could get from him was a kind word here and there. It was frustrating, but she supposed that was what made good guys good. They didn't just walk up to someone and ask. They thought about it. They agonized over it. To be both desired and revered was something new to her, and she liked it much more than she thought she would. He had been the only person that day to show concern for her. It had gotten around that she had given Rocco a handjob, and she could only guess that rumor had started, though there was no mention of the fact that Rocco forced her into it. But George seemed oblivious to the gossip when he finally approached and asked if she was alright. She panicked. She made an excuse and blew him off. But that wasn't what she wanted to do. She wanted to pour her heart out to him, to tell him all her problems. She knew he would listen and maybe even help her. But she was afraid of what would happen if he knew how messed up she was. She tried to walk away, but stopped, and asked a question that had been haunting her for years. 
Why can't more guys be like you? She could hardly believe she said it. But he answered, as thoughtfully as a good guy should. Because if they were, you wouldn't date them. How right he had been. For her entire life she had been bounced from one damaging male to the next. First her father, then every boy she ever dated. It was almost like she needed to be abused to feel loved. But George was wrong too. If he would have only asked her, she'd have gone anywhere with him. But they parted, and Karen felt terrible. She didn't deserve a guy like George. When putting herself in his shoes she realized it must have taken a lot of courage to do what he did. But she pushed him away. She made him feel bad for wanting to help her. She sunk even lower as the day wore on. When she went back to the pool for her second swim period her first inclination was to find George and apologize. But upon seeing him sulking by himself at the far end of the pool, Karen lost her nerve. Damn it, she thought. Why can't you just ask me? Why can't you stop being a good guy for just a few minutes? As the day ended and the children gathered in the courtyard to be picked up by their parents, Karen learned that one of her campers had forgotten their towel in the pool area. Seeing this as her last opportunity before the weekend to talk to George, she almost sprinted back to the pool under the guise of finding the towel before the camper's parents arrived. As she reached the entrance to the locker room she froze as she noticed Rocco with his friends Eric and Russell leaving the boys' entrance. Rocco and Eric were high-fiving each other. Russell followed close behind, but looked particularly glum in comparison to his friends. Karen and Rocco's eyes met, and he flashed her his dazzling smile. For her part, she managed to fake a nervous grin. She hoped he would pass her by. Instead, Rocco dismissed his friends and strode over to her with his broad chest pushed out and his arms flexed. Hey there, pretty girl. Rocco's gaze scanned her form from head to toe. It made Karen even more uncomfortable. Um, hi she said nervously. She folded her arms across her chest and rubbed them like she was cold. So I was thinking, there's this really cool movie coming out today. Me and the boys was gonna go, but I blew them off to go with you. How does eight o'clock sound? Is he serious? She thought. Is he really so clueless that he doesn't even know how upset I am? No. Not this time. I'm going to be strong. Sorry, Rock, I have plans tonight. I'll call you this weekend if I'm able. Ah, come on, girl. I already told my friends I was gonna, gonna take you out instead of Hanjin with them. Don't leave me Hanjin, girl. Rocco looked so pitiful to her all of a sudden, like a child who wasn't getting his way, on the verge of throwing a temper tantrum. Don't call me girl. My name is Karen and I said I couldn't tonight. Okay, okay, I'm sorry G. Karen. How about tomorrow then? I? I don't know. I'll call you. Out loud she faltered, but inwardly her resolve was ironclad. She swore she wouldn't let herself be the victim again. Karen walked briskly through the girl's locker room. She'd show Rocco, she'd show her father, she'd show herself that she deserved better. She was almost giddy as she approached the stairs leading up to the pool. Karen almost knocked into George as he left the boys' locker room at the same time. Startled, she broke into a hurried explanation as to why she was there, when she noticed that George's left eye was swollen and black. He looked like he had been in a fight. Instinctively, she brought her hand up to touch his face. She wanted to heal him, to take care of him, but George pushed her away. He turned in shame, saying something about falling on a bench. But George looked like he had been gut-punched. Nobody became that emotionally damaged over a simple fall. As he walked away, he said something that would haunt her for the rest of the weekend. You can do whatever, I don't care. Her heart felt like it had been ripped from her chest. Destroyed, all she could manage was a meek. Okay. As George disappeared all of her hopes and dreams vanished into nothingness. She walked to her car in a daze, forgetting all about her campers. The entire time, she attempted to unravel how her world had changed so suddenly. She had gone from marching up to the gates of heaven without a doubt in her mind to falling end over end into the deepest pit. It wasn't until she reached her old second-hand SUV that she began to make sense out of what had just happened. Had George heard that I gave Rocco a hand job? Does he think I'm some kind of whore? Karen knew he hadn't really fallen, George was easily the worst liar she had ever encountered. Then she remembered Rocco and his crew leaving the locker room just before she entered. Rocco must have done it. The question that baffled her was why. But all of those thoughts were second to George's words. She replayed them over and over again in her head, and each time she did it felt like she was being stabbed. I don't care. I don't care. Over and over. Her hands shook as she fumbled with her keys and started up the car. When she began to pull out of the parking lot, she found herself unable to concentrate on the road. 
her vision blurred with tears as she pulled over into a gas station less than a mile from the college. She buried her face in her arms, leaned against the steering wheel, and surrendered to despair. She knew then that she had been a fool. No man would ever love her, especially not a man like George. She wasn't pure enough, she wasn't innocent. She was a miserable little slut, just like her father had called her. She deserved to be used, to be abused. She was a victim, it was all she'd ever be. She felt like nothing. Karen spent that night, and most of Saturday alone in the darkness of her bedroom. She curled herself into a ball in an attempt to become as tiny as possible. If she could have disappeared, she would have. Her only contact with the outside world came from her roommates knocking on her door to see if she was okay, and the solace-crushing phone calls from Mako. He must have left ten messages on her machine before she finally picked up. She didn't even know what he was saying, but it didn't matter to her. She knew what he wanted. There was no use resisting. Whether it be Rocco, or some other guy, they would take it from her eventually. She thought about running again, but no matter where she went there would always be guys like Rocco who would take advantage of her. She heard something about being ready for Sunday night. Might as well get it over with. She thought. She agreed. That night, Karen fell into a restless daze in which she only caught fleeting glimpses of sleep. In the hours between her naps she lay there staring at the clock, thinking. She wondered what her father would say about this. She could imagine nothing constructive. But she found, in spite of herself, that she missed him. But that was part of the problem, seeking shelter in the jaws of a monster. She flirted with the idea of going home, but it felt so far away. Not that she ever really had a home with her family to begin with. But what she thought about most was George. She wanted to know what he was doing. She wanted to imagine that he was thinking about her. Sunday morning came and went. It wasn't until sometime around noon that she climbed out of bed. She prepared herself for her date with enthusiasm reserved for a dog going to the vet. Eight o'clock finally rolled around and still no Rocco. If he was going to rape her, he could at least be punctual. 8.45, and Karen's nervous wanderings were finally broken by the sound of Rocco's supped-up Trans Am pulling in front of her apartment window. He honked the horn impatiently, the bass from his stereo shook the neighborhood. Karen took one last look at herself in the mirror, breathed deep, and headed downstairs to meet him. I'm such an asshole, said George. Oh, George, sighed Don. There was no way you could have known. And besides, you had just been punched in the face. She will forgive you. He and Don lounged on his old bed. George laid on his back with his head near the edge while Dawn propped herself up with her elbows as she lay on her stomach beside him. She was playing a video game on George's small TV while she allowed him to observe Karen and Rocco's date as it unfolded. The two were dressed for bed, with George in an old pair of now very baggy sweatpants and a white undershirt, and Dawn in a set of traditional-looking sky-blue pajamas, but made of the finest silk imaginable. George made it a point to keep at least a finger touching her at all times. Maybe. I feel like shit anyway. I mean, I could have really helped her and I blew it. I don't even deserve to be her friend. Dawn's on-screen avatar lost a life as she sighed once more in frustration. I really do not understand all this nonsense about people not deserving one another. If you do not at least believe it is possible then how would you ever find anyone? Rocco certainly believes he deserves her. And as despicable as he is, he still gets the girl. Wow. I never really thought about it like that. Dawn quickly apologized. Sorry, I did not mean for it to come out so strongly. But I would hate to see someone hurt but for a simple lack of confidence. You do deserve her. And she deserves you. She giggled unexpectedly. And I deserve to watch. George smirked. There you go again. It is literally a one-track mind. She raised her rump off the bed and wiggled it for George. So what do you think I should do? Dawn placed her controller on the floor and moved closer to George so she could rest her chin on his chest. I think you should do what you know to be right. You said before that with great power comes great responsibility. If you truly believe this then we must help Karen now. But what if she finds out about you? What if Rocco found out? They will not, unless you want them to. But you know this. She crawled upwards so that she could gaze upon him. What is really bothering you? Dawn's heavenly piercing eyes bore right through his defenses. He cringed as he admitted. What if I make things worse? What if I screw up again? Dawn placed her finger on his lips and gently quieted him. George, things have become this way because you did not act. You know, much better than I, that it is time for you to stop running and start acting. And if things become worse we will deal with it, together. The rewards for an action are that things stay the same. But the rewards for being a hero are vast. 
George pulled her closer and embraced her. Be the hero? He asked. She nodded. Okay, maybe this one time, I'll make a wish. But only to make sure she isn't raped. I don't think I could stand it if something like that happened to her again. Dawn sat up straight and clapped her hands together. Very well. Hmm. She looked as though she had come to some conclusion. What is it? I was just thinking, this is the first time that I will use my abilities to save somebody. I feel like a character in a video game. George laughed, but he had to admit that he did as well. Okay, I wish. Chapter 7 Losing a Little George, whispered Dawn's soft feminine voice. George Everhart was fully awake. He had been, ever since he heard Dawn open his bedroom door and crawl onto his bed. She was sitting on her knees beside him and brought her face very close to his as she whispered again. George, it is time to wake. He had tossed and turned most of the night. This was partly because he already missed Dawn sleeping next to him, but also because he had been worried about Karen and her date with Rocco. After he had explained what he had heard of Rocco's plans for Karen, Dawn informed him that they had a date planned for that night. Using a wish, George was hoping to disrupt it enough that Rocco would leave Karen alone, at least temporarily. He had placed his trust in Dawn's abilities to keep Karen safe, but he was nervous. But somehow, he felt completely rested and ready for the day. He had asked Dawn to wake him at six, so that he could get to work early enough to ask the camp director if he would hire Dawn. He hadn't expected to wake so refreshed. Despite his worries, he was very happy to finally see Dawn again, and decided a little fun was in order. He could feel her hair fall to one side of his pillow as she leaned closer to kiss him on his cheek. He suppressed the urge to turn and kiss her back with great difficulty, but could do nothing against his need to squirm. To mask it, he rolled away from her and began mumbling, as if he was still dreaming. He suspected that Dawn was not fooled when she giggled. But she didn't call him out just yet. As deftly as a cat, she slid underneath his sheet and straddled his waist. He could feel her breasts pressing against his chest and her warm breath just millimeters from his lips. Master, she whispered. Are you awake? George muttered something barely coherent about needing five more minutes. Hmm, my poor sleepy master. He needs to wake up so that he can have enough time to ravish me before work. Maybe if I do this. Dawn kissed his lips softly. George suddenly realized that his plan of teasing Dawn had a fatal flaw. If he wanted to continue his game, then he couldn't react to anything she did. He resisted temptation, but not without consciously forcing his lips to stay closed. No? Hmm. What if I go just a little lower? She kissed his chin, then his neck, and around the contours of his collarbone. Strange, that did not work either. I suppose that I will have to be a bit more vigorous. With that, Dawn reached under his shirt and began to massage his chest. She started with long, gentle strokes which drove George mad from the ticklish feeling it gave him. He couldn't resist squirming. Then, she started digging into his muscles with the precision of a professional masseuse. She pressed her fingertips up and down his torso. Meanwhile, she had scooted down to straddle his pelvis and his morning wood. As she massaged him with her wonderful hands, she rode up and down the length of his shaft through their clothing. George was in blissful agony. His breathing became slightly heavier, and he had to practically lay on his hands to keep from wrapping her up in his arms and taking her properly. But he knew that she was in the process of taking him somewhere he had never been. He wasn't sure where he was going to end up, but any ride with Dawn was guaranteed to be a journey worth taking. Dawn pushed his shirt up and planted soft kisses around his belly button. He could feel her hair trace up the lines of his muscles as she moved upwards, savoring the taste of his skin all the way. Then, without warning, Dawn lightly bit his left nipple. Ow. Fuck. He yelped without thinking. Dawn chuckled as she sat higher on his stomach to look at him properly. Oh, I am so sorry. Did I wake you, master? George couldn't help but laugh as she faked her innocence in the cutest way possible. Okay, you got me. I'm up. Hmm. She mused. You have to get up pretty early in the morning to trick me. She leaned in and kissed him passionately, their first of the day. When both were satisfied, Dawn sat back up and gave George the first full view of her that morning. Though George thought she was as beautiful as ever, he couldn't help but notice that she must have wasted no time hurrying to his room upon waking herself. She was a child on Christmas morning, giddy with anticipation for what presents the new day would bring her. She wore a tight-fitting solid yellow t-shirt and a pair of very small panties to match. Her long golden brown hair hung free and a bit disheveled from the night. She never wore makeup, she didn't need any, and her eyes were as vibrant and full of life as they could be. 
Good morning, George, said Dawn through a sexy smile. She noticed how he looked at her and was clearly pleased. Did you sleep well? He replied. She frowned. No, not really. Why not? You were really pooped last night. He asked worried. Well, I am assuming this must be a product of my being a genie servant, but I am finding it difficult to be away from you for extended periods of time. Even though our doors are only ten feet from each other, it feels like it might as well be across the universe. I did not actually get any sleep until a few hours ago. Had it not been for your wish that I wake you up in time for work, then I would have been quite erect today. Wait? I made that wish? Of course you did. I quote Dawn, please wake me up tomorrow morning so that I'll have enough time to get to work early. I need to talk to Chip about getting you a job. She said in her best impersonation of George. It sounded so strange coming from Dawn, who added many inflections that he was sure he never used. So you see, you wish that I do this for you, and so it is done. George cocked his eyebrow at her, she cocked back. But I didn't wish for anything sexual. Well, you did not specify exactly how you wanted me to wake you, but I assumed it must have had something to do with sex. Otherwise, I would not be able to wake you up right now, and both of us will go back to bed as if I had overslept. She gave him a very naughty look and rolled next to him. She quickly slipped her panties off and flung them deftly over her shoulder, so that they landed around the bedpost. And besides, she started as she climbed back on top of George so that she was facing away from him, her beautiful wet pussy aimed at his lips. We need time to eat breakfast. She reached into his pants, pulled out his hard cock, and began to suck him in long, deep strokes. George was speechless. He could hardly believe what was happening. But without even thinking he began to lick and suck on her clit. She moaned over his cock. George dived deeper and deeper into her pussy even as he began to lose himself to the emotions between them. He pushed into her using his middle finger, and licked everywhere else. That's it, master! You own me, you own that pussy! Heard George. Or at least he thought he heard it. It almost sounded like it was coming from inside his head. She sucked faster, and twirled her tongue around his length. The warm to cold feeling on the entire length of his cock as she took him all the way in and all the way out again was causing him to buck his hips, as he tried to force more inside of her slurping mouth. MMPH, MMPH, MMPH. She moaned quickly. Yes. Heard George from somewhere. I love this cock. I love every inch of it. Fuck me, master. George couldn't waste time trying to figure out how she was talking with his cock buried so far down her throat. He was too busy with her quivering loins. It was almost as if the two of them were competing to see who could make the other come first. But George had the upper hand due to his wish that she feel the pleasure she give him. She came fast and hard around his finger, and she moaned loud and lustful around his cock. He didn't take much longer, and shot his load with her lips touching the base of his shaft. They laid there for a minute as their ecstasy abetted. Dawn pulled herself up reluctantly, and only slightly, as if she was loath to be apart from his member. She was breathing heavily around him, but even so George heard her. Oh George, please forgive my impulsiveness, but could you stay home from work today? Please? I do not wish to leave your bed. I wish I could. He stopped. Yes, master? Heard George as she began tonguing the head of his cock again. Oh no! You're trying to trick me into wishing it true, when you know full well it's sexual enough. She gave a muffled chuckle. Man, you're much more feisty in the morning. George heard her voice in his head again. But you are awake now, correct? Okay, that is starting to creep me out. How are you doing that? Doing what? She asked innocently. Don't get coy with me. How are you talking while your tongue is clearly occupied? And turn around so I don't have to speak into your asshole, would ya? Dawn had to take George's cock out of her mouth so that she could laugh without gagging. Ah. Are you sure you do not want to get more acquainted with it? You have not even touched it yet. George had to spend a moment to think about that. He had never really given much thought to anal sex before, but the notion didn't disgust him. He smacked her left cheek playfully and said, Maybe later. Suit yourself. She said quite nonchalantly. She rolled off, righted herself, and dived back on top of him, making George grunt as his wind was almost knocked away. Holy hell! Did you eat bricks for breakfast too? He joked as he collected himself. She gave him a wry look and batted his nose with her finger. She then gazed at him with her eyes that always seemed unreal and familiar at the same time. Right now, I am speaking directly to your mind. I did not want to wake your mother, but I love making a little noise. So I thought I would, what is the expression, have my pie and eat it too? 
Wait, I thought you said you don't read my thoughts. Asked George. I am not, she said reassuringly. I am only projecting my words into the part of your mind that deals with language. Think of it like a... George felt the tingle in his mind as Don searched for an analogy he would understand. Like a phone call. I speak to you, but I can only send you my words. I must then wait for you to send me yours. I can stop if you prefer. No, no, he replied quickly. I don't mind at all. It's just strange to hear your voice but not actually hear it. I mean, it almost feels like I'm the one thinking your words. Can I talk to you like that? Of course. All you have to do is concentrate on what you want to say to me and think it. I will do the rest. Okay. Let's see. Crap, what do I say to you? She giggled. Anything. We are just practicing. Yeah, but it's the first thing I'm going to say to anyone telepathically. It should be something worth saying, I would think. George thought hard, but was surprised by what came to him first. He had been so hesitant to even think it before, but the words I love you were now at the top of his list. He didn't say it. He wanted to, but something stopped him. There was something deep within him, something primal, almost instinctual, that wasn't ready to make that step. But George was so preoccupied by this thought that he couldn't think of anything else he wanted to say. Don watched him curiously, but patiently. Finally, he asked, What do you want to hear me say? It was a loaded question. He was hoping she would want to hear him say it. That might have taken some of the burden off of him. Instead, she replied, How about, good morning? You haven't said that to me yet today. George nodded. He was relieved and frustrated at the same time. He straightened himself as he said, Good morning. Dawn held in her laugh with much effort. Um, that might have worked, but I could not tell over your own voice. Try again, but try not to speak the words out loud. Oh, right. Duh. He tried again. This time he thought as hard as he could in her direction. Good morning. Dawn broke out into hysterical laughter that took at least a minute to subside. George didn't know what was so funny, but couldn't help but laugh anyway. Her laugh was that infections. I am so sorry. She said laughing. You, you. She continued. You sounded like God money. George started cracking up like she had. Hey. Excuse me. I wasn't created knowing the secrets of the universe. All right. Sorry, sorry. But that was just too funny. Here, try again. But this time do not try so hard. Remember that you are not actually transmitting anything my way. George tried again. This time he thought of it as if he were planning what to say to someone in his mind. He was used to doing that. Good morning. He thought. Much better. She bounced. That came in loud and clear. Now do it one more time. Good morning, Don. Hey, this isn't so hard. Are there any crazy genie rules about this? Nope. If you like, I will always be a thought away. Now, for practice, tell me how awesome I am. Ha! He laughed. Oops, I'll have to watch out for that. Don't tell me too many jokes like this or people will think I'm bonkers. Dawn folded her arms and feigned impatience. I am waiting. Man, feisty! But I'll admit you're cute when you're teaching. It is mostly the boobs. She thought as she held her breasts up. Not gonna argue with that. He mused. So, change of topic, how did things go with Karen and Rocco last night? Hey, we are practicing, keep thinking please. She said in her new teacher voice. Oh, sorry. She smiled. You will be pleased to know that Rocco was so preoccupied last night that he was unable to continue his date. Apparently, wishing him to experience explosive diarrhea every time he thought about sex with Karen was enough to keep him busy most of the night. Ugh, dealing with him is gonna be a treat today. I almost feel sorry for him. Not me. She said defiantly. I have not even met him and I am hoping you would wish that his penis turn into a piece of wet cardboard. It is no more than he deserves. Maybe, said George. But I don't think it's my place to mete out that kind of justice just yet. I still kind of feel bad for being so heavy-handed in the first place. You need not worry. I would let you know if there were to be anything you would want to be aware of. I know, but I'm more worried about getting drunk with power. Would you prefer that I go around wishing that everyone I don't like have their sex organs run flaccid and dry? I wouldn't be a very nice master then, would I? Dawn thought hard before answering. Jeannie Dawn wants you to wish anything you want as long as it fits inside the laws it has been bound to. Girlfriend Dawn wants you to stay as you are, and would be sad if you turned from benevolence. And I don't want to make you sad. So please, help me be careful with my wishes. My dad wouldn't have. He sighed. 
Look, I've been given a great gift in you. I don't want to dishonor that by using you for selfish or, hell, evil deeds. I understand. But please know, it is not inherently selfish to wish good things for yourself. I want to give you what you want. I want to make you happy. It is my purpose. George remembered their previous conversation about Dawn's creation as a genie. Her mother had wished that she be happy and blessed and loved for as long as she lived. He couldn't help but wonder if Dawn's mother intended her to be used this way. Then my purpose as your master is to give you the opportunity to be happy without having to please me. She nodded. As you wish. That is why you are the master, and I am your servant. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about that, he said with a grin. Eventually, the two left the comforts of George's bed and showered, separately. He dressed quickly in a pair of board shorts that could be tightened enough to hang on his waist, and a simple red lifeguard tank. Though he thought it funny, George was excited to wear it. It had been given to him at the beginning of the summer as part of his uniform, but it was much too small for him, and he opted to wear baggy t-shirts instead. Now, rather than filling it out in a way that might make others cringe, he filled it out in all the right places. For the first time since he took the job, he actually looked like a lifeguard. David Hasselhoff, eat your heart out. He joked to himself. Dawn's ritual was much more entertaining. Since they were somewhat pressed for time, she didn't pose through dozens of outfits. Rather, she scanned George from head to toe in deep contemplation before coming to a decision. She snapped her fingers for effect, she admitted she didn't have to, and her clothing changed instantly. When completed, she had on a pair of jean shorts cut to the top of her thigh, white sneakers, a blue bikini with white horizontal stripes, a white tank top tied tight just above her midriff, and her golden brown hair tied up in a simple ponytail. George was moments away from mentioning that she was probably dressed too scandalously for working with children, when he mentally kicked himself. He quickly realized that Dawn was much too gorgeous to ever really be appropriate for children, no matter what she wore. But secretly, George wanted others to see her. He wanted all of his co-workers to see her, to be jealous of him. George's mother was already up, though she wasn't moving at the breakneck pace normally associated with the early mornings thanks to the girls not being there. She sat at the kitchen table, sipping her coffee and reading the newspaper, quite serenely. Good morning, guys. She greeted. Hey, Mom. Piped Dawn happily. Jessica adopted a knowing look. You're awfully chipper this morning. I am, huh? Dawn replied as she plopped down in a chair next to her. Jessica looked at Dawn, then turned her scrutinizing gaze towards George, who wilted like a dying flower. You didn't. Not this morning? She asked in amazement. George says that I am feisty in the morning. Said Dawn as she tore the funny pages from the paper and began reading in earnest. George thought quickly. Are you crazy? What are you doing? Dawn only giggled, presumably at the funnies. Jessica sighed heavily. Oh, to be nineteen again. George looked at her in disbelief. Jessica then turned to Dawn and said, Henry once told me the same thing. Mrs. Everhart. Gasped Dawn. You slut. The women laughed like old friends. However, George was shocked at the idea of his mother as a sexual creature. She certainly wasn't unattractive, especially for her age, but she was his mother and thinking of her as a woman who liked sex was disconcerting for him. George threw his hands up in defeat. Let's eat and get out of here, before any more of my childhood illusions are exploded in front of me. As they foraged for breakfast, Mrs. Everhart commented on the state of George's clothing. I just bought those shorts last month. How are they so loose on you? Well, I, uh... He stammered. I've been eating better, and I've been doing some laps in the pool on my lunch break. Oh, good for you. Well, we'll have to get you some new duds then. You look like a hobo in those things. Hell, they look like they are going to just slip right off you. Dawn turned to Jessica and said softly. That is all part of his plan. Jessica stuck her fingers in her ears. La la la, too much information. A few frozen waffles later, and they were out the door. Jessica stopped George before he left the kitchen. George, please don't forget that you're taking your sisters home after work. And I'm making dinner for everyone tonight, so don't make any plans. As they walked to the car, Don asked. George, have you ever wondered what your parents were like when they were your age? How do you mean? He asked as they climbed into his car. Well, they were both young and vigorous. And they lived together for a number of years before they had you. George had never heard much about that time in their lives. To him, his mother was always just a mother. She was a very cool mother, but a mother nonetheless. He had heard much about his father's adventures in college. But beyond the fact that they had conceived George, not many other details had been given about their love life. 
I only know what I saw. They hung out together a lot. They didn't like to go out separately. They rarely fought, and when they did it was never about anything serious. They just seemed happy together. Does that not remind you of anybody? I believe much of your expectations about relationships came from what you observed as a child. You watched them kiss and hug and show affection for each other. But did you ever wonder what they did when you were not looking? Isn't that like, against the law, or something? She gave him an amused smile, and said, They did what we do. Your mother loved your father like I love you. George sat in silence for a moment. It had been so long since he had seen his parents in love, he had almost forgotten. But they had been, desperately so, and it made him feel really good to remember that. Thanks, Don, he said finally. I needed that. My pleasure, George, she said quietly. He started the car, but before he put it in gear, he paused. He was feeling something so powerful that he had to address it. Without thinking, he reached across the seat and hugged Dawn tightly. Her closeness let him remember a time when things might not have been perfect, but they were good. He hoped he could make the feeling last. She whispered, You will never have to wish it, but you will be loved like you remember. I promise. George didn't reply, but he knew. Fuck this place. And fuck you, Chip. A middle-aged woman that George recognized as the head counselor for his sister Karina's group stormed out of Chip's office and almost slammed into him as she huffed down the aisle. George and Dawn watched her leave, confused and stunned. Don't worry about it, honey. Came a woman's voice from inside the office. You made the right call. I know, said Chip in a tired voice. Let's just try and figure out what we are going to do about Group A. I can fill in until you can hire someone else. She added quickly. Absolutely not. You know what the doctor said. I can't have you walking around the campus all day long. And chasing around children no less. Chip sounded much more stern than usual. George turned to Dawn and whispered. Wish me luck. She gave him a quick peck on his lips and straightened his hair. Good luck and thank you, George. George knocked on the open door frame and entered. Oh, hey there, George, said Chip. He was sitting down behind an old teacher's desk which was covered with paperwork. Several filing cabinets seemed to be exploding with documents. His office wasn't small, but next to Chip's girth, it felt like a closet. Chip was a corpulent man, easily approaching 400 pounds, though he was known as being a thoughtful and dedicated, if a little quirky, college professor. He had rosy cheeks and a bouncy walk, though today he looked tired and somber, like he needed one more weekend. I'm surprised to see you here so early, especially considering how often you've been late, recently. He said as if he was expecting George to apologize. He had a reputation for being fatherly to the staff, but this was the first time he had done so to George. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. But I got a new alarm clock that works like a charm, so I won't have any more problems. Dawn's voice floated into his head. I know how I'm waking you up tomorrow. Ship, he replied. Glad to hear it, glad to hear it. So, what do you need, son? Well, actually, I need a favor. Chip forced a laugh. Sorry, George, but I think I might be short on favors today. Honey, at least listen to him. Chip's wife and sat on a stool in the corner with a pile of papers of her own. She may have once been pretty, but her cancer was common knowledge among the staff. It was in remission as far as George knew, but the ravages of chemotherapy had taken their toll. She looked thin, pale, and weak. She always wore a ripped camp t-shirt around her head as a bandana to cover her patchy hair. Actually, began George, I think we can help each other. Chip's office chair creaked loudly as he leaned back. I'm listening. I saw Mrs. Jackson storm out of here. Did she quit? Not quite, said in somberly. We let Mrs. Jackson go, can't really say why. You understand. Okay, well, you'll be needing a new counselor for Group A, right? I have an idea. You have someone in mind then. Let me guess. Friend of yours, right? He sat forward and frowned. Listen, I want to help you, but I can't just hire anyone. We screen our employees extensively. You can't be too careful when you are putting children in someone else's hands. I know that, but if you'll just meet her. I'll meet with her. But the process will take at least a week. You know how Gordon is, he reads the rule book more than a Catholic reads the Bible. Sorry, Don, this isn't looking too good. It is all right. He has a valid point after all. I am not a known quantity like Karen is. This is good for her though. It puts her line for a promotion, does it not? Yeah, but, oh Don, you're a genius. I'm buying you a pizza. What is a pizza? George? 
interrupted Chip. Yes? Sorry, he stammered. You kinda spaced out there for a second. Well, I was just thinking that if you promoted Karen to head counselor, you could hire my friend as a junior counselor without a problem, right? Chip rubbed his large chin as he thought. Hmm, they do leave the junior counselors up to me, and Karen is easily qualified. I brought her with me, in case you wanted to interview her. Chip turned to his wife. What do you know? George came prepared today. He reached into a desk drawer and pulled out a bundle of papers. Let's do this quick, campers will get here soon. George spun around excitedly and poked his head through the threshold so he could motion Dawn inside. As she entered, Chip took in a sharp breath. He stood up quickly, which made his chair slip out behind him and bang against the wall, and straightened his shirt that had bunched up around his midsection. He extended his hand quickly. Hello, hello? Chip Reynolds. You are? Dawn. Dawn Lovecraft. Pleasure, said Chip as he took her hand. Sit, sit, please. Dawn sat across from Chip on an old footstool. Even in the uncomfortable chair, Dawn sat up straight and dignified, her legs crossed. From George's position in the doorway, he had a wonderful view of her long legs folded over themselves. I'll get right down to the nitty-gritty. Why do you want to work here? Dawn tilted her head as he she wondered out loud. What a great question. After a moment to collect her answer, she said, I believe this place would be a source of endless opportunity and experience for me. All the people and activities. The campus is so beautiful. George has told me so many wonderful stories about this place. And working here would allow me to be close to him. From the corner came Anne's voice. Oh, I see. She smiled at George. George blushed. She's really good at reading people. She'd make a great child psychologist one day. That's good, that's good. Have any experience with kids? None so far, though I have read quite a bit. Hm. He rubbed his chin and began marking something on his paper in front of him. Have any references then? Um, well, no. Hm, yeah, that's gonna be a problem. Usually, a teacher gives our applicants a recommendation. Gordon won't like it if I hire you without one. I'd vouch for her. Said George quickly. I bet you would. And believe me, bud, if that's all that was required, I'd hire her in a second. Linda tells me you're one of the best swimming coaches she's ever seen. Really? Asked George surprised. Mr. Reynolds, if I may? Began Dawn. I understand that we have placed you in a difficult position. Please understand that if you cannot help us, there would be no hard feelings. I am confident that I could find a job elsewhere. Dawn gazed at him, her countenance filled with grace. But if you would take the chance, I know that you would not be disappointed. There is nothing in this world that I cannot do, or do well. You would honor me by giving me the chance to prove it. Chip studied Dawn intently. Dawn didn't seem to mind the scrutiny. As Chip stared thoughtfully at her, Dawn stared thoughtfully back. Oh honey, just do it, you know you want to. Piped and from the corner. Dear, you are ruining the suspense. Chip laughed. All right, I'll hire you. I just wanted to make sure that you could keep a cool head. You'll need that with these little monsters. You mean it? Bounced Dawn. Yep. I'll vouch for you. That means my neck is on the line if you don't work out. Do we understand each other? Yes, sir. Great. You know, it's really amazing how this worked out. One minute, I'm down a head counselor. The next I'm hiring a very pretty and articulate replacement. That's, what is the word, serendipity. And went back to her papers and muttered. Such a dork. It's true. He admitted. Okay, Don, we'll fill out paperwork later. I need you and Karen to get acquainted before the campers get here. She should be able to fill you in on all the details. Bottom line, don't let them kill each other, and for heaven's sake, don't lose any of them. And stood up. Come with me, dear, we need to get you a camp shirt, and maybe go over the dress code. Um, honey, said Chip sheepishly. I, uh, need that paperwork finished pretty quickly. Maybe we should let George get one for her. Mr. Reynolds, I am perfectly capable of making the journey to the equipment room without collapsing. Chip glanced at George and Dawn nervously. He said quietly, Dear, please, it's three sets of stairs, and you promise. And huffed in frustration as she sat back down and continued working. Chip pulled a set of keys out of his desk and tossed them to George. You know where? Leave them close by. I'll tell the P guys where to find them. Dawn stood and shook Chip's hand once more. Thank you so much, Mr. Reynolds. You will not regret this. The couple moved briskly to the stairwell. Dawn was overjoyed, skipping and bouncing as they walked, whispering excitedly. I have a job. 
I cannot believe it. I have a job. George led her down the stairs to the gymnasium. The equipment room was in a nook on the far side of the massive room. There were many keys, and it took a moment to find the right one. Finally, the padlock on the large wooden doors gave way, and George and Dawn entered. George took a quick look to find the box that contained the extra camp shirts. This was no easy task, as the college had collected a wide range of sporting gear over the years. George always liked going in there for its dark and mysterious atmosphere. The exposed brick walls, heavy wood beams, copious amounts of dust, and poor lighting gave it an old attic-like mystique. There were as many as eight rows of shelving, all overflowing with old soccer cleats, football helmets, hockey sticks, and even cricket bats. There were large crates filled with all different sorts of balls, stashes of orange cones and field markers. The whole room smelled of old sweat and dust. But George didn't have time to look for very long. As he spotted the large cardboard box labeled camp shirts stacked precariously on top of some blue gym mats, he heard the door to the room shut tight. He turned just in time to catch Dawn, as she jumped up to wrap her arms around him and kiss him lustfully. She pushed him hard into the mats, which knocked the box over so that a cascade of blue camp shirts washed over them. George was surprised by the suddenness of it, but couldn't bring himself to stop her. Whoa! Is it still morning? He thought. Dawn smiled widely even as she continued to kiss him. An extra large shirt had landed right on top of her head, obscuring half of her face. What can I say? I can be feisty, and find shirts at the same time. She pulled away, and began to peel off her tank top. Babe! What are you doing? He said out loud. She ignored him, and threw her shorts down. She was determined and giddy. George, I am so happy right now I could scream. So unless you tell me stop, you are going to get some. Without another word, George threw off his clothing in a frenzy. She was finished first, and helped pull his shorts down. Once all the pesky clothing was out of the way, George lifted her up so that she could wrap her legs around his waist, and flung himself around so that her back was against the mats. They kissed as George slid into her dripping pussy. Her cries of passion were loud enough to get them into trouble if someone were to enter that side of the gym, but neither of them could think to worry about it. Oh, George! You are amazing! Fuck me, baby! She cried. For the first time since he met her, George felt like he really was just fucking her. There was no foreplay, no build-up, no pretense. It was hot, sweaty, and primal. Running on pure adrenaline, George couldn't think beyond what was happening below his waist. The sounds of skin on skin, along with their salacious moans, blocked out all reason. He held on to her as tightly as he could, and wanted to be even closer. Her feet locked at his back, and her fingers grasped his head and neck. They came quickly and powerfully. A complete mess from head to toe, they couldn't help but laugh at the absurdity of the situation. They took a moment to catch their breath, giggling like children. A quick wish got them presentable, but neither spoke about the encounter. George had always needed some sort of debriefing from Dawn whenever they tried something new. Not this time. He was happy it happened, happy that she wanted it, just plain happy. Before leaving, they collected a few shirts for Dawn that fit her reasonably well. She wore a small, but her large breasts made fitting into a small somewhat of a challenge. She opted for the tightest fit possible, but George insisted she take a few that would be larger, just in case. They left the equipment room behind, its walls having a new story to tell, and emerged with an obvious glow. It was a little too obvious. As George snapped the padlock back into place, he heard whispers and giggles moving away from them. George and Dawn exchanged looks, he was worried, but Dawn seemed unaffected. He peered out into the gym, hoping to see whoever it was, and determine if they had an idea of what he'd been doing. All he caught were the doors to the gym creaking shut. Oh crap, said George. Do you think they saw us? Dawn took on her faraway look as she scribed for information. No, but they did hear me scream your name. They having a feeling it was you, but they do not recognize my voice. Shit. Do you know who it was? She scried again. Two young women. Twins, it looks like. And copper hair. Michelle and Danielle. Fuck, this isn't good. Pardon me, George, but I do not see the problem. They did not see us, and thus have no proof. And even if they did, would others not be impressed? Like always, Don's simple logic left him feeling like a jittery old woman. Uh, well, I guess. But those bitches don't need proof. Gossip is their weapon. All right then, would you like me to erase their knowledge of our encounter? George was tempted, but this was exactly the kind of power he was afraid of. No, he said as he sighed in frustration. It's the same as with Rocco. 
I'll just have to deal with it. Don laughed. Ah, poor George. He got laid in the equipment room. Oh, the humanity. Hey, shut up. He whined even as he laughed with her. She sauntered up to him and pulled him close using the loose waistband of his shorts. Our audience aside, thank you for indulging my impulses. George rested his hands on her curvy hips. I think you like an audience. If I do, it is because you want me to. I am only what you need after all. She pushed her hands inside his shorts and let her fingertips slide over his thighs. And I do so love being what you need. He blushed. I guess that was pretty cool, huh? She looked up at him like she wanted to pounce on him again, and said softly. That was hot. George showed Dawn to the concrete amphitheater that served as the main meeting area for the campers and counselors. It was still quite early, and only a few campers were scattered about, playing card games, chatting, or just spinning in circles. The counselors had broken off into their respective groups. Karen was in her usual place at the far end of the bottom row. She was busy marking off something on a clipboard, and didn't notice them approach. She looked much better than she had on Friday, though she appeared a bit overwhelmed. She is lovely, whispered Dawn. Beautiful legs, gorgeous hair, pretty face, I am starting to see why I look the way I do. You have good taste, George replied. There are lots of pretty girls here, but she's one of the few that isn't stuck up about it. Beauty on the outside, and on the inside? Phew, you are a hard man to please. Sup, Karen? greeted George as they got closer. Hmm? Oh. Hey, George. She managed to smile even though something was weighing on her. You okay? He asked. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Did you hear that they fired Mrs. Jackson? I, uh, may have heard something. Yeah, well, they promoted me to head counselor. Which is great and all, but it's a lot more work than I thought. I'm still waiting for my replacement. Dawn stepped forward with her hand outstretched. Hello? Karen was a bit startled. Oh, hi. Are you? Your servant. My name is Dawn. Great. I, um, I guess we should go over a few things before the rest of the kids get here. Sorry, I'm not really used to being in charge. Dawn laughed and gave a knowing look towards George. Me neither. But I will help you. No need to worry. Karen looked relieved. Good, I need all the help I can get right now. At the top of the stone bleachers sat a younger Asian boy in his teens. He had spiky black hair and wore a blue bandana emblazoned with the Superman logo on his forehead. A large pair of earphones, like those used by a DJ, hung around his neck and connected to his backpack. He was staring at Dawn as if blinking might make her disappear. Who is this young hunk? Asked Dawn as she gestured towards him. Karen looked at the teenager then looked past him. Who? You mean Jimmy? He's the junior counselor for the boys. You'll be the counselor for the girls. Dawn bounded up the bleachers and plopped down next to him. Hi, James. Would you mind if I called you James? Jimmy is a little boy's name. His mouth was hanging wide open, and it took him a lot of energy to speak. Uh, I, that is, sure. Thanks. My name is Dawn. It looks we will be working together. Karen watched them in awe. She turned to George and said, Well, at least we won't have a problem getting along with her. He chuckled nervously. Dawn's all right. Well, I should get going. Wait, she said as she grabbed his arm. She let go almost immediately. Uh, sorry. It's okay. What's up? Karen got a little closer to him and lowered her voice. I wanted to apologize for the way I acted last week. You were trying to be nice and, well, I wasn't very gracious about it. George waved her off. It's all good. Did you get a chance to work it out at least? No, but I feel a little better knowing that someone cared. I, um, I heard about what happened between you and Rocco. I can talk to him for you if you want. Nah, that's all right, he said as he waved her off again. Are you sure? I feel a little responsible for, ah. Uh, she looked away, her shame still with her. Honestly, it's all good. I'm just glad you're okay. She nodded and appeared a bit relieved. And I'm sorry too about telling you that I didn't care. I shouldn't have said that. My offer still stands. If you need someone to talk to about anything, you know where you can find me. She smiled for the first since all of her drama started. That's really cool of you, George. You know, you seem different somehow. Oh, he did his best to act surprised. He had already admitted to himself that he liked the positive attention he got from his new body. Yeah, you seem confident. You've always been so quiet and distant. It's nice to see you break out of your shell a little bit. He hadn't expected that. 
It dawned on him that Karen hadn't really been paying attention to his appearance at all. Like Lindsay, perhaps that wasn't what was really important to her. He felt a bit shallow for placing so much importance on his looks. He resolved to stop worrying about what other people thought so much. He blushed once more. I'm a work in progress. I hear that. She added with a chuckle. George thought she looked so much prettier when she was smiling. He looked up to see Dawn holding Jimmy's headphones to her ear, bobbing her head to some tune. Jimmy's eyes kept diving to the swell of her breasts. All right, you guys got work to do. I'll see you later. Okay, see you later, George. Master, wait. George had turned to leave, but stopped when he heard Dawn's voice in his mind. Yeah, Dawn? I want to do something. Do you trust me? He was wary, but how could he refuse? I trust you. Dawn called out to him. George, are you leaving? He answered back. Yep, time to make the donuts. She handed Jimmy his headphones and jumped down the bleachers towards George. Without a moment's pause, she brought her hands up to his face and pulled him down gently. She gave him a quick soft kiss. Have a good day at work, hot stuff. Now he understood why she warned him. You too, babe. I'll see you at your swim lesson. They parted. It took all of George's energy not to check if Karen was looking at him. But he managed to walk away without looking back. Did I overstep my boundaries? Asked Don. No. That seems pretty par for the course if we are a couple. Though I have to admit, I kind of feel like I was just peed on. I am sorry, it just did not feel right to leave you without at least giving you something to remember me by. But I admit, the woman you wish me to be might have been marking her territory a little bit. Babe, I'll be your territory anytime. Oh. I am missing you already. If one could think a pout, she was doing it. Hey, um. I don't mind if you want to pop into my head every now and then. I mean, if you want to see what I'm doing. As long as you don't read my thoughts. Really? That would be so much fun. Yeah, you can have a George Cam. You know, if that makes you feel better. It does. You tend to have a lot of crazy things swirling around you, and this saves me the trouble of having to go back and watch it later. Okay, well, send me a message when you get bored. Then I will never send you a message, because I do not get bored. Ugh. Feisty genies, I tell ya. You like feisty? She purred. George entered the empty pool area and paused. It was odd to be back here, the place where he had found Dawn's vessel. As he began to set the chairs out at their stations, he wondered why there? Who had left it? How did they know he was Dawn's intended master? How did they even know it was a vessel to begin with? Wild theories floated through his mind. Was it another genie, perhaps the major genie who created her? Maybe it was a sorcerer like the one that had offered to help Dawn's mother. Was it God? Aliens? The government? The Make-A-Wish Foundation? He passed the place where he had watched the sun set and prayed for help. It was one of the lowest points in his recent memory. The only other time he had felt that worthless was the day his father died. Why do I have to go and do that? He thought. His day was going perfectly, and now he couldn't get the memory of his father out his mind. From the locker room, George began to hear the voices of the other guards. Out of the desire to fix his mind on something else, he positioned himself near the locker room entrance so that he could listen. Yeah, yeah, I get that he's a good teacher, but there are plenty of good teachers who are cute too. It was either Michelle or Danielle's voice, he couldn't tell which. Why can't we get a Mr. Wilson? He's cute, he's everyone's favorite teacher, and he's fun to hang out with. Girls, just get over it. It was Linda, his boss. I'm not firing him for being a few minutes late. And if he's having sex in the equipment room, maybe he isn't as much of a loser as you think. I heard it was with the new junior in group A. I bet she's a cow. Oh, total cow. And Tara, in group C, told me she dresses like a tramp. Ugh, why can't ugly bitches just stay at home? George had heard enough. With only a few minutes before the morning meeting would begin, he decided to relax and savor the quiet of the pool before it erupted in children. He wasn't surprised by the twins' behavior, but Linda was keeping him on his toes. He had always assumed she only barely tolerated him. But hearing that she respected his abilities, and even stuck up for him in private, made him reevaluate his thoughts about the pool coordinator. She was probably just tough with him because she was trying to give him a kick in the right direction. He wished she would have tempered that with some extension of friendship. One by one, the other guards filed into the pool area, and took their places on the bleachers. First was Linda, she always stood during the meetings, and before that, made sure the pool chemicals were ready. She always had on a sporty black two-piece with some old college shorts and t-shirt over top. 
Her long black hair was tied back in a long ponytail. Oh, hey George. Here early I see. Yes ma'am. Turns out I had my clock set for Martian time. I was a whole 27 minutes off for everything and couldn't figure out why. She laughed. Well that's good. Ready for work then? Ready and able, ma'am. Glad to hear it. I dig the attitude. You get lucky or something? He couldn't suppress a broad smile. Hey, alright. Go George. I knew you had it in ya. As my dad used to say, even a blind squirrel finds a chestnut once in a while. She laughed again. Ah, uh, don't sell yourself short. You're not blind, you're picky. Michelle and Danielle had entered while he and Linda talked. He remarked to himself that it was a shame he couldn't stand them. They were sexy, and they knew it. But even as they took their seats in the center row, they whispered and gossiped, shooting furtive glances at George, then giggling some more. Following them was Christine. She always wore the same swimsuits on the same days. Being Monday, she had on her favorite cherry red one-piece, though one would only know that if they were paying attention. She was always covered up, usually in sweatpants and a long-sleeved t-shirt with her guard shirt over that. She only took that off when she was forced to actually swim, which wasn't that often. But George never missed the spectacle. As she caught sight of George relaxing near the top row with his hands behind his head, she stopped short, a look of confusion on her face. George thought this was funny, and flexed his biceps as subtly as he could. Christine always sat somewhere near the bottom rows, next to Erica and Beth. They were sipping coffee from the cafeteria together. Tori was widely considered to be the hottest of the guards, though Erica and Beth came close. Erica had on a white two-piece with her trademark tube top. Beth wore a simple yellow one-piece, but still managed to keep up with her contemporary. Her hair was up in a bun, like usual. George couldn't help but compare all of the female guards to Dawn. Parts of them had definitely found their way into her creation, from Linda's toned figure, to Erica's lovely hips, and even Beth's overall cuteness. Christine's ample breasts had inspired him as well, though Dawn's looked just a bit smaller and more perky. Last to enter was Russell, Eric, and Rocco. Eric and Rocco had been best friends since Little League, but Russell had only started hanging out with them recently. He tended to walk behind his friends, and didn't seem to know how he should act. George attributed it to the fact that he was black, and probably wasn't used to being around only white people. Eric was shorter than his friends at around 5 feet 10 inches, with a buzz cut and red trunks. Russell was a bit taller at 6 feet 1 inch, lean, defined, and wore bright green. Rocco was the tallest, standing almost even with George. Though, up until then he had been much more fit. He had sandy blonde hair, blue trunks, and his shades. George couldn't help but smile when he saw Rocco walking a bit funny, holding his stomach. The trio always sat in the uppermost rows of the bleachers, with Rocco at the top, and his cronies just below him. George always sat off to the side, away from the group. He had made attempts to slip into the group in the first week of camp, but they had all shifted away from him. Okay, everyone, good morning, began Linda. Let's get the important stuff out of the way first. So, girls, how was your weekend? Amazing, they yelled out in unison. Michelle started. We went to this banging club in the city on Saturday. A friend of ours got us in. We tore it up. Danielle picked up. We hooked up with these guys, so cute. They bought us drinks and everything. And later, said Michelle, we went back to their apartment. And partied some more, finished Danielle. Erica piped up. You guys are crazy. I could never just hook up with a guy I just met at a club, Linda asked. So how did you get home? Took a cab, they said. But that's like a $200 fare, she said in amazement. Who cares, it's on mom's credit card. Linda just shook her head. Anybody else do anything fun this weekend? The floor was silent. Nobody? What about you, Rock? Didn't you have a date with Karen or something? Yeah, I was gonna. He stopped suddenly. Um, can I use the restroom? Please? Linda looked puzzled. Why, yeah, sure. Rocco sprung to his feet and made a mad dash for the bathroom. The rest of the guards were a mixture of bewilderment and quiet giggles. Is that it then? Continued Linda. Nobody came forward. George watched them from his spot, far removed from all of them. He thought it odd for them to be so quiet. Normally, everyone had something to report, except for him. George? Huh? What about you? Scuttlebutt says you have a new girlfriend. All eyes turned towards him. The sudden spotlight turned him into the proverbial deer. Well, I, uh... Eric called out. Bullshit, he does. 
No, no, it's true. Corrected Linda with a grin. She's the new junior for Group A. Way to go, George. Squealed Beth excitedly. Next came a barrage of questions from the other girls. What's her name? Where did you meet her? Is she pretty? How much did you pay her? George put his hands up like they would be capable of stopping the onslaught. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's true, okay. I just met her a couple days ago. Did you fuck her? Asked Michelle. I don't think. Oh, George. Cried Danielle, in a mockery of Dawn's melodious tones. The rest of the girls giggled. Christine asked in amazement. Is it true that you and her, you know, in the equipment room? George grinned and said. You can ask her. If Dawn wants to tell you about our private lives, she may, but I won't kiss and tell. Oh, come on, George. Whined Erica. You get to hear about our crap all the time. Yeah, George. Joined Beth. Be a team player. The floor began chanting his name. All except Linda, which gave him an idea. Think about it this way. Let's say, hypothetically, that Linda and I had a night of wild passion. Linda laughed. Oh, really? George continued. And let's also say, hypothetically, that she really enjoyed it. From which, we could suppose that she would like to do it again. We could also assume at this point, that I enjoyed it just as much, perhaps more so. Danielle quipped. Probably a lot faster than her too. Rubbers help. Said Eric. Everyone shifted their eyes towards him. The girls just giggled as they shook their heads. What? I'm just saying. Russell was cracking up. Dude, you're such a tool. Shut up. George smiled, but otherwise ignored them. How would that make her feel then, if I disrespected such a capable, intelligent, and beautiful woman? Since Linda and I, hypothetically, would be lovers, I would be obliged to treat her with the tenderness and respect she deserves. Their eyes locked. He could swear he saw a glimmer of something more than just amusement. Arousal, perhaps? I would respect Linda's private life too much to betray that affection. So if someone wanted to know the details of the many pleasurable experiences we would have, they'd have to ask her. George might have imagined it, but he swore he saw Linda bite her lip the way Dawn did when she was thinking something naughty. Um, hypothetically speaking, ma'am. He added. The looks on their faces said it all. The twins rolled their eyes. Erica and Beth looked impressed. Christine didn't look at him at all, but was rubbing her hands together between her thighs, though it wasn't chilly. Eric was clearly disappointed and still prying the foot out of his mouth. Russell nodded in agreement. Just then, Rocco hobbled back into the room. All right, I'm back. What I miss? The twins exclaimed. George wants to fuck Linda. Girls. Chided Linda. Everyone else lost it, filling the meeting with hysterical laughter. George collapsed in his seat and groaned, the point flying right over their heads. PHFF, Linda would never fuck a fat turd like you, Dumpy. Said Rocco. She needs a real man, not a big blubbering vagina. Linda looked pissed. Okay, first of all, you, secondly, George isn't fat, and third, who I'm fucking is nobody's business. Is that clear, Rock? Rocco waved her off and sat back down. Girls? Do we understand each other? Yes. Said the twins somberly in unison. Good. Oh, and George? Yeah, sorry. I shouldn't have. See me in my office later, stud. She interrupted, a saucy grin playing across her lips. The room went silent once more. George thought he was going crazy for a moment. Really? He asked, spellbound. No. Of course not. What's wrong with you people? She yelled. Laughter once again overtook the room. Rocco added. Loser. George laughed as well. He never minded getting zinged if it wasn't good fun. Let's just get this finished, all right? She picked up her clipboard and proceeded through her checklist. There aren't any camp events today that we need to worry about. But this Friday is the first big swim meet. The parents are going to be there, so we need to make sure all the kids have their strokes down by then. With that in mind, I'm assigning a helper for each class. So, who wants to help Christine with the beginners? Almost everyone raised their hands, all except the twins. Erica? Okay. She checked off her clipboard. Okay, who's helping Rocco with the intermediates? This time, the twins did raise their hands, and quite emphatically. Linda looked relieved. He's all yours, girls. She made another check on her clipboard. And that leaves the advanced class. Who wants to help George? No one raised their hand, though George thought Russell was about to. He scratched his ear instead. Anybody? Come on, help out. 
everyone did their best to avoid Linda's stare. George thought that he should have expected this, and normally, he would have let it go. But for reasons he didn't understand, this stung him more than usual. It wasn't like he was grotesque, or unpleasant in any way. There was no logical reason to shun him now. For George, it now felt like they didn't like him on principle. Look, if someone doesn't volunteer, I'll just assign somebody. Still nothing. He couldn't take any more. He stood up. Don't worry about it, ma'am. I'll manage on my own. I'm used to it. He marched off towards the deep end, where his lessons took place. No one stopped him. From the locker room, sounds of screaming children slamming lockers indicated it was time for the first lesson. First period was with the oldest kids in groups J and K, the 13 and 14-year-olds. They were older and stronger than the rest, so he was able to push them further than the younger children. George had an elaborate lesson plan in his head, centered around an aquatic version of Steal the Bacon, but using specific strokes in the deep end. He didn't really need a second person to help him monitor the game. He knew Linda was just covering their asses, trying to make the camp look good for the parents by ensuring that everyone was showing improvement. However, he was having trouble focusing on his preparation. There was an uncomfortable, almost queasy feeling in the pit of his stomach. His insides churned, turning over and over again as his pride munched on his innards. Before dawn, he had thought that he didn't care when someone slighted him. He had been down for so long, and there was never a shortage of people to kick him. He had learned to turn the other cheek. But now, he felt so angry at the injustice of it, he thought he could punch someone. And then, he thought about how stupid he was. He didn't understand why such a small thing like being shunned, by those who had always shunned him, would affect him so. He was going around in circles, and he hated it. He found himself hating them. He needed Dawn. He needed her to talk him down, to soothe him. Her presence was like a drug. Without it, he felt awkward, irritable, and uncompromising. The children marched in a long line to their respective spots on the bleachers. As they passed him, a few of them greeted him excitedly. He managed to wave. His responsibilities brought him around, but his feelings weren't going away. He was so preoccupied that he didn't hear Linda approach. She put a hand on his shoulder, which startled him. You okay, George? She asked. No, he said a little too forcefully. You want to talk about it? No. I'll deal with it. Sorry I stormed off. No, you're not she corrected. And you shouldn't be. You know, we train others in how they should treat us. It's okay to let people know when they're hurting you. George took a heavy breath and looked out the window. What am I doing wrong, Linda? Am I that repulsive? You're definitely not repulsive. You're just... She paused as she searched for the right word. But she gave up after a long few moments. Look, if you really want to fit in, don't back down. Don't let it go anymore. It's like when a dog smells fear. George nodded. He knew she was right, but part of him didn't want to bother being friends with his coworkers. He wanted to like them, but he didn't, and that hurt more than anything. But he did want to be friends with Linda. I'm gonna call them over. You ready? She asked as she grasped her whistle. Yeah. He straightened up and stretched his arms over his head. Oh, and I'm going to be helping you today. Looks like Rocco is planning on testing his class to see if they are ready to move into yours. I have a feeling you're going to get a hell of a lot busier. Whatever, if he doesn't want M, I'll gladly take M. She smiled. That's why I like you, George. She patted his bicep, but George thought her hand lingered a bit too long for a mere consolation. She left to greet the children and direct them to their classes. Master? Came Dawn's voice into his mind. Startled, George looked up, as if she would be hiding just above and behind him. Oh, hi Dawn. Everything all right? Well, sort of. What do you mean? Well, I do not want to alarm you, but your sisters have not arrived yet. Is that a cause for concern? This did trouble George. While his stepfather had never been the most dependable man with George, he was pretty good about getting his sisters back to their mother on time. It's not good, that's for sure. Would you do me a favor and call mom, let her know what's up? Yes, master. It will be done. Master again, huh? Oh, sorry, George, I must have reverted to genie mode. It's fine, babe, you can call me whatever you like. Are you enjoying the work so far at least? Oh, it is wonderful. They are all so cute. George had to stop himself from laughing out loud. You say that now. Wait till they all need to go to the bathroom, at once. Hey, I do not require your negativity, Mr. George. George noticed that the children were starting to form around him to receive his instructions. 
He had to focus and get rid of his spacey smile, a byproduct of talking with Don. I have to go, babe. We can talk more later. Me too, we are about to do some finger painting. But before I do, remember that, no matter what others think, you still have me. That hit the spot. He felt his aggravation draining out of him, and a sudden warm-heartedness in its place. George's classes were filled to the breaking point. Rocco hadn't sent up half his class. He sent all but three, which left Rocco and the twins with a student each. George was suddenly in charge of half the entire pool. It startled him during the first period when it was only three groups in the pool, but he was managing. But Rocco did it again during second period, when there were four groups. Without Linda backing him up, there would have been no way he could have maintained order with so many students. George would periodically glance over at Rocco lounging in the water with his handful of students and his two lovely assistants, and wonder why Linda didn't call him on it. Meanwhile, he was forced to scrap his game of steal the bacon and reverted to doing lengths. Lengths were boring, and made it impossible to give real instruction to anyone in particular. But it was the only way to get the new students up to speed. They were woefully unprepared for swimming in the deep end, and George had to run a separate line next to the ledge of the pool so they could grab hold if they tired. In between the second and third period, George took Linda aside and asked, Ma'am, is this one of those times when I'm supposed to assert myself? To who? Rocco? It wouldn't do any good. He just used this as fodder to call you pussy. She said as she made some notes on her clipboard. But I'm a pussy if I don't stand up for myself. Right. She groaned in exasperation. Look, there is something you need to learn, George. Sometimes you need to choose between losing a little and losing a lot. Rocco has us beat for now. He knows that if we can't handle this many kids, he wins. He also knows that if we don't handle them by ourselves, he also wins. So either we lose a little by suffering through it, or we let him win big by making him into the hero that bails us out. Losing a little, or losing a lot. George didn't like it. At least we're troopers then. Is that what you're saying? That's right. I'm not giving him the satisfaction of helping us. He doesn't deserve the honor. He'll get his, we just have to bide our time, and wait for a battle we can win. Great, so what am I supposed to do now? I thought we were supposed to give more detailed instruction. How can I do that if he doesn't do his part? She looked over at Rocco, who was gossiping with the ladies, with a look of defeat. I wouldn't worry about him, George. These things have a way of working themselves out. She said somberly. George was confused. What does that mean? It means don't worry about it. Okay? I got Rocco covered. She walked away from George in much the same way Karen had walked away from him before. The shame on her face was impossible to conceal. George was starting to realize just how far out of the loop he really was. Third period came and went in much the same way. Rocco passed along more than half his students, and George and Linda suffered through it. All the while, George couldn't shake the nagging worry for his sisters. There was still no sign of them. He wanted to leave so he could call his mother, but that would have left Linda all by herself. As the period was drawing to a close, George began to realize that in just a few minutes, Dawn would be coming in with Group A. But of course, those last few minutes of the period dragged on as if they were hours. He couldn't help himself. Despite the overcrowding, he was giddy with anticipation. Linda finally blew the whistle to end third period. George took a moment to grab some water from his bag. Rocco and his posse were laughing just as he passed by. So, Dumpy. That must have been Rocco's label of the day. Are we gonna meet this girlfriend of yours today? Or do you need to go home and blow her up? Eric high-fived him. Blow up dolls. That gave George one of the best ideas he ever had in his entire life. Dawn? Hi, George. Hi. I have a quick question. Could I wish for a sex toy for someone else? Tingle. I suppose. Good. I wish that Rocco always have a blow-up doll handy. There should be one in his gym bag, his locker, his glove compartment, and let's put one in his wallet too. Naturally, they should inflate automatically whenever he opens those containers, for ease of use, you know. Tingle. It is done. Should I be worried here? Nah, I'm just asserting myself, that's all. George rummaged through his bag nonchalantly. She's on her way up. But hey, can I ask you a favor? Rocco's smirk disappeared. Me? A favor? Yeah. I was wondering, since you aren't using them and I need to get in the water for the little kids if I could use your goggles? I forgot mine. George did his best to sound sincere, and secretly prayed that Rocco would take the bait. Rocco thought for a second. Why the fuck not? He said finally. 
You look like you need all the help you can get. Rocco reached for his bag. No sooner had he torn open the zipper than a life-size blow-up doll, complete with the O-face, inflated almost like a car's airbag. Rocco jumped back. What the fuck? He screamed. Michelle pointed and laughed. Why do you have a fucking blow-up doll in your bag, Rock? It ain't mine, slut. Hey, don't call her that. Yelled Danielle. Eric picked it up. Dude, this is pretty nice. He whispered. The rest of the crew stared at him in disbelief. What? It is. Oh, don't look at me like that, you know what I meant. George did his best not to laugh. So, no goggles? Rocco glared at him. George! Cried Don. She rushed from the long line of campers emerging from the locker room and almost tackled George. He embraced her without hesitation, forgetting all about the collection of onlookers behind him. He was about to ask her how her day was going, but Don pulled him down for a smooch before he could get the words out. Hello, hot stuff. She sang. She was dressed for the pool, with her hair down and nothing but her bikini. A white towel was draped over her arm. Hello back. How's your day going? Excellent. I cannot believe I am getting paid for this. I just wish I could meet your sisters already. The anticipation is killing me. George suddenly remembered, and felt guilty for forgetting. Oh, have you heard anything then? Mom is on it. She did not sound pleased on the phone. Dawn became aware of the crowd watching them and gave a tentative wave. Oh, yeah? Let me introduce to the guards. He led her over to the group and began introductions. This is Christine, Beth, Russell, Erica, Rocco, Michelle, and Danielle. I'm Michelle. She's Danielle. She interrupted with a scowl. Both the twins had their arms crossed, and eyed up Dawn like she had worn the same outfit. Right, sorry. And that's Eric. Eric was still holding on to the blow-up doll, a fact that hadn't dawned on him until he was being introduced. He hastily hid it behind his back. Everybody, this is Dawn. Dawn waved happily. Hi, guys. They all waved back, some more enthusiastically than others. After that there was a long, awkward silence. It seemed nobody knew what to think. Rocco clearly didn't believe what he was seeing. He was almost dismissive of her. The rest of the guards seemed more receptive. But nobody was happy or impressed, or even envious. The scene wasn't at all like he had imagined it. They were supposed to drop down and worship him like a god for acquiring such a lovely specimen. He wanted them to at least envy him. There was a certain amount of pride at stake that he desperately wanted to collect. But standing there in front of his peers, some of whom he detested, gave him pause. This was only supposed to be an introduction, not a showcase. He adored Dawn more than any other, but he felt like he was using her as a trophy. This wasn't like him, and he hated it. Dawn was the first to speak. Well, it has been nice meeting you all, but I need to get back to work. I am sure it will be fun working together. She turned to George and added, Would you mind if I participated in your lesson, George? I am I'm a bit hazy on my strokes. Hmm? Oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. I'll be right over. George watched her prance back to her group. So, that's her. He said simply. Dude, hiring a whore is pretty low, even for you. Sneered Rocco. If there was one thing George could count on, it was Rocco's lack of an inner voice. What the fuck, man? He yelled. Why would you even say that? Cause she's way too hot to be hanging around you, unless you're paying her. Attacking him was one thing but attacking Don was another. George became so furious that he forgot where he was. He couldn't even yell, just seethe. So I'm a loser, which means she must be a whore? You're a real piece of work, Rock. They looked away from him uncomfortably, all except Rocco. Hey, don't get angry at me. I didn't make you that way. One of the twins piped up. You have to admit, George, it's a bit suspicious. The other one picked up. You never had a girl before in your life, and then all of a sudden you're dating, that? That was it then, it didn't matter what he did, what he looked like, or who else liked him, they'd always find a reason to keep him down. George had never wanted to fight someone in all his life, but he knew that there was a time and place for everything. Fine, he said quietly. Fuck you guys then. He was resigned to his role as Omega. It was clear to him that without some invasive wishes, they would never accept him. He picked up his things and placed them on the windowsill, as far away from them as possible. Beth stepped forward. George, wait. Oh, let the whale go, yelled Rocco. Beth stopped and hung her head low. I'm sorry, master. You saw that, huh? Yes. I was trying to impress them for you, but I must have overdone it. I beg your forgiveness. 
Stop that, Don. You know that I don't blame you. Yes, but... George, do I really look like whore? You look beautiful. Don't listen to them. All right, just remember to do the same. The lesson was crowded, but much easier and more enjoyable thanks to Linda and Don. While George ran through a quick lesson, the women kept order on the deck. Dawn's handling of the children was masterful, especially considering it was her first day. Whenever one of them would lose interest or get rowdy, she'd redirect their energy towards George. She never had to threaten them, or bargain with them. They adored her, and therefore adored whatever she thought was interesting. Dawn confided in him that it was the first time she had ever gone swimming, and was worried that she would make him look bad. But she picked up on everything in record time. She also asked great questions. Her hand went up, and she would shout, Mr. George! She asked about anything that one of her campers was having trouble with, taking the problem on as her own. Helping her was also a great opportunity to touch her under a professional guise. George didn't begrudge her when she needed him to show her one more time. There was one thing nagging him, though. Karen was usually the one to help him with his lessons. It had always been the highlight of his day. While Don was an ample substitute, he was worried that he had pushed Karen away. Twice during the lesson, Don whispered to him that Karen was watching him. But when he threw a casual glance in her direction, she was either playing cards with one of the children who wasn't swimming that day, or reading a book. He resolved to talk more about it with Don. He just didn't know what to do. It was the quickest lesson of George's short career, with Linda blowing the whistle after what felt like only five minutes, when Forty had actually passed. He escorted Group A to the locker room entrance. When no one was looking, Don pinched George's behind. I think it may be my turn to teach you a few things. What do you think? He laughed. I think it's going to be a slow day. Ah, George, who says we have to wait until after work? Says our boss. I kinda have to be here in order to get paid. Hmm. She pouted. It is a shame that my master is not more creative. Just thinking about all the fun he is missing makes me sad. Wait, you're saying there is a way to work, and... He stopped as a stray camper rushed by them. Dawn dashed off to the women's locker room. Sorry, George, you will just have to figure that out on your own. See you at lunch. She disappeared behind the wall. George had never eaten lunch with the campers before. He was always unsure if it was appropriate, or if he would be in the way, or if they would even let him. Beth, Erica, Linda and Christine always did it, but they were everyone's darlings. Beth had a younger brother in Group D, so she usually ate with him. Erica liked to sit with the older kids, and Christine usually sat with her. George had the feeling that Christine would have preferred to stay in the pool area to eat, but Erica insisted that she sit with her and enjoy being ogled. Being on the cusp, or sometimes the apex, of puberty, the boys and girls of Group K revered the young women as both examples and sex objects. It made Christine uncomfortable, she didn't seem like the type who could take objectification as well as her friend. Being the homecoming queen, it was second nature to Erica. As he approached the picnic area just out the back door of the pool's atrium, George scanned the tables for Don's group. He spotted them at the far end, at the edge of a grove of pine trees. He began to make his way through the cluster of children, tables, and trees when he heard his name being called from several points all around him. Mr. George! Come sit with us! No, come sit next to me, Mr. George! George couldn't believe it. He had never seen most of the children outside the pool before, and had thought they would ignore him if they did. But to his surprise, the campers seemed to be having a competition for his attention. He thought to himself, This is why I like kids. After he pried a particularly stubborn eight-year-old off his leg, he arrived at Group A's tables. They cheered as though they had won the contest. Dawn jumped up and gave him a peck on the cheek. A cacophony of use and grosses rang out around them. She then raised her hand and waved wildly. Oh, oh. Sit with me, Mr. George. Oh, okay, I suppose. He grumbled in jest. Karen smiled up at him. Hey, George. So, all I had to do to get you to sit at my table was be your girlfriend? What can I say, I'm easy. He laughed. He took a seat at the head of the table, with Dawn on one side and Karen on the other. Miss Dawn? Came a little girl's cute voice. Can I be your girlfriend? Of course you can, sweetie. We'll be girlfriends from now on, okay? Me too. Me too. Chimed another girl. George whispered to her. Dang, I've got competition. Silly. She whispered back. You know that my girlfriends are also your girlfriends. Nice. Let's just let them grow up a little bit first, all right? Oh yeah, I suppose that would be best. What are you two whispering about? Asked Karen as she leaned in.
I just want to know how she's doing. This is her first job. Nah, said Karen. Her look of disbelief made him want to laugh. It is true, said Don. I never worked in high school. No, I mean, what were you really whispering about? Hey, that's mine, cried a child from the other table. Two boys were tugging back and forth on a bag of cookies. Jimmy was there, but he had his headphones on and ignored them. Karen sighed. I'll get it. No, no, said Dawn as she jumped to her feet. Let me take care of it. You relax for a moment. Karen gestured toward the children gladly. Okay, sure. Thanks, Dawn. As Dawn left to resolve the dispute, Karen whispered to George. She's been like that all day. She never misses a chance to prove herself. She's not annoying you, is she? Hell no. I love her. She's nice, and she works hard, and the kids love her. From Karen's faraway look, George could tell there was more she wasn't telling him. But he didn't press her. If it was important, Dawn would let him know later. George watched Dawn as she talked to the troublemakers. She was radiant even as she was in the midst of discipline. So, began Karen. How long have you two been dating? Let's see, I met her on Friday, during my last shift. So that would make about three days, including today. Wow. That's, that's not that long. By the way she talks about you I would have thought you guys would have been dating forever. He laughed nervously. What about you and Rocco? How's that going? She shifted uncomfortably in her seat. We've only been on a few dates. They always start off nice, but he can get pushy. George remembered and had to stop himself from raising his voice. I heard about what he did, he said as quietly as he could. I know, she said softly. I heard about what you did too. That's why you had that black eye, wasn't it? The humiliation of being beaten up and spit on flowed back to him, and it made his blood boil. But the powerlessness he felt from not being able to help her against Rocco was what really got to him. Yeah. I hope I didn't cause you any trouble. She took hold of his hand underneath the table. She whispered, her voice cracking. You're a really great guy, George. She looked over at Dawn, who was busy chatting with the campers who craved her attention. George detected a melancholy in her eyes. I just wish I realized that sooner. George was conflicted. He thought about telling her that he wished she had too, but he wouldn't have meant it. Everything had happened in order to bring Dawn into his life, even the bad things. He couldn't imagine his life without her anymore, even if it meant going through everything all over again. He had to be honest. He felt like both Dawn and Karen deserved at least that. You know, my life has never made any sense to me, at all. But lately, it feels like things have a way of working out. You just have to be open to the possibilities. She gazed at him, her pretty brown eyes searching for something. Finally, she smiled and said, Is it too much to ask for you to give me a simple answer? He shrugged. Hey, I'm a complicated guy. Chicks dig complicated. She laughed. They must. From a few seats over, a little boy knocked over his chocolate milk and began to cry. Karen got up quickly to clean up the mess and console him. George was left suddenly alone at one end of the table. He let his mind wander as he looked around the large collection of picnic tables. He caught Erica and Christine spying him. They shifted their eyes quickly to avoid his. You know. Dawn's voice floated into his mind. You are in control of a sexual genie servant. You could fix many of your problems with just a few words. It's tempting, believe me. Still trying to take the high road? He nodded, even though she probably wasn't look at him. George, you should know, sex doesn't always have to be complicated. Sometimes, girls just want to have fun. There is nothing inherently wrong with enjoying sex, is there? George suddenly had Cindy Lauper's voice cooing her song in his head. But he answered. No, you're right, there isn't. But I don't want to cheapen my experiences with you just to get off with girls that don't even like me. Are you referring to your coworkers? Yeah, mostly. You know that Karen likes you. Yeah. This saddens you? A little. I mean, don't you think it's a little unfair? She's moments away from confessing her feelings, and I find a magical artifact containing my perfect woman. How could anyone compete with that? She became silent. George was worried. Finally, she said, We have not talked about this. But if you would prefer, I could leave you alone for a while. What do you mean? I am bound to you, no matter what. But I do not have to be physically present. If you would rather pursue a monogamous relationship with Karen, then I could wait until it has run its course, no matter how long that might be. But Dawn, I... I would still be a mere thought away. 
and I could still grant you wishes. I can be whatever. Dawn, stop. Their eyes met across the sea of children. Listen, please. Karen is great. She's everything I ever wanted. But I choose you. I'll always choose you. Are you sure? I only ask because she will not be around forever. You and I will be. I do not wish for you to miss out on love because of me. That runs contrary to my purpose. Dawn, don't do this to yourself. You're not a tool. You're not a toy. You're a person, with a soul and all that. It's you and me, always. And that's that. Okay? Miss Dawn. Are you okay? You're crying. Came a little girl's voice from Dawn's table. She blushed even as a few tears ran down her cheeks. Oh no, it is alright. I just have something stuck in my eye. Don't rub it. Said one of the boys who she was sitting beside. My mommy says you shouldn't rub it. Oh, T, thank you, Thomas. I will try not to. Despite his warnings, she still had to wipe her eyes. She would have looked a mess if she hadn't. I don't mean to make you cry, Don. I love you. She said suddenly. I love you so much, George. Though she looked relatively composed on the outside, the voice in his head suggested otherwise. George? You look like you're a thousand miles away right now. Said Karen as she sat back down. What? Oh, I'm cool. Just thinking. He said as he went back to his lunch. Hey, your mom called, by the way. She told me your sisters aren't coming today. Something about your father having a wild party last night, or something. She said that he's dropping them off at your house later today, so you don't have worry about them. Oh, good, good. You know, Karina would be so happy to see you here. She talks about you constantly. Really? She's so quiet at home. Haley does all the talking. Oh, she's a chatterbox. She's quite popular too. She's gonna be a heartbreaker when she gets older. Why, yeah, I bet. You sure you're okay, George? You look a little shaken up. He was grateful for Karen's change of conversation. Dawn's confession was playing havoc with his emotions, and he wanted to talk about something less provocative. Yeah, yeah. He said as he shook himself. Dawn gazed at him from afar, her passion crashing over him like waves in the surf. I just have a lot on my mind is all. Karen watched him, a simple amused smile playing across her face. What about you? Asked George. Any brothers or sisters? What's your family like? She sighed. Not me. I haven't been home in years. Too many bad memories. You don't get along with your folks. There's a, a lot of things wrong with them. It was my father mostly, he was something else. Sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Don't worry. It's nothing I haven't already walked off. He was just mean, you know. She took a big swig of her water. The children were loud, and paid the two no mind. George could tell that Dawn was listening intently through her connection to him. But she didn't interrupt. Karina told me something interesting about you last week. Oh no. Listen, I was alone, in the shower. Every man does it. What? Oh. She laughed as she braced herself on his shoulder. I didn't mean that. George heard Don giggle in his head. He asked Karen, Is this the part where I go flush myself down the toilet? Anyway. She continued, Karina told me that you aren't really her brother. Is that true? She's little so, she probably doesn't understand. She's my half-sister. We have the same mother, different fathers. Oh, I see. So, you live with your mom. What happened to your dad? George stopped eating suddenly. He died. Oh. I'm so sorry, George. She looked around to make sure none of the children needed her, then came back to him. Were you young? Eight. Not that young. She said more to herself than George. What was he like? He was, he was a better man. Do you miss him? I try not to think about him. That isn't what I asked. He tried to look at her, but it was his turn to feel shame. Sometimes, he said quietly. Corina told me something else about you. She said that you're sad all the time. Is that why, because of your dad? George threw his walls back up. He had been through enough soul-searching for one day. No offense, Karen, but could we change the subject? This is ancient history anyway. Not to you it isn't. Yeah? Well, why do you want to know anyway? You offered to be there in case I needed to talk to you. I just wanted you to know that I'm here for you, too. I mean, I know that you have Dawn now, so you don't really need me, but... I like talking to you. He blushed. Thanks. He said, embarrassed. So, in the spirit of sharing, answer me this? She smiled tentatively. Okay. 
Why do you hang out with Rock, knowing what he's like? She sighed, and folded her arms in frustration. I don't know. He's attractive in that, manly man sort of way. He's got the looks, he's popular, and he's tough. I guess I've always liked that feeling of being protected by a strong man. But he hurts you. Doesn't he? She looked away. It's complicated. She mumbled. So I have my secrets, and you have yours. We really are that screwed up, aren't we? Meh. He shrugged. I prefer to think of us as works in progress. She laughed. Ha. Huh. I like that. Progress is good. As the lunch period came to a close, George excused himself, and tossed away the remains of his lunch. He said goodbye to Karen and the campers, many of which pleaded that he get in the pool during their next free swim period. As he was leaving, he approached Dawn from behind and wrapped her up, nuzzling her neck. She melted back into him, and purred contently. They are watching us. She whispered. Who? Everyone. Some are envious of me, some are envious of you, and one still thinks that I am putting on a show. Rocco is out here. He never eats with the campers. He is watching from that window. She gestured with her eyes. I fear that he wishes you harm. Why? What did I ever do to him? He never hated you before. He did not think much of you at all, really. But now, he thinks you are a threat to his alpha male status. Karen clearly prefers your company to his. And not to brag, but I am the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and I am only interested in you. He can't hurt us though, can he? No. Then he can stew in his juices. I'm tired of worrying about what Rocco thinks. Very well. Just be careful, please. He may not be able to hurt us, but that doesn't mean he won't try something. He kissed her cheek. I have to go. I'll see you at your free swim period. Goodbye, George. The second half of the day was always free swim. The first two periods left George feeling bored, especially in comparison to his hectic morning. He passed the time by chatting with whatever child was near him and communicating with Dawn. She was having a much more exciting day than he was. He enjoyed listening to her describe the nature walk through the surrounding forest and music class, where the teacher used her as an assistant. Tori arrived just after lunch, with her bag full of medical school textbooks and her untouchable attitude. She was 25 and had been gearing up to take the MCAT the following year. She was a genius as far as any of the others could tell, and not at all shy about it. She had taken longer to get through college than most because she was supporting herself, working as many jobs as she had time for. She preferred jobs like lifeguarding, because she could study at the same time. But it was well known that she did some modeling, and danced a couple of nights a week at a bar in the city. Rumors suggested that she moonlighted in other less scrupulous occupations. She was a beauty. There was no denying that. She was athletic and voluptuous, with long-toned legs, ample curves, and beautiful shiny blonde hair. She tried to downplay this aspect of herself as much as she could at work, and kept her body covered, and her hair up. She always wore her black squared-framed glasses over her hazel eyes. The other guards gave her a wide berth. It wasn't that she was unpleasant in any way. She was courteous and helpful if she was shown respect. But she didn't care for the high school antics that permeated the lives of her co-workers. Rocco, in particular, got on her nerves. He had tried many times to sweet-talk her, but he came away looking foolish on every occasion. George took a hidden pleasure in watching these exchanges delighting in the notion that not everyone was so easily taken in by his bullshit. George had never spoken to Tori. He was attracted to her, but felt too intimidated by her confidence and her ability. He was content to admire her from afar. He imagined she probably had enough horny dudes trying to hit on her. He definitely saw some of Dawn in Tori, though. Her legs in particular had always left him in awe. Upon thinking it over, however, he decided he liked Dawn's much more. Dawn's legs were of a similar shape, but the way she moved them was enchanting. He allowed himself a quick daydream about the two vixens having a dance-off with him as the judge. She is very good. Quipped on. But she does not have my training. What kind of training is that? Only 5,000 years worth of instruction on how to best use my body for pleasure. He chuckled out loud. Yeah, she probably doesn't have that. As the third period dragged on, George decided that he had enough of Dawn teasing him with her adventures. Damn it. He thought. I could really use one of those fantasies right about now. Wonderful. By the way, you have gained a greater mastery over my powers and can use your fantasy time more efficiently. You may now spend one and a half minutes in a fantasy for every minute of fantasy time you expend. Cool. So I gained a level in Master? Tingle. 
Hmm, I suppose you could look at it that way. Do I get like a cool level up song, or maybe have some sparks shoot out of my head? Tingle. Um, no. But I tell you what, every time you gain a level, I will suck your cock. Deal? I don't know, some sparks would be really cool. Oh, shut up. She laughed. What kind of fantasy would you like? What now? I can't get go unconscious right now. Plus, this is the only pair of trunks I brought with me, and I don't want to get them sticky. Actually, last time, I let that happen so that you would believe the fantasy had taken place more readily. But I can make it so that no one will know what we are doing. To everyone, you will be sitting in your chair, watching the pool, chatting with whoever. You can even go swimming if you like. And you? I will be busy making an elephant out of macaroni. Though, I will be in a very happy mood. I don't know, I wouldn't say that I'm exactly winking and dripping right now. You mean, the idea of seeing me, alone, in a deserted classroom, looking so sexy in my short short shorts, does not turn you on? Suddenly, he felt himself split into another him. He was in the classroom, and Dawn was there. But he was also at the pool. He couldn't explain it, but he had knowledge of both places simultaneously. Um, it helps. What if the lights were low, and everyone had gone home for the night? And you had me all to yourself? What if I was there to tell you that I really appreciated the help with my swimming, and promised to do anything to repay your kindness? George could feel the familiar rush of his hardening cock. You'd do anything? Anything. She purred. Imagine my surprise when you call my bluff. You take my arm and pull me close. She gasped. Oh, George, what are you doing? George couldn't respond. The sound of her throaty breathing was fogging up his head, which was already deprived of precious blood thanks to his fully erect shaft. He looked around to make sure that nobody was paying attention to him. You do not respond with words. She continued. But you tease my trembling lips with tender kisses. Your grip on my arm shifts to my back, and you pull me in tighter. She took in a sharp breath. The other on my ass. Oh, George, I know I said I would do anything, but this is just so sudden. I've never been touched like that. I'll be gentle, he assured. I don't want to scare you away. I want to take my time. I want you to know that I'd rather be nowhere else than with you. I want it so badly. I have never wanted anything so badly in my entire life. I can feel your tongue reaching out for mine, and I take it gladly. I'm losing control. I feel like my body is not my own. I feel like my body is making me do things. Oh, George, what am I doing? My hand, my hand is sliding into your shorts. I am not supposed to go there. George couldn't believe it, but he really did feel a hand sliding down his stomach and into his shorts. His eyes darted around. Christine was in the next chair over from him, but she was busy talking to Linda. The invisible hand drifted lower, to the base of his cock. It is so hard. Am I doing that? Am I doing this to you? Is this wonderful warm shaft for me? It is so urgent, so big. My little hands can barely handle it. Oh. It is getting even harder, even bigger. Would, would this fit inside me? Your hands, they grip my ass tightly. Even if I wanted to get away, I could not. Oh, sweet surrender. I can feel you caress my back, my stomach, my neck. My neck, you are kissing my neck. The flesh radiates a pleasurable wave everywhere you touch me. I think to myself, will he not touch my breasts? He loves them. I see him looking at them all the time. I do not mind. My nipples are so hard right now. Why will he not touch them? Oh, George, please touch me. George focused hard on the vivid imagery in his mind and moved a hand from her neck down her collarbone, slowly. He could feel the top curve of her breast through her shirt. She arched her back, eager for him to touch more of her. He kissed her deeply again. She moaned as he felt the invisible hand slowly stroking his cock. Finally, he reached under her shirt with both hands and tore the garment apart in one smooth motion. She gasped as George kissed the swell of her breasts, her torn, useless shirt dangling at her elbows. Dawn dropped her arms and let it fall to the ground. A bead of sweat rolled from her neck down into her cleavage. George didn't let it escape his lustful lips, the sweet and salty taste of her warm skin enticing him to taste more. Oh my! I have never been so wet. The invisible hand continued to stroke him, while the fantasy Dawn reached into her shorts and rubbed her clit vigorously. She dipped one of her trembling fingers into to her, and her body tensed. She pulled out her glistening finger and offered it go George. He sucked the finger into his mouth, savoring the taste of her lust. I want to taste you too. She whispered. She pulled his shirt up, kissing and licking his chest, her hands never leaving his throbbing cock. 
I wonder, could I fit you inside my mouth? I want to try. I need to try. I want to feel you in my mouth. She dropped to her knees and fumbled with the laces of his shorts. George felt himself torn between reality and fantasy, yet both felt so real. They were separate, yet the senses blurred between them. He began to have trouble discerning which was really happening. Twice, he had to stop himself from using his hands at the pool to touch her in the fantasy. He sat on them to avoid any more confusion. His shorts fell to the floor. Awestruck, Don whispered. It's beautiful. She kissed the helmet and swirled her tongue around the sensitive underside. The other girls, they brag about how much they can take. It is my turn. She pushed forward. The head passed her lips. It is so big, so hard. It has a pulse. It is alive. Why must I do this? I am not a slut. But it feels so right. If only the other girls could see me, they would be so jealous. I know they would. I can take more. I want more. She pushed farther down. Then back up. Then down farther. My eyes and mouth are watering. My tongue, I must use my tongue. I want him to feel good. I want to be his slave, his pretty little pet. What is this taste? So salty, so warm. This must be his juices. They taste almost like mine. I wonder what they taste like together. She took more, the head pushing against the back of her mouth. Just a little more. I want all of it. W, what is he doing? He's pushing me with his hand. Oh, yes. He owns me. I will do anything for him. She looked up into his eyes with her lips wrapped around the base of his shaft. She groaned in total rapture. Oh, George. This is where I belong, on my knees with your beautiful cock inside my mouth. George began to push her head back slowly until he was halfway out of her wet mouth, and then he pushed her back. She moaned. MMPH. That's it. Use my mouth. Use me for your pleasure. Go on, fuck my face. Among Dawn's desperate cries to be ravaged, George noticed Linda approaching him. George thought that he would have to slow down in order to address his boss. But Dawn didn't stop. She was in control of the fantasy, and fantasy George was fucking her face. How's it going, George? You look antsy. MMPH, 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 fuck me. I want to taste your cum. H hi, ma'am. I'm a uh, okay. I guess. You sure? You're sweating. Uh, it's just a little stomach ache. He stammered. Ooh, I hope you don't have whatever Rocco's got. He's been shitting his brains out. Actually, I could use a quick bathroom break, if you don't mind, ma'am. Oh, sure. Go ahead, I'll cover for you. She offered happily. Thanks, he said with great relief. He stood, doing his best to hide his overstimulated cock, and moved briskly to the bathroom. He was so focused on making it before he came, he didn't even notice that Christine was watching him. He barreled through the creaking bathroom door and headed for the largest stall. He locked it, pulled down his shorts, and leaned against the wall over the toilet. He was panting and wheezing. He felt like his cock could shoot down a B2 bomber. In the fantasy, George pulled her mouth off his throbbing hard-on and picked her up. He ripped right through her jean shorts, which surprised him. But he surmised that if it was sexual enough, super strength was not out of the question. With her fully nude and dripping with passion, he turned her around, bent her over a desk, and thrust into her. She was so wet that she could have been a virgin, and she would have felt no pain. Oh yes! Yes, George! I can feel you, your heartbeat! So warm, so alive! As much as he loved her mouth, her pussy was indescribably wonderful in comparison. He took her again and again, his hands holding onto her outstretched arms behind her, the two of them entwined in a single rapturous hole. It didn't take long for her to finally come. There were no words this time, just a primal scream, followed by a wave of euphoria erupting from deep within both of them. He followed close behind. With one final thrust he blasted his creamy seed as deep into her as he could. He collapsed on top of her, his cock still buried inside her dripping pussy. After spending a few moments to catch his breath, he stood up with Dawn clutched in his strong arms. He hugged her tightly, and caressed her stomach as he kissed anywhere within reach of his lips. So, panted Dawn. Did you enjoy the show, Christine? George snapped to attention as he heard rapid footsteps, followed by the bathroom door creaking shut. Do not worry, George. She has seen nothing. But she heard us quite clearly. But you're not in here. How did she hear both of us? I am sorry I should have asked you first, but I let her hear what was going on in the classroom, not in the bathroom. I did not want her to think you were masturbating. 
though that would have intrigued her almost as much. Uh, Don, I. He scratched his head. I don't know about this. What if she tells somebody? She will not. The only thing she will do is find a quiet corner somewhere and get herself off. And I suggest we help. You mean a wish? That is acceptable, but the decision is yours. He was worried, but he trusted Dawn enough to agree. I wish for Christine to have a perfectly vivid fantasy of her own, involving the man of her dreams, in any situation she desires. No one will disturb her, and it will be the most powerful orgasm of her life. Tingle flash. It is done. Would you like to know what it is? No. That's her business. I won't invade her privacy like that. She kissed him. You are such a gentleman. The classroom fantasy ended, and it was suddenly just him in the bathroom. He sat on the toilet, rubbing his hands through his hair. That was some fantasy. Actually, that was not a fantasy, you never wished for one. Had that been actual fantasy, you would not have perceived your current reality at all, not until the fantasy ended and your memories returned to you. What was it then? Well, actually, it was one of my fantasies. Just a little something that I have been thinking about. Really? You never told me you have fantasies. She laughed. Oh, if you only knew, master. Well, I know how I'm going to pass the time during free swim tomorrow. Oh, what have you got planned for me? She asked knowingly. I'm not sure yet. But you'll like it, I promise. I am glad you are all right. She said. George could hear her relief. I was worried that you would not approve of my initiative. I'm fine. I'm more than fine, actually. I'm just having trouble trying to find words to tell you how amazing all of this is. There are no words necessary. As long as I have pleased you, my love, then I am happy. You have. I'm. I'm glad you found me. He breathed deep and let it out slowly. Phew, I think I need a dip in the pool. Well, come on then. I am already here. Oh crap. I'm coming. He put his shorts back on and ran back to the pool. Swimming with 100 small children is difficult, for several reasons. One, they do not swim. Children that small are doing everything in their power to keep their heads above water. Beyond some frenzied splashing, there is little to keep them from sinking to the bottom. Two, children rarely care for their own safety, or the safety of others. They will grab and dunk and jump with little worry of injury. Three, they love anyone who is big enough to touch the bottom. The moment George hit the water, he was attacked by a mob of small, wet, ecstatic people. Dawn tackled him from behind, while two children latched onto his arms. If his legs hadn't been underwater, he would have had children on them too. The period was a blast for George. He and Dawn traversed the entire pool while playing games, throwing kids around, and sneaking touches for the other. Christine came back to the pool midway through the period, though George seemed to be the only one who noticed. For her part, she did her best to avoid looking at George and Dawn. She kept her eyes on the children, in whatever direction the couple was not. George did his best not to worry about it. As long as Christine could not determine that what she heard was magical, then she could think whatever she liked. The period ended much too quickly. He helped Dawn and Karen round up their children and escorted them to the locker room. Karen seemed unusually happy. He asked Dawn. Karen is taking to you pretty well. Is that genuine? Yes. We are quickly becoming friends. I think she enjoys seeing you and I together. It makes her feel like the world makes a bit of sense. Nice. I'm glad she's not jealous. We had a pretty good conversation at lunch. That's the most I've ever spoken to anyone here at work. She is a teensy bit jealous. But I think she is much more inspired than anything. She asks me all kinds of questions about you. Some are not so innocent. I don't suppose. No, sorry, she is not bisexual. Damn. It is a shame that the rest of your coworkers are not as welcoming. Yeah. But I think that's more my fault than anything. They only see the old me, so, you're suffering from my reputation. I hardly consider myself suffering. But know that not everyone believes as Rocco does. Erica, Beth, and Russell are secretly rooting for you. Christine cannot believe she never saw how much of a hunk you are, and wishes she was in my place. Hey George. Called Linda. When you are finished, come up to the pool. Gordon wants us to do a fitness test before everyone leaves. I'll be right there. He answered back. Got to go, babe. I'll join you when I'm done. See you. She smiled. George climbed the stairs back up to the pool area. All the guards were congregating near the imposing figure of Gordon, the athletic director, and Linda's boss. He was a large middle-aged ex-marine, with a receding hairline and a well-used track suit. 
he was in excellent shape for his age, and had a habit of challenging younger men to physical contests. He was also a royal pain for Linda and the guards, because he never left them be. He demanded high uniform standards, spontaneous fitness tests, and lots of ass-kissing. Good, we're all here, began Gordon. I want everyone to give me forty lengths. You can use any stroke you want. You can't finish, you're fired. Get on it. Everybody looked at each other in confusion. I don't see anyone swimming, he added impatiently. Erica raised her hand. Um, sir, that's twenty laps. That's more than we had to do for the light guard exam. Are you saying you can't do it? No, sir. I. Erica stopped talking when George left the group. He lowered himself into the water and pushed off the wall to start his lengths. Gordon had said to use any stroke. George knew he could float on his back for forty lengths if it didn't matter how long he took. But the challenge for his new body was invigorating. He started with freestyle and resolved to use no other stroke. He was only vaguely aware of his surroundings. The churning water around his ears and the cadence he kept track of in his head gave him a focus and a calm that he had not experienced for years. Before his father had died, George was a champion swimmer for his age. It all came back to him as he counted out the lengths. He felt the pressure waves of the other guards passing by him, but they didn't matter. He raced himself, and for the first time in a long time, he was winning. Forty lengths came and went. He saw that Beth was struggling to keep going. She was practically doggy paddling under the weight of exhaustion. As George passed length fifty, Rocco, Tori, and Russell finished. Christine, Eric, and Erica were close behind, but Beth was still in the water. George didn't know how much farther she had to go, but if she touched the bottom, it would be over. Gordon was many things, but he wasn't a liar. If she touched the bottom, she'd be fired. Side stroke. Do the side stroke. He thought. But she kept up her doggy paddle. George may have imagined it, but he thought he saw her crying among the splashes. Hey, George. Called Linda. You know you're well pasty, Forty. He wasn't tired. But more importantly, he wasn't finished, not until Beth was. He moved to the lane next to her and floated on his back. Beth. He called. She looked over at him, reaching through the water for all she was worth. I can't do it, George. She said as she gulped down some pool water. Yes, you can. Turn over like this. Just float and paddle your legs. Oh, okay. She managed. She turned over, but almost went under when she tried to sit. He wanted to cross into her lane and push her up towards the ceiling, like he would for his students. But he knew that might get him fired too. Lean back, as far as you can. Just relax. Catch your breath. She did. With breathing much easier, the violent thrashing stopped. She paddled gently with her feet. Oh wow. She breathed. That's way better. How many do you have left? Three. All right, we got it. Just keep going. Beth wiped the chlorine out of her eyes and kept moving. Three more lengths was no problem, though the two took much longer to finish on their backs. When it was over, Beth was too tired to climb out and just hung on the side of the pool for a few minutes. What's your name, son? Asked Gordon. George Everhart. Mr. Everhart, have you ever heard the expression, sink or swim? Yes, but... I believe Ms. Cooper was perfectly capable of handling the task on her own. I gave her the opportunity to prove that to me, to sink or swim. Instead, he gave her floaties, and an inner tube that looked like a goddamn sea turtle. If I were her, I'd be offended. Sir, with all due respect, she may have been able to handle it. But she didn't believe that. Now she knows what she needs to work on, and she isn't fired. Hmm. Gordon stared at him intently. Quite right. Where'd you learn how to teach? My father taught me. Gordon let a faint smile escape the edge of his mouth. Well done, son. Thank you, sir. Elizabeth Cooper. Yes, sir. The next time I come back here, you're going to take this test again. Next time, George isn't going to help you. Understand? She nodded nervously. Gordon looked around at the rest of the staff. As for the rest of you, you could all stand to learn from Mr. Everhart's example. The guards avoided his stare. With his point made, he left. You fucking suck up. Spit Rocco. Linda stepped forward before George could retort. Don't be a sore loser, Rocco. You're just pissed because George is a better swimmer. George swung his head in her direction. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. He meant to protest, but Linda gave him a quick wink. George is better than me? He yelled. All right, Shamu, get up here. We'll settle this. George hesitated. 
What's the matter, fat boy? You're obviously a better swimmer than me, so why don't we have a little race so you can show off some more? George wasn't fond of confrontation. But he remembered what Linda had said to him about not backing down. He had to do it. It was the chance he was waiting for. He climbed out of the pool and chose a lane. What's the rules? He asked. Rocco threw on his goggles. One lap. Whoever finishes first is the better swimmer. That's it. Hey, fuck you all right. I just swam twenty laps and I haven't been training for Iron Man. And you call me fat boy, said George under his breath. Erica started running for the other side of the pool. I'll make sure they touch the wall. The men took their positions. Linda quipped. Damn it, I wish I had a starting gun. She moved to the halfway mark and held her whistle to her lips. Ready. They crouched for their dives. Set. They raised their haunches. She blew the whistle sharply, and they dived in. The race was on. George gave it everything he had. He dived shallow and long, and was up into his full stride long before Rocco. He couldn't remember ever flying through the water so quickly. But he couldn't let Rocco win, not anymore. Reach, 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 breathe. Wall, flip, push, and the cycle continued. When his ear broke the water he could hear whooping and hollering. George didn't even know where Rocco was. He hit the wall and looked up. George was a whole half a length in front of Rocco. He had won. He couldn't believe it. Linda tapped him on the shoulder. Nice job. But, um... She pointed to Eric, who had fished his board shorts out of the water. They had come off during his dive. Looking for these tubbo? He said as he held them delicately with two fingers. Rocco finished and seemed to forget that he lost. Eric tossed the shorts to him, who then teased them in front of George. George was hoping it was a joke. But when he looked down, sure enough, he was as naked as could be. He reached for his shorts dangling out in front of him, but Rocco was quicker and tossed them back to Eric. He dangled them over the pool and pulled them away when George got close. Linda tried to stop them, but nobody was listening. The realization set in that George would have to leave the pool to get his shorts back. But that meant exposing himself to everyone. Wardrobe malfunctions were common with all the diving and grabby children. It happened at least twice a week to Erica. But George was careful not to let himself be put in these situations. Don, are you watching this? Yes, master. You are doing quite well, but do you require any assistance? Would you mind making my cock an inch bigger than Rocco's, just for a moment? I would be happy to George, except that it is already bigger than that. It is? Hmm. Oh, okay then. Never mind. Eric tossed them to Danielle, who tossed them to her sister, who tossed them to Christine. Christine caught them and went white, whiter even, than she normally was. She couldn't move. She didn't throw them, but she didn't give them back either. She just stood there with George's shorts in her hands. This was his chance. Okay, Don, here I go. He said, trying to psych himself up. George, I know it will be hard not to, but do not try to cover yourself. Why not? It will make you look like a victim. Be proud of your body, and others will be as well. He was nervous, but he didn't have time hesitate. Taking a big swallow, he vaulted out and walked briskly towards Christine. Her eyes, and everyone else's eyes, immediately flew to his equipment. The laughter died away. Everyone, even Rocco, was silent as they watched him. Luckily, the water wasn't that cold. Erica had been running back, but she stopped dead in her tracks when she saw him. Oh my! She began. She covered her mouth to hide the rest. Um, Christine? Asked George as calmly as he could. Wah huh? She said as she snapped back to reality. Would you mind? Oh my god! Sorry! She almost threw them at him and ran for the locker room. As George put his shorts back on, Rocco and Eric finally stopped staring and walked awkwardly to the locker room. Before, they seemed to be content with making George look foolish. Now, they looked like wet dogs. To his surprise, Beth spoke up. I guess that's settled then. George is the best. She clapped excitedly. Rocco glared at her, then at George. We'll see, he said under his breath. His posse left for the locker room. After making sure that his friends weren't looking, Russell turned back and shrugged in resignation. With the spectacle over, the other guards gathered their things and headed down for the locker room as well. Erica passed by George. She eyed him up and down before waving. He caught the twins' eyes, and surprisingly, they blushed. That's a new one, he thought. As George packed his bag, Beth sidled up next to him. Thanks for your help, George. You really saved me back there. No, I didn't. You would have been fine. 
I don't think so. She looked around to make sure that Linda and Tori couldn't hear her. They were talking to each other in the corner next to the pump house. To tell you the truth, I never took the final lifeguard exam. George raised an eyebrow. My uncle works for the Red Cross. He pulled some strings to get me my certs before the summer started. I took most of the classes. I just never took the tests. I'm actually a really bad swimmer. Uh, you won't tell anyone, will you? I really like this job. He thought hard for a moment. On one hand, he thought he should tell someone like Linda or Gordon. If something happened, Beth could be a liability. But on the other, she had confided in him when she didn't have to. On one condition. You have to help me with my classes from now on. Maybe I'll be able to get you ready for your next test with Gordon. You'd do that? She asked excitedly. Of course. Why wouldn't I? Well, I haven't been all that nice to you these past few weeks. Yeah, there is that. But, I guess I'd rather have you as a friend than an enemy. She gazed at him approvingly. You're a lot cooler than I thought you were. He laughed heartily. I've never been cool in my entire life. This is new. She giggled as she grabbed her backpack and headed out. See ya tomorrow, George. See ya, co-op. She looked confused. Your last name. Cooper Coop, I don't know. I like it. She shrugged and smiled brightly. You're the boss. Bye. Later. Linda and Tori finished their conversation just as George was leaving. Linda stopped him on his way out. What did I tell you, George? Pick your battles and don't back down. You were right. I just wish that choosing to lose a little was easier to cope with sometimes. It works out in the long term. She moved closer to his ear and whispered. You know, you beat him twice today. Twice? Hmm. She dropped her eyes to his crotch and gave him a naughty smile. George didn't know what to say. He just looked at her with his mouth hanging open. See you tomorrow, stud. She said in a most unprofessional way. He watched her leave, her body swaying much more than before. His mind was racing and his hands shook. He let his excitement escape with a heavy, satisfied breath. George? Came Dawn's loving tones. You should know that the level of arousal among your coworkers has suddenly spiked. Dawn, this is going to be an interesting summer. Chapter 8 The Role Model George and Dawn crossed the threshold of their home. Upon finding the house empty, Dawn wrapped George up with her graceful arms and kissed him lovingly. Before George lost himself to her completely, he swept her up and carried her to his room. Not being able to touch her whenever he wanted at work was more difficult than he expected it to be. He was supposed to be a good role model and follow camp rules, meaning that public displays of affection were not encouraged. Now they had the whole house to themselves until his mother got home from work at six. That would give them plenty of time to be lovers again. Without having to say it, the room was transformed into the sex pad he created earlier. He climbed onto the massive bed and laid her down. They kissed like two horny teenagers. Or, more accurately, one horny teenager and one perpetually aroused three-day-old genie servant. One couldn't get enough of the urgent press from the other's lips. He had been given much practice since her arrival, and he had learned to enjoy a tummy smooch. It made him feel close to her, closer than he had ever felt to anyone he had ever known. It was a gift. He didn't know from who or for what, but he was thankful. He ran his hands up and down her curves in lustful fascination, rolling around the bed as the mood took him. He preferred her to be on top so that he didn't need to worry about crushing her, although she showed no signs of discomfort when George gently pinned her to the bed. Dawn wrapped her thighs around his waist and pulled him in as closely as she could. The room was filled with the sounds of her rapturous sighs and moans. Their need for the other grew as the kiss went on. After their fantastic encounter during free swim, George was satisfied, but Dawn couldn't seem to get enough of him. He loved that feeling, that she desired him in all ways, at any time. It was a great relief to be home and in private, where he didn't have to hold back for fear of what someone might see, and let himself enjoy her fully without distraction. He became more and more aroused, but sex didn't feel necessary. Kissing her, touching her, the soft warmth of her body, her legs wrapped around him. It all felt so perfect. Eventually, his primal urges surfaced with a vengeance, and he had to have her. He moved lower to kiss and caress her breasts, marveling at her soft and busted assets. She pulled her shirt over her head without a word, leaving her clad in just her striped bikini. The cups contained her beautiful tits, but did nothing to hide them. Dawn was sensitive there, especially at her nipples, and cooed affectionately at his attention. George moved lower, kissing her taut stomach. 
He traced the lines of her lightly defined muscles with his lips and drank in her sweet and musky scent. Dawn giggled as his fingers grazed her sides, making her breasts jiggle slightly. Inspired by her laughter, George gave her a loud raspberry right in the middle of her stomach. That is so weird, she squealed. Do it again. He gave her a good one right in her belly button. Her hysterical giggling compelled him to give her more raspberries over her stomach, breasts, neck and anywhere else he could reach. She rolled around as she made half-hearted attempts at impeding him. But when George stopped, she pouted until he kissed her once more. You are so mean, she whimpered. Nah, I'm really nice sometimes. Sometimes, yes, but right now you are teasing me. I thought you were a kind master. I guess I was wrong. George caught the playful twinkle in her eye. Well, I guess I'll have to prove it to you then, he replied. And how are you going to do that, Mine? George smiled wickedly. Take your shorts off, he ordered. Dawn's eyes widened at his sudden order. With alacrity George had never seen, Dawn shucked off her shorts and bikini bottoms and waited excitedly for her next order. George wedged his hands between her knees and slowly pulled her thighs apart. Dawn was panting in anticipation. Are you really going to, oh George? He traced his finger down her inner thigh towards her already glistening lips. Everywhere his finger went, his lips soon followed. He slowly covered her quivering flesh in slow reverent kisses. Dawn watched anxiously as he inched his way closer. She was almost holding her breath as he grazed his lips across her clit and breathed heavy in frustration as he kissed back up her other thigh. See, you are mean, she pouted. As soon as he reached her knee he began to work his way back down towards her pussy. He stopped just short and asked slyly. Are you sure? She leaned her head back and shouted. I was kidding. I did not mean it. You are kind and sweet and smart and handsome and well-hung and well-spoken and, 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 and you smell good? He was about to flick her clit with his tongue, but upon hearing her last concession he looked up at her with a raised eyebrow. Oh, just eat my pussy already. Please? Well, why didn't you just say that? He joked. Without another word, he dipped down and kissed her clit. He supped on it lightly at first, then swirled his tongue around the engorged nub. Dawn's cries of pleasure were music to his ears. He became determined to show Dawn's amazing pussy the same reverence he held for the rest of her. He didn't rush. He took the time to explore every nuance of her sex with his fingers and tongue. Oh, master! I love your mouth and your lips and your tongue. Oh, please! Fuck my pussy with your mouth! Dawn would squeal when he reached a spot that was particularly sensitive, and worshipped that spot for a bit, taking note of its position. He found several spots like that. Obviously, her clit was one of them, but so were the folds surrounding it, along with the very inside edges of her opening. The best results came when he stimulate two or three spots at once. I cannot believe. Oh, George. George was still learning, but did his best to prolong her first orgasm for as long as he could. However, Dawn was so receptive to anything he did that she went over the edge much more quickly than he wanted. Within five minutes she let loose an electrifying orgasm. He crawled up between the valley of her bosom to kiss her as her orgasm subsided. But he didn't feel like it was enough. Are you ready for another one? He asked when he could wrench his tongue away from hers. I am always ready. She breathed. But are you going to let me take care of you soon? He almost laughed. All you do is take care of me. Let me take care of you for a change. W what did I do to deserve this? She managed, as she gazed up at him in post-orgasmic awe. What? I can't go down on my girlfriend without a reason? Of course you can. You can do anything you want to me. She laughed. I was just wondering if I did anything in particular to make you want to pleasure me so much. George shrugged. I don't know. You make me happy. Isn't that enough? She replied only with a sultry and loving smile. He dipped down between her legs and began again. He didn't know why, but it was fun for him. It made her feel really good, and it gave him a measure of satisfaction to know that he was able to give her pleasure without anything in return. Though the hardness in his shorts was telling of how much he enjoyed it, and how much he needed release. After her third orgasm, Dawn was almost wheezing with pleasure. No more! Please, I need you inside me! Please fuck me, master! George was hard as a rock and throbbing with desire for her. But just as he was about to strip off his remaining clothing, the doorbell rang, and startled him out of his lustful stupor. He jumped off the bed and made for the window to see who it was. He couldn't see the front door, but he could see a yellow sedan with the Waltz Witch's logo painted on the door. It's Lindsay. 
What's she doing here? Murmured George in frustration. His cock felt painfully full inside his shorts. Well, we did say she could come over any time. I guess she is taking us up on the offer. Though, I did not expect it to be so soon. Crap. What do I do? Dawn sighed lustfully. Invite her up here and let her watch. Or let her join in. I do not care. The image of Dawn and Lindsay writhing on his bed tempted him to wish it true. But he controlled himself. That would be something. But not today, babe. Would she leave if we did not answer the door? She asked hopefully. No. My car's out there. And she'll just come inside anyway. She's always been allowed to make herself welcome here. Dawn rubbed her thighs together and eyed him seductively. Invite her in then. She purred. I want to see her. All of her. George eyed her knowingly. Hey, leave my lesbian friend alone. She giggled. Ah, uh, what is the matter? Afraid I might make an honest carpet muncher out of her? From downstairs, they could hear the front door open and shut. George? Called Lindsay. I brought booze. I'm gonna go greet her. Said George. All right. Said Dawn with determination. Would it be okay if I took a shower? My hair is all full of chlorine. He chuckled in amusement. You don't need my permission. Go ahead. She snapped her fingers. Right, I keep forgetting. I will be quick. Oh, Dawn, before you go. He began. I wish for you to have an incredibly powerful orgasm in the shower. Let's make it the most powerful you've had yet, only you won't pass out this time. And it will happen when you least expect it. Tingle. Flash. Dawn covered her mouth in shock before dashing off for the shower. George headed downstairs to meet Lindsay. She was in the kitchen with several large shopping bags. George took in a sharp breath as he caught sight of her. What up, George? She greeted with a bright smile. Uh, hi. He managed. It had taken George a long time to realize that he had been attracted to Lindsay. He had always liked her as a friend, but was never able to allow himself to think of her as a woman. However, as she stood there in the kitchen pulling beer and sandwiches out of bags, George's healthy affection turned into full-on lust. She was wearing her yellow polo from work, but the buttons were completely undone. It was much tighter too, like it had been shrunk in the wash. Instead of the pants she normally wore to work, she had on a pair of khaki shorts that her father, despite his easygoing nature, would not appreciate. Gone were her glasses, and her jade green eyes were on display once more. But what really sent him over the edge was her hair. It was down. For the first time that he could remember, her long fiery hair was hanging free. George? She asked, interrupting his train of thought. What? Asked the slackjaw George. You're staring at me again. She said, almost with a giggle. Uh, sorry. It's just that, you're hot. Lindsay blushed, but managed to play it off with a laugh. Yeah, right. George felt his heart fluttering towards her. Her body demanded that he stare, but when she blushed, George swooned. He knew then that Dawn had been right all along. Something had to happen between them. He recovered before things got weird and said, No, for real. You probably hear this all the time, but you're a real babe. She sighed in frustration. It's just the uniform, and all this makeup. Dad thinks that he can pull in some more business if he dresses me up like a diner-barbie. She glared at him playfully. Thanks for that, by the way. Me? What did I do? He laughed. Dad saw that little stunt you and Sleeping Beauty pulled. He actually paid the kid 50 bucks for those pictures off of his phone. He wants to put me on the all the promotional materials now. He shrugged. You could always say no. She shrugged. I could. But. What? It's kind of fun. She admitted finally. And he gets so excited about it. You'd think he was starting his shop all over again. Wow. So staring at boobs has actually done some good for the world. Said George in mock wonder. Hey. She laughed as she pointed an accusing finger at him. Watch it, Buster. You're already in deep shit. George threw his hands up. I'm a guy. I like tits. You're right, I'm weird. Lindsay laughed. I can see you like tits. What's Dawn packing? These? Ease? She said somewhere in there, yeah? What are yours? They ain't small. Lindsay gasped and covered her breasts with her hands, presumably to show modesty. George thought it odd that she needed to cup them to do that. Would you knock it off? She ordered, even as her hands rested lightly on her cleavage. I feel like I'm talking to the brother I never had nor wanted about things best never spoken of. He threw his hands up again. 
All right, fine. I'm just saying they look nice. Yeah, right. You see one pair and suddenly you're an expert. George had a naughty idea. Care to wager on that? Lindsay squinted at him, like if she stared hard enough she could see through him. Slowly, she said, Okay. If I can guess the cup size of the bra you're wearing right now, you have to let me see you in just a bra. No fucking way. She yelled, though it was hard for George to take her seriously when she was smiling that widely. Oh, come on, why not? He whined. That shirt is so tight, I can practically see them right now. Because. You just. Can't. She stammered. She was actively holding herself now, but turned slightly so her cleavage was out of view. How about this? If I'm wrong, I'll let you see my tits. He grinned. She laughed. Then she let her eyes drop to the bulge in his shorts. George hoped he knew what she was thinking. Or I can give you the male review treatment. He said winking. Lindsay was surprised, but her smile gave her away once again. Oh really? She laughed. Will you give me the thunder from down under treatment? I don't even know what that is. But if it means you'll play the game, then fuck yeah. She smiled as she thought. Finally, she asked. The exact size? He nodded. All right, it's a bet. She squealed. Oh, I can't wait to see how you weasel your way out of this one. George smiled widely. Dawn? What's Lindsay's cup size? S somewhere, in the C slash D range. Even speaking telepathically, Dawn sounded like she could come at any moment. Of course, it depends on her, and menstrual cycle, A and the bra manufacturer and... I mean right now. What's the size of the bra she's wearing? 34C. Oh. It is really nice too. Good material, and a little tight. S so hot. Oh, Lindsay. Suddenly, George heard what sounded like a thump and a muffled scream. What was that? Asked Lindsay, baffled. What was what? He replied dumbly. She looked around. I could have sworn I heard something. How weird. George had his answer, but wanted to see how far he could take this game. He stared at her chest and rubbed his chin. Hmm. He thought out loud. Let's see here. There's that, and that curves there, and intersects at that angle. He began making exaggerated movements with his hands like he had tools to measure her with. Lindsay looked at him like he was crazy, but chuckled the entire time. He took a step towards her and leaned in to look more closely. Then take the square root of the hypotenuse. Hey, turn around for a second. What, like this? Right. But put your arms up a little. No. She laughed as she covered herself once more. You're just trying to catch some side boob. Hey, come on, don't be that girl. Just put your arms up for a second. What does that even mean? She mused. Though she did raise her arms over her head. George resumed his observations. Okay, so I subtract that negative, drop the remainder, carry the two. Hmm, this is tough. Though it might be easier if I could get a feel for the weight. He took another step towards her, his arms outstretched for a grope. Hey! She shouted as she batted away his hands. Get your meat hooks away from me! You can look, but no touchy. Oh well. Fair enough. He took a knee so that his face was level with her chest, wrapped his hands around the curve of her back and pulled her in close. Uh, George? You're touching me. She said shakily. Though, she didn't try to stop him. He smirked. What, I can't touch you at all. George had never been this playful with Lindsay before. But he was left feeling very frisky after his time with Don. He wasn't afraid of the female body anymore. It now seemed like something intensely fascinating in all its softness, curves and the raw lust associated with it that he felt like he needed to study it as closely as he could. No, you can touch me, it's just... What? He asked cheekily. He let his hands roam over her back, making her shirt pull even tighter across her bust. Lindsay put her hands on his shoulders to keep from falling forward. Okay, okay. What's your guess, Hans McGee? If my calculations are correct. 34C. He said triumphantly. She looked surprised, but not for long. She pushed away from him. Wrong. Thanks for playing. You forgot to account for the curvature of the earth. Now let's see some tidy whities George eyed her suspiciously. He knew that Dawn wasn't wrong, so Lindsay must have been trying to bluff him. The old George would never have even thought to play this game, but the new George was quite ready to call her bluff. All right, what is it then? He asked as he stood up. I'm not telling. Then how do I know I've lost? I'll need to see the tag before I concede defeat. Lindsay went a little pale. I can't show you, pervert. Just take my word for it.
Hey, he whined. That's not fair. She tissed him and went back to the bags she brought with her. See, I knew you would chicken out. Oh well. He couldn't let it end like that. Throughout their relationship, she had always been the dominant one. She was always the one to come out ahead in their dealings. And now he knew why. She had been afraid, so she was putting the ball in his court knowing he would never actually do anything. It was a challenge, and for the first time in years, George had the courage to meet it. Quietly, he moved behind her and slid his fingers just under the bottom of her shirt. Upon touching the skin around her hips, George felt an electric rush. He felt suddenly nervous as he touched his best friend in a way that was much more than friendly. But he didn't want to stop. She went a bit tense and began to shiver. George? She asked, surprised. What are you doing? He wasn't sure. At first, this was just another part of the game, to embarrass her, to have a little fun. But now, it felt like he was on the threshold of something dangerous. It was exciting and scary. She didn't look like the nagging frumpy nerd he grew up with. She looked like a woman, a very sexy woman. He towered over her like he did Dawn, and he could feel goosebumps where his fingers rested on her skin. I think you're lying. So I'm gonna have a look. He whispered in her ear. He sounded confident, but inside he was ready to faint. Gee, George, I. She stopped as George began to slowly move his fingertips up her body, pushing the tight polo with it. She moved to block him, but then had a moment where she didn't seem to know what to do with her hands stopping and starting a hundred different actions. She eventually settled on resting them on the kitchen counter, and bending very slightly to push back against him. George felt his cock harden immediately. More and more of her creamy skin came into view as he pushed the shirt higher. As he reached the beginnings of the satin garment, his hands began to shake. He was then faced with a pivotal decision. Should he stop, get the size off the tag and let her go, or should he let his lust guide him? He wanted to reach forward and touch her breasts, to lean in and kiss her neck. He wanted to take her right there in the kitchen. Then he remembered, Lindsay was his friend, what would this do to their relationship if he kept pushing? He needed her. He had always needed her. Could he change all that for the sake of a quick feel? He chickened out. He dragged his fingers around to her back, reveling in the sumptuous contours of her muscles and flesh, and pushed the shirt up over the swell of her breasts just enough to read the tag. 34C. Ha! I was right. You liar. He pulled away from her. Uh, not bad. He said. A hint of embarrassment crept back into his voice. Astonished and a bit flushed, she asked. How the fuck did you do that? I don't know. I probably cheated. Lindsay gave him a smoky look as she smoothed out her shirt. So, I guess I lose. He scratched the back of his head as he tried to avoid her eyes. It was what he wanted, but he couldn't believe he had taken their game so far. Uh, you don't have to if you don't want to. It was just a lucky guess. She frowned. You mean you don't want to get a peek? Oh, I do. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't expect to be right. I was just playing, really. She rested her hands on her hips and smiled, pleased by the fact that the balance of power had shifted back to herself. And if you had gotten it wrong, would you have danced around in your underwear like an Australian beefcake? He laughed nervously. I would if I was actually wearing underwear. Oh, she gasped. That means you are almost giving me a show right now, huh? Hey, since when are you so preoccupied with dudes in their underwear? It's not all guys. Look, you won the bet so I have to hold up my end. Lord knows how it came to this, but a bet's a bet. She reached down and took hold of her yellow polo in that sexy way all women do when they are about to peel off a shirt much too tight for them. As she was about to roll it upwards, she stopped and giggled nervously. Stop staring at me like that. She smiled. Like what? He asked. Like. I don't know. Like you want to fuck me or something. How would you like me to look at you? He asked, his voice lower and softer. George continued to stare. And he wasn't sure how it happened, but they had moved very close to one another. If he wanted to, George could reach out and take her hand. She stared back at him, in a way not unlike Dawn's heavenly gaze. The one that made him go soft everywhere but the one place he needed to be hard. Without another word Lindsay pulled the top over her head. As her long fiery hair swung free again she stood up straight and pushed her chest forward a bit. George wasn't surprised to learn that she was so beautiful. She had wonderful white skin with toned and sexy abs and arms. Her breasts, while not as large as Dawn's, were still full and perky, and the white satin bra cradling them looked more like something out of a lingerie catalog than something an assistant manager at a sandwich shop would wear. She smiled widely and added, 
You're staring at me again. If you were me right now, you'd be staring too. They locked eyes for a long moment. She seemed pleasantly surprised about something, and said finally, There is something so different about you. I've been hearing that a lot lately. He replied. She thought about it for a moment longer, but then she seemed to remember that she was standing there without a shirt on. Phew, she said as she fanned her face. Is it hot in here? I'm burning up. She reached into a bag and pulled out a six-pack of long necks. Want one? Uh, sure, he said, unsure if he really wanted a drink or not. She took hold of the beer, popped the top and gave him a quick toast. She raised the neck of the bottle up to her lips and licked the rim before taking the tip into her mouth. She closed her eyes, leaned her head back, and gulped it down without missing a drop. George watched Lindsay's throat contract and release as she accepted the liquid into her, fascinated on many levels. Lindsay slammed the empty bottle on the counter and wiped her mouth. George, would you stop staring? Uh, sorry. I just never saw anything like that. It's one of the first things you learn in college. When me and my friends walk into a party, there's like, twenty guys offering drinks. My sorority makes pledges build up a tolerance before they let us go out. For safety, I guess. They both laughed. Here. She said as she grabbed two bottles and handed one to George. George stared at the bottle. He had never given much thought to drinking. His mother never drank, though she didn't actively demonize it either. Even so, he imagined that she wouldn't approve. Hey, you gonna drink it or look at it? She was already taking swigs. George wrestled with his mother's image a bit more, but won out quickly. He was certainly curious as to what the fuss was all about. He mentally shrugged, then wrapped his hands around the top and twisted. The cap didn't come free as easily as he thought it would. Oh, wait. Those aren't twist-offs. Let me. I'll fuck. Yelled George as the cap pinged off the floor. He looked at his hand and just as blood was beginning to pour out of a jagged slash on his palm, the wound sealed itself like nothing had happened. Oh, George. Are you okay? She cried as she bounded toward him. He pulled his hand in close to his body in an attempt to hide the lack of an injury. It's all right, I got it. Let me see. No, Lindsay, it's fine. She wrestled with him as he tried to keep his hand away from her. She backed him up against the stovetop leaving him with nowhere to go. She finally took hold of his hand and examined it. You big wee nay. There's nothing wrong with you. The struggle had left her practically on top of him. Lindsay seemed to notice at the same time as George, because she stopped all movement and looked up at him. George thought her expression resembled someone who had just seen their first fireworks show and imagined that he resembled the same. After a few awkward moments, she dropped her eyes back to his hand. She began to examine it more closely, tracing the lines in his palm with her fingertips. The gentle sensations radiating from her touch reminded him of the first time Dawn touched him. The feeling flowed through his entire body, including his cock. With her pressed against him, she must have noticed, but she didn't pull away. He let her flip his hand over when she made to see the other side. You have really nice hands, she said, her voice noticeably softer. She placed her palm against his and compared the length. Though her hands were not as delicate as Dawn's, they were much smaller than George's. Her fingertips reached just below his last knuckle. George couldn't stop himself. His fingers curled over hers and intertwined. Lindsay looked up at him again, her beautiful jade green eyes unrestrained. She wetted her lips and parted them slightly as she eyed his, and began to move closer. George closed his eyes tightly. He felt like his heart was beating twenty times a second, and swallowed hard. They were about to do something that could never be undone, but he couldn't stop. But nothing happened. He looked down at her, and she had faltered. She pulled back, and kissed one of his knuckles entwined with hers. All better then? She whispered. Hey, Lindsay! Glowed Dawn as she bounded down the stairs. Lindsay separated herself from George immediately and looked around furtively for her misplaced shirt. H. Hey, Dawn! I didn't know you were here! George caught sight of Dawn, who was wearing the same extra-large dress shirt she had worn her first morning. The outline of a light blue push-up brow was clearly visible through the partially wet garment. Her shoulder was exposed like before, but instead of boxer shorts she had a pair of matching panties. Her golden brown hair was still a little damp. I live here actually. Oh! What did you bring me? She smiled. Lindsay became very flustered. Uh, just some extra sandwiches and some beer. I finished at the shop and I thought I'd bring lunch. See, I knew there was a reason I liked you. Joked George. Gee, thanks, replied Lindsay. How did you get the booze? Swipe it from Dad, George asked. 
Nope. Another thing that becomes necessary in college is one of these. She went into her purse and pulled out her ID. George took it and examined it. You aren't 26. That says I am so there. She stuck her tongue at him. Dawn was suspiciously quiet. George looked over to see her staring hungrily at Lindsay. Lindsay, you look amazing. Dawn said. She sauntered over to her and ran a hand through her long red hair. I love it when you leave your hair down. Lindsay blushed. Oh, T thanks, Dawn. I like yours too. It's a good color. And I do believe. Dawn dropped her eyes to the swell of Lindsay's breasts. That your bra is too small for you. She looked up and smiled wickedly. George expected Lindsay to run for the hills. That would have been his first inclination. But to his surprise, she answered right back. And your shirt looks like it belongs on someone bigger. Dawn replied. If you only knew. Lindsay acknowledged Dawn's innuendo with a saucy grin. George spotted a small bag on the table with the logo of a local video game store. He opened it up before Lindsay could stop him and asked. What's this? Lindsay winced. A game. I was hoping that we could play it together, all of us. Really? Squealed Dawn. Ah, uh, Lindsay, that is so nice of you. She wrapped Lindsay up in tight hug. Her hands roamed up and down Lindsay's back, her fingernails dragging gently across the redhead's creamy skin. George was about to call her on the fact that she didn't know Dawn was going to be there, but stopped himself when he remembered that he didn't want to scare her away. He was certain that something was going to happen between the three of them, he just needed to let it. Jeez, you're so dramatic, joked Lindsay. I just wanted to play some video games with other people for a change. You don't have to get all mushy on me. George motioned like he was scolding a dog. Down, girl. It took some effort, but Lindsay eventually peeled Dawn off of her. The three grabbed what food they wanted and relocated to George's room, which had gone back to its normal state. George didn't have a couch, so the three sat on the edge of his bed in front of his small television. When he forgot the beer Lindsay called him a doofus and went down to get it. Why is the alcohol so important? Asked Dawn. I don't know. I've never had any. But I guess. Lindsay's been doing some drinking at school. You don't have to have any if you don't want. I am anxious to try it. I have only been here a short time, and already I have seen many references to the power of alcohol. Okay. Just be careful with the stuff. I've heard of some sad stories involving too much alcohol and lowered inhibitions. He warned. I will be fine. I have you to protect me from the big mean lesbian. She gave him a quick peck on his cheek. Just then, Lindsay popped back into the room with two six-packs, one of which she had opened before, and the open bottle that George had not started. Sadly, she had put her shirt back on, but when George looked closer he was having trouble seeing the lines of her bra. Okay. She began. Let's play a few practice matches so Dawn can learn the controls. Then we'll play for real. She popped the game in and handed them each a controller. George was glad that Lindsay was back to her old bossy self. She was never unreasonable or cruel, but she always seemed to know what to do next and didn't like wasting time convincing people that she was right. George had learned to enjoy a small measure of control around Dawn, but he also enjoyed Lindsay's self-assured nature. The game was a simple kart racer, with bright colors and fun power-ups. George had never played it, but caught on very fast as it was similar to other games he had played. Lindsay was beating him soundly in the first couple of tracks, but by the third he had managed to make it a race. Meanwhile, Dawn was having trouble making her cart go straight. Oh, what is wrong with this thing? She shouted as she turned her controller like she was steering a car. Wait, babe, you're holding the controller wrong. Use your thumbs like me. She had twisted her fingers around as if she were trying to type out a message. Upon learning the correct position, with thumbs on the control sticks and index fingers on the shoulder buttons, she said, Oh, this makes a lot more sense. It took another few races, but Dawn eventually got a hang of the controls. Okay, exclaimed Lindsay. Ready for the real fun? From now on, everyone who doesn't get first place has to chug a beer. Holy hell, cried George. You trying to get me wasted? Oh, come on, mama's boy. I've had a long day at work and now I want to get drunk with my friends. He hadn't thought about her visit in that way but Lindsay didn't show up to spoil his fun with Don. She was there because she was his friend, and she wanted to be with him. He realized then how much he had missed her. Taking one last look at the opened, but full bottle next to him, George gave her a quick toast and downed it as quickly as he could. It tasted foul, like he imagined stagnant water would taste like. But he didn't let up. 
Soon his first beer was lined up on the floor next to hers. Lindsay looked on in silence until he came to the last few gulps. She and Dawn cheered for him until it was all gone. Nice one, George. How was it? Like drinking ram's piss, he said as he faked a gag. Give me another. That's the spirit. You want one, Dawn? Lindsay popped the cap and offered her a bottle. Dawn took it hesitantly. Well, here's to Lindsay, my new best friend. She took a big gulp and immediately grimaced in discomfort, as she fought to keep the bitter liquid in her mouth. Let it go right down your throat, offered Lindsay. If it hits your tongue then yeah, it's not going to be that pleasant. Dawn acknowledged with her eyes and tried again. This time she was able to keep going, though a few drops escaped her seal on the bottle and dribbled down her chin. When the last bit was gone Dawn gasped for breath. Well, she breathed. Do people really like this stuff? Lindsay got started on opening up more bottles. It's not chocolate milk, but it'll give you a nice buzz. This isn't my favorite kind though. That shit's expensive. George took another open bottle from Lindsay. So losers drink. Is that the rule? Well, we don't have to play that way if you guys don't want to. No way. I've already given in to the peer pressure. I'm not gonna stop now. What about you, Don? He added in his mind. Don't do it if you don't want to. I won't be mad. Let's get wasted. She exclaimed. The game began again. George was not a competitive person, but the added penalty for losing was pushing him to try harder. He and Don lost the first race and down their second beer. It wasn't as bad as the first, but it still didn't taste good. He realized that if he kept this up, he and Don were going to be too drunk to stand by dinner time. He felt a bit sorry for Don. She was getting better at the game, but she still wasn't in the same league as he and Lindsay. On top of that, he figured she wouldn't have any real tolerance for alcohol since she had never tried it before. George didn't have a tolerance either, but it would take longer to affect him thanks to his size. In the next race, he focused all his attention on sabotaging Lindsay to give Don a chance to win. It was a close match, but Don managed to sneak into first place at the last minute. She jumped up and danced happily. I won, I won. I am the best gamer alive. Nice job, babe. Lindsay got wise. Hey, you're teaming up. Shenanigans. I quote Sun Tzu, all's fair in love and video games. He did not say that. She laughed. Fine, if that's the way you want to play it. In the next race, George was beginning to pull away when Lindsay reached down and yanked his controller loose. George yelped comically as his racer careened into a lake and scrambled to get his controller back in the slot. But it was too late. By the time he was sorted, Don and Lindsay had finished the race. Hey, he pointed at Lindsay. How dare you stoop to my level? I quote Abraham Lincoln. She mocked. Cheat to win. Now drink. George looked at their supply of beer. After the two that he and Don had to drink, there were only two left. Hey Lindsay, looks like we only have enough for one more game. Don was already gulping hers down. She seemed to be over her initial revulsion. When she was done she dropped the bottle and put her hand on her forehead. Phew, I think. I am feeling funny. George was feeling woozy too. However, Lindsay didn't seem to be that affected. All right, she said. Let's have one more game like this, and then we'll think of some other penalties. In the last booze race, George was determined to make Lindsay lose. At first, he just tried to race well, but he hit a few turns wrong and Lindsay was ahead of him again. Then he tried to sabotage her so that maybe Dawn could win, but she was too far back and Lindsay was too far ahead. He didn't know whether it was the beer, or something else, but something inside told him to grab her. He dropped the controller, and started tickling her. No, no! Stop, stop! No fair! She cried. George was ruthless, and dug his fingers into her everywhere he could reach. However, without realizing it, George had come dangerously close to grabbing her breasts. It was the one place she didn't seem to be guarding. She didn't seem to mind. And her giggling changed in tone from hysterical to sultry. He couldn't help but get hard again. Touching her was some forbidden taboo he didn't understand, and he knew he wanted to do it again soon. The race ended with Dawn the clear winner, with George and Lindsay's racers stopped in their tracks. I win again. Drink up you too. George let up, and Lindsay smacked his shoulder as she straightened her shirt, which had ridden up past her stomach. Dawn, you need to have a chat with your boyfriend. He's a little grabby. Actually, I am the grabby one. Just ask him. Lindsay shot a questioning look at George. He shrugged. Let's just say I can't take her to the supermarket unless I'm wearing underwear. Since when don't you wear underwear?
Actually, I'm not wearing any right now. He said with a much exaggerated wink. I know. Lindsay gave an intoxicated laugh. And if that's your best pickup line, I play to my strengths. He smirked. George and Lindsay finished their last beers. The final tally held George in last place. Having lost all four races and drinking one before, his total stood at five beers. Lindsay and Don both won twice and lost twice, but Lindsay had two before they even started and Don had one. This put Lindsay at four and Don at three. I want to play some more, cried Don, the alcohol clearly affecting her more. All right, uh, oh, I got it. Let's play truth or dare. Only whoever wins gets to ask the question to the losers. Don asked. How do we play that? I thought we were racing. You've never played truth or dare? Asked Lindsay incredulously. Nope, replied a rapidly buzzing Don. It was really starting to hit George. His vision was a bit fuzzy, and his head felt heavy. It's easy, no problem, for real. All you gotta do is answer the, hold on. We race first. Then whoever wins asks the loser, truth or dare? He added with flair. Then, if they say truth, he held up his hand like he was in court. Then they asked him a question that he has to answer. And you're supposed to ask questions that you wouldn't normally ask. For dares you, ah, uh, you. If you say dare, continued Lindsay, you have to do whatever they tell you. Right. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm not thinking right, right now. She laughed and then remembered. Oh, we need a penalty. In case you don't want to tell the truth or do the dare, you have to do this instead. Let's not make it anything gross, said George. I don't know what you crazy coeds are thinking, but I've heard some nasty ones. Lindsay threw her hands up. All right, okay. Let's keep it fun, hmm. Oh, I wish I had more beer, she grumbled. Don chirped. I have an idea. How about you have to take off a piece of clothing? Oh, I like that one, nodded George emphatically. Lindsay looked hesitant. I don't know. I mean, you guys have already seen each other naked. Don put a hand on Lindsay's knee. Please, Lindsay. It will be fun. She was about to protest, but gave up under Don's beautiful stare. Okay then. Let's play. I want to ask you some tough questions while you're buzzed enough to answer them. You gotta beat me first, you red-headed weasel. The three raced again. This time Lindsay easily beat the other two, due mainly to George going the wrong way on accident, and Don having fun trying to ram him. Neither even realized where Lindsay was until the victory music started playing. Ah shit, already? Pouted George. I almost had you. Pointed Don, laughing. You were steering all crazy. Lindsay interrupted their giggling. Okay, truth or dare? George turned to Don. Oh, I don't know, babe. What do you think? Don bit her lip as she thought. Mmm, truth? Lindsay turned towards them and sat Indian style on the bed. Okay, uh. Oh, this is for both of you. What is the one thing you like the most about the others? So, Don, what do you like most about George, and what do you like most about me? There, that isn't too bad, right, George? George thought hard and asked. You mean physically? She replied. If that's what you like most about them. Hmm. He thought. That's hard. Dawn raised her hand like she was in first grade. I have my answer. Lindsay giggled more than usual and finally seemed to be at least slightly inebriated. Okay, go for it. First, Dawn began. I really like a lot of things about George. But if I had to pick just one, I would have to go with his. Cock. The threesome erupted in laughter. George doubled over and rolled onto his side, covering his crotch in embarrassment. I am kidding, of course. Oh, do not worry, hot stuff. I like that too. She winked suggestively. But what I love most about him is his purity. Lindsay looked puzzled. His purity? I don't get it. It is difficult to explain, but he has this power over me that I could not resist, even if I wanted to. He could do anything to me, make me do anything. He could command it, and I would obey. Ha! Huh. Lindsay guffawed. I can't imagine feeling compelled to obey anyone. Except for my dad, of course. But even then, I give him hell. Dawn continued, and looked around absently as she thought out loud. But here is the point I am trying to make. George does not do that. He has all this power, and he refuses to abuse it. He is incorruptible. It is so freeing to be able to trust someone like that. I think I know what you are saying. He has power over you, and power corrupts. But George doesn't let it. Answered Lindsay. 
She turned to George. You always were a big softy. George smiled. Not when I got half-naked chicks running around my house. Lindsay laughed nervously as she shook her head. All right, what about me? Dawn put a finger to her lips as she thought. Well, I have not known you very long, but there are so many things that I like already. Oh, I know. I like how you mix beauty and brains. It is so rare to find a woman who is both intelligent and gorgeous. You must drive the college boys wild. It was Lindsay's turn to blush. Oh, stop. She said. Dawn lightly smacked the top of Lindsay's hand and said, I am serious. I am surprised that you did not bring home a sexy boy toy. Lindsay giggled some more. That's about all the guys are good for in college. If they are sober enough. But I'm not the kind of girl who does that kind of thing. Not lightly anyway. She pushed a few wayward strands of hair behind her ear and turned to George. Your turn, Georgie boy. George had been listening to Dawn's attempts to get Lindsay to talk about her love life with great interest, but hadn't been thinking very hard about his answer. He had to think fast. Well, uh, for Dawn. Yes? She said sweetly. I'm thinking. He said. Think harder. Joke Dawn. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. He said desperately. Lindsay eyed him intently. Don't think too hard. She said. Wait. Hold on. Why do I have to pick just one thing? Why can't I just like every little stupid little thing about you guys? Are you saying you will not answer the question? Asked Dawn. Well, no. It's just. I can't just pick one thing in particular. I mean, I don't look at one quality Lindsay has and say, it's a good thing she's got a great ass or I just couldn't stand the bitch. Or, gee, I sure do like the way she sucks on a popsicle. Let's be friends with that chick for the rest of my life. Lindsay turned to Dawn. I think he needs to lose his shirt. Dawn nodded. Hmm. He is being very uncooperative. Just hold on, would you? I'm drunk and stupid right now. Lindsay, would you do the honors? Dawn asked with a wicked smile. Are you sure? He's your boyfriend. George, amused but nervous, tried to protest, but was silenced by Dawn suddenly smothering him in a tonguey kiss. Without thinking, he reached up and roughly palmed Dawn's breasts through her white dress shirt. In response, she ran her fingers through his hair, making it look wild and messy. Through all the stimulation, he barely noticed the other set of fingers that had slipped underneath his lifeguard tank. Lindsay pushed the shirt up his hard stomach and chest, dragging her palms along his skin, before pulling it over his head. Dawn disengaged from him, and the girls sat back to look upon the devastation they had wrought. George, half-naked and drunk, looked as though he had been mugged. But the smile on his face was telling of how much fun he was having. The girls looked at each other and giggled. Dawn cheered. Next game. George tried his best to beat Lindsay but ran into an unlucky streak in the last lap of the race, setting him firmly behind her. Damn! hissed George. Dawn, we need to get her drunker, cause I can't avoid a water hazard if it was running away from me. MWA haha, cackled Lindsay. All part of my insidious plan to take over Z World. Truth or dare? George and Dawn exchanged questioning looks. Neither seemed to be sure what they should pick. Uh, truth for me. Shrugged George. Lindsay grinned wickedly. How big is your cock? George fell back on the bed again and laughed deeply. Oh my god! I can't believe I walked into this. You wanted to play. Spill it or strip? George chuckled. So, either I tell you how big it is, or I have to take off my shorts and show you. Lindsay shrugged and smirked. Them's the brakes. She said. He didn't feel like there was anything wrong with her knowing but felt very defiant in the light of her sudden interest. She had already tried to find out that afternoon once before. But he didn't want to just tell her. And he didn't feel like he should be whipping out his junk so easily. Dawn, you tell her. She'll think I'm lying. He said truthfully. That's true. Lindsay chuckled. Dawn? Dawn looked around and found one of the empty beer bottles lying unceremoniously on the floor. She picked it up and measured it with her hands, with her palm hovering an inch above the mouth of the bottle. About there. She said finally. Lindsay balked. Okay, whatever. Nobody's that big. And how would it fit if it was? Very, very well. Was Dawn's reply. Lindsay turned to George. Is she lying? George laughed. You wouldn't believe me. You won't believe Dawn. Do I have to show you? Come here. George stood up quickly and walked around to Lindsay's side of the bed. He began untying the laces of his board shorts. Lindsay realized what he was doing. She tried to act disgusted as she crawled away from him, 
even though she was giggling the entire time. But Dawn intercepted her and barred her arms behind her back. George followed her while he held up his shorts with his thumbs. Here, come on. This is what you wanted, wasn't it? He joked. I take it back. Lindsay cried. I believe you. I believe you. That's better. He said. He tied up his shorts once again. They picked up their controllers and began again. He messaged to Dawn. Hey, do me a favor and win this one. I want you to get a turn to ask Lindsay a sexy question. Okay, but what if she wants a dare? I'm sure you can think of something. Tingle. Flash. George suddenly felt Dawn's hands caressing his cock inside his shorts. He looked down expecting to see her leaning over his lap, worshipping his member, as she was fond of doing. But Dawn was on her side of the bed, preparing herself for the race, though he swore he saw a knowing smile form at the corner of her mouth. As the race began, George thought he heard Lindsay breath in sharply. He glanced her way briefly and noticed that her white skin looked unusually flushed. He realized why immediately as Dawn's invisible hands caressed his cock, followed by a pair of lips engulfing him. Dawn's technique was flawless and kept right on the edge of orgasm as he tried to race well. Periodically he would hear small, sharp intakes of breath coming from Lindsay, who must have been feeling something similar. Whatever Dawn was doing was working. George couldn't catch a break and Lindsay kept uncharacteristically driving off cliffs. Woohoo! Dawn bellowed as she crossed the finish line and was rewarded by the victory music. She swung her arms about as she danced to the cute little tune. George felt the invisible lips pull off of him and was finally able to think more clearly. Though, he was still drunk. Well, said Lindsay as her senses returned to her. I couldn't get anything going in that one. George asked. You okay? You've been mopping the floor with us all day. She pushed him lightly. I'm fine. She said, as though George were an overconcerned parent. I can't win them all, even as amazing as I am at video games. Dawn bounced as she asked excitedly. Truth or dare, friend? Lindsay blew a strand of hair out of her face in frustration. I'll take dare, I guess. If only to mix things up a little. George? George spoke. Dare. With great excitement. He couldn't wait to find out what sexy surprise Dawn would have in store for him. Dawn replied. Oh goody. That means I can include you both. You guys have to give me a massage. A full body massage, to relax all of my sore muscles after my first day of work. George, in his stupor, was ready to tackle her and massage the parts he liked the most. Dawn was ready for him. George, you get to massage my aching feet. Lindsay, would you do my shoulders and back? Lindsay looked like she might be considering losing her shoes. However, her face betrayed her thought process as she went from. Hell no, I'd rather be naked. To. Oh, why the hell not? All right, said Lindsay finally. I'm not very good at this though. You might regret this dare. Dawn instructed her to lean against the headboard and then scooted between her legs. George placed her unsurprisingly elegant-looking feet in his lap and began massaging the soles as best he could. He had never massaged anyone before, especially not anyone's feet. Lindsay started on Dawn's shoulders with as much evidence to her inexperience. After a minute, Dawn seemed to be yelping in pain as much as pleasure. George thought there had to be a better way. Dawn? Does that feel good at all? You are doing better than she is, but you both could use some lessons. That gave George an idea. Dawn, I wish that Lindsay and I'd be gifted with the knowledge of how to give a very potent and sensual massage. Tingle. Flash. Oh. Moaned Dawn out loud. Suddenly, it became very obvious to George just how he should be touching her. It was almost as if Dawn's feet were his own, and his fingers could unlock the tension in every nook and cranny of her body. Lindsay's kneading of Dawn's shoulders became much more focused and intentional. Wow, this isn't as hard as I thought it was. You are very good at this, Lindsay. You too, George, I am in heaven right now. I could do better if this shirt wasn't in the way. Said Lindsay almost to herself. She put her hand over her mouth as she tried to backpedal. I mean, you know what I mean. I think I do, said Dawn with a hint of lust creeping into her voice. Without asking, she reached under her shirt and lifted it over her head, leaving her clad in only her light blue push-up bra. There you go. She giggled. Jesus, Lindsay muttered, as she admired Dawn's incredible body. George's hands began to creep from her feet up to her ankles and calves. Her skin was so smooth that his hands glided over her without effort. Dawn cooed. Mm-mm, George, you have such warm hands. Lindsay, will you go a bit lower? Uh, sure. Okay. Shaking, 
Lindsay placed her hands just under the fuzzy undercoat of Dawn's silky hair and pushed down her spine. George could feel goosebumps forming on Dawn's long legs. Lindsay asked. How's that? Am I doing it right? Oh, that's so good. Moaned Dawn. She arched her back and leaned her head back against Lindsay's shoulder. Her perky breasts pushed forward and stretched her bra to its limit. She placed her hands on Lindsay's thighs and seemed to be rubbing them unconsciously. George continued with his newfound mastery over the art of massage, as he watched his two favorite girls caress each other. He detected a profound flush in Lindsay's cheeks. She carried a determined look, but her arousal was clear from the sound of her breathing. That's it, guys. Oh yeah? Keep going, Lindsay. Please. Lindsay didn't respond. Her hands crept along Dawn's lower back and let her fingers curl around Dawn's sides. Slowly, Lindsay slid along to Dawn's stomach and pressed downwards. Her thighs rubbed against Dawn's. Then, she closed her eyes and pressed her fingertips to the edge of Dawn's panties. Suddenly, the door downstairs opened loudly and then slammed shut. George! Dawn! All three of them were tossed hard out of their collective fantasy. Lindsay was especially flustered. Oh shit! She muttered. Let me get all this trash. Shit, shit, shit! She crawled quickly off the bed and hurriedly tossed the empty bottles into a bag. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'll see you guys later. She almost ran out of the room leaving George and Dawn anxious as to her well-being. Oh hi, Lindsay! Is George around? Heard George. In his room, gotta go, bye. The front door slammed shut. Is she alright, Dawn? Dawn concentrated for a moment. I am uncertain. She is feeling very embarrassed and exposed. I was trying not to force her into anything, but she seemed so receptive. It would seem your friend is afraid of where our relationship is going. She does not want you to know that she is attracted to women for fear that you will treat her differently. George sighed. That's a shame. For a moment there I thought something was going to happen. It almost did. Replied Dawn wistfully. All of her barriers were down. But she may not be ready for this. She desperately wants to though. She is just so afraid of changing what you both share. George thought through the heaviness in his head. He knew that Lindsay wanted him. And he knew she wanted Dawn as well. But the only reason he knew that was because Dawn told him so. He had no reason not to trust Dawn's insights, but having a cheat sheet on his friend, and everybody else, felt unfair. Here's what I think. He started as he forced away the fuzzy feeling in his head. Just because she wants to do something, doesn't mean she wouldn't mind if someone forced her to. Dawn nodded in agreement. That seems wise. But George, what if she never gathers up the courage to go through with it? I do not wish to see our relationship stall. He hadn't thought about that. What if she chose not to go further? What if the worst-case scenario happened, and she decided to forget him? Or even worse, found somebody else? Since he had learned of Lindsay's affection for him, and her attraction to Dawn, he hadn't bothered to think about what she would actually choose. I don't want that either. He hung his head low in disappointment. But we should be willing to let her go, if that's what she wants. The reality of that statement hit him hard in the gut. The buzz he had been feeling was leaving very quickly. Dawn had felt it too. I would be very sad, if we lost her. George stood and walked towards the door, but stopped to lean on the frame. He felt very lame all of a sudden. He felt like his old self, that gave up when things didn't go his way. He hated feeling like that. He turned, and with quiet resolve he said, Let's not lose her then. We'll be her friend first. That's what we should be. If things progress from there then we'll let them. Until then, let's treat her like she deserves to be treated, not like a potential harem girl. She's worth more than that. Dawn sat up straight and looked very impressed. Yes, master. He smiled. That was the way his father had treated people, and George felt damn good to finally be emulating him. George! Jessica called. Come help me unload the car, please. Be right down, mom! He shouted back. Dawn crawled off the bed and put her shirt back on, while a pair of khaki shorts appeared around her waist. As she tried to stumble past George into the hallway, he wrapped an arm around her hips and pulled her close. A tender kiss ensued. You're worth it too, he said. Her heavenly look returned, the one that let George know that he was doing everything right. She replied, I know. After they helped unpack even more groceries, Jessica set about making dinner. There were only a few things she didn't have after George went shopping the day before, but she admitted that it had been a long while since she had made dinner for as many people as would be there that night, and she hadn't planned for it. 
Aside from George, Dawn and Jessica, Haley and Karina were coming home, and their father, Richard, would be staying as well. Dawn accepted Jessica's invitation to help her cook with great enthusiasm. Though Dawn was still a bit tipsy, she could follow directions without difficulty. Jessica was making lasagna, her specialty and one of George's favorites. It wasn't especially hard to make and his mother never had time to make any of the ingredients from scratch. Even so, George loved it. And he really loved when she made enough for him to have it again the next day. Dawn's job was to bake a cake using directions on the back of a box. She was a Twitter with the new experience of making food. Of course, she knew what everything was called and what it was used for, but the subtle nuances that could only come from experience, which George and Jessica had always taken for granted were completely lost on Dawn. For example, she knew that if she mixed all the ingredients together like it said on the box and baked it for the amount of time it specified, she would be making a cake. But she didn't know that the eggshells were not part of the recipe, or how well she was supposed to mix the ingredients together. What she pulled out of the oven was nothing short of awesome, if only for its epic failure. She was immensely sorry. Luckily, cake mix had been on sale that day and she had chance to redeem herself. This time Jessica took a much more hands-on approach in Dawn's baking escapades. The results were more encouraging. The kitchen was not large, so George opted to stay out of their way. But he did keep them company. From his seat at the breakfast table he watched the two women interact. It was a very natural thing to see his mother and his girlfriend conversing while they worked. They fell into a synchronous rhythm as they darted around the kitchen, opening cupboards, clearing counter space and stirring this or that. He couldn't help but feel like, for a very brief moment in time, everything was well. Even still, he felt separate from that scene. He spoke very little, and while the women didn't ignore him he couldn't help but feel like he was intruding on something. Dawn noticed. Are you alright, master? You seem sad. It's nothing, babe. I'm just enjoying the view. That didn't seem to satisfy her. She had just finished mixing so she dislodged one of the whisks caked in batter and wiped off a large glob. Here, hot stuff, taste this and tell me if I did it right. She was grinning widely. He was about to wipe it off her finger with his own, but Dawn recoiled. Uh, open up, she said cutely. George rolled his eyes. He knew that Dawn was trying to make him feel more welcome, but he was just so used to everyone leaving him to himself. And he wasn't sure how much his mom would appreciate watching him lick cake batter off of his girlfriend. But he complied and pulled her hand in close so he could suck the glob from her delicate finger. Well, how did I do? George was surprised at how much the act of licking food off of Dawn turned him on. He was also pleased that this cake was turning out much better than the first. You did great, babe. Dawn breathed a sigh of relief. Well, that is good. At the rate I was going, we were going to be all out of cake. Are you done with the mixer? I think so. Well, then give me the whisk. I'll clean it off. No, no, that is not necessary. I will clean it. Jessica chimed in. He wants to lick the leftover junk from the whisk. Dawn looked at the utensil in her hand until the eureka moment hit her. Oh, how fun. Here you go, hot stuff. She offered the goopy mess to George, and he took it gladly. Get the other one, babe, and we'll share. It's been a long time since I've done this. Jessica spoke as she was putting the lasagna in an oven. It's so cute how you guys call each other those names. Did George tell you that I used to call his father hot stuff? He did, said Dawn as she grabbed the other whisk and began licking it clean. Your husband sounds like he was a very special man. Henry was wonderful, Jessica said wistfully. The love of my life. George is so much like him it's unbelievable. George felt the undeniable urge to leave the room. Even when speaking of his father fondly, George could not bring himself to be happy. He felt the pleasantness that had come so naturally disintegrate into guilt. As quietly as he could, George attempted to sidle out of the kitchen. Master, where are you going? He stopped. Um, I'm just going back up to my room for a bit. Please don't go. She pleaded. Aye, but Don. Please. George turned back around, ready to give Don a defiant look before he made off again. But as he met her hopeful eyes he felt very stupid for even considering the thought. He hung his head and sighed heavily as he sat back down. Tell me about him. Don said to Jessica. Henry? We met in my junior year of college. He and Richard were in their last year of law school and I guess were having a competition to see who could bed more undergrads before they graduated. From what I understand, Henry was way out in front. Don laughed and I George. A very young man. Ha. Very. 
But after our first date he told me all about it and said he was done with all that. I was skeptical at first. But he proved himself. Henry was like that. He was honest, and he always wanted to deserve what he had. Richard won the competition, but Henry won me. He would have said it was a fair consolation. So Richard is. My second husband. Haley and Corina's father. He had always been friends with Henry, but I always had the feeling that he wanted to be more with me. Richard and Henry practically grew up together so, they were almost like brothers. They shared everything. I guess I was the one thing Henry wouldn't share. When he died Richard was there for me. I've always been grateful to him for that. It's a shame things didn't work out between us. Why did they not? Well, lots of reasons. The main one being he preferred the company of younger women. I guess I haven't held up as well as he hoped. Three kids will do that to you. Don looked appalled. Oh, do not put yourself down like that, Mom. You are very beautiful still. I have seen pictures of you in your college years. I believe you may be even more beautiful now than you were then. Jessica sighed. Thanks, Don. You're a sweet girl. I think I'm still beautiful, but I have to work a lot harder to stay that way these days. She chuckled. I'm not even sure why I try so hard anymore. If it weren't for the fact that looking good for my clients helps business, I'd probably bring a carton of ice cream with me to the office every day. George spoke. Hey, Mom, don't you ever think about, you know, getting a boyfriend? She laughed. Oh ho. Have I ever? So why not do it? Since you walked out on Dick you haven't even been on a date. I don't know. It's different now. I'm different. And I have two little girls to worry about. Karina wouldn't think too much about it since she's so little. But if Haley saw me with another man, she'd hate me. She still hasn't forgiven me for leaving Richard. No, another man would just mess things up. But what if the right guy came along? Would you pass him up just because you didn't want to upset Haley? She'd get over it eventually. George, I'm 44 years old. The chances of someone like Henry sweeping me off my feet, again, are getting smaller every day. I'm not holding my breath. Dawn had finished making her cake and was standing next to the oven, lost in thought. Jessica noticed. Dawn? What's your take? Why, oh. She shook herself loose from her thoughts. I think. I think finding another Henry Everhart would be difficult. But that does not mean a Mr. Wright is not out there somewhere. He just may not be what you expect. She giggled suddenly. I certainly did not expect my Mr. Wright to be like George. I had not thought to set my sights so high. George rolled his eyes. Oh, would you stop? He blushed. Jessica examined both of them briefly. Finally, she said. Looks like you're stuck with her, Georgie boy. The women put the finishing touches on dinner, while George set the table. Outwardly, Don and Jessica chatted about work. But George could detect a worrisome look in Don's eyes. Don, something bothering you? Oh. It is okay. I am sure it is nothing. Tell me anyway. I mean, if you want to. I am worried about mom. She is not happy. George watched his mother a bit, searching for the telltale signs of distress. But she seemed fine. In fact, she looked happier than he she had in many years. She looks fine to me. Right now she is, yes. She is very happy for you. She loves you very much, you know. More than she has loved anyone else. She loves all of her children, but you most of all. Though she would never tell you that. That's great, but what's the problem then? She is still in love with your father. With every part of her being, she wishes he was still here to enjoy this with her. It is suffocating. George watched his mother again. He still could not see the anguish Dawn was telling him of, but Dawn was not a liar. It could only mean his mother was better at hiding it than he was. There it is again. She said sadly. What? He asked. Guilt. And then you retreat into shame. And I cannot follow you. She waited, hoping. George remained silent. Finally, she said. It is okay. As for your mother, she could never have a serious relationship again. At least, not like this. Like what? Every man she meets she compares to Henry and finds them wanting. Even if Mr. Wright did come along, even if another Henry came along, she would not love him. And she would not let herself be loved by him. George pondered while the women continued their recounting of the day. They were comparing how screwed up their co-workers were when he asked. If a Mr. Wright did come along, could I wish that she love him? I mean, if she would want to love him, if she was able to. Yes. But would you be okay with that? Uh, why wouldn't I be? 
You would not wish that Lindsay have sex with me, even though she and I want to. George reeled from the web of rules he had created for himself. Combined with the rules Don had laid out for him, it was making his rapidly sobering head spin. Sheesh. I guess you can't solve everything with sex. Don said, with more seriousness than he was used to hearing. I suppose not. A pair of headlights shined through the living room windows as a loud sports car pulled into the driveway, followed by two obnoxiously loud honks of the horn. Oh, groaned Jessica. Why does he always do that? Dawn had perked up and was practically jumping out of her skin when she asked. Is that them? Are they here? That's them. George, get the door, would you? Dawn ran her fingers through her hair and fidgeted nervously about her clothing while George strode towards the door. Just as he reached it, it swung open, and Haley and Corinna bounded inside. The younger sister, Corinna, came rushing in first. Her long wavy dark brown hair blurred her pixie-like features. Haley followed. She had lighter hair, like her mother, with a touch of auburn. They each had a backpack and a pillow, along with shiny new pink MP3 players. Mommy! They screamed as they rushed towards her, ignoring George altogether. Jessica greeted them with a loving hug. Hi, girls. Did you have fun? Haley piped up. It was awesome! Daddy's the coolest! Behind them strode a tall, stocky man with thick black hair gelled back in precise detail, a well-trimmed goatee that was showing signs of graying and a swagger that George had pegged as the man's trademark. Richard wore designer jeans, a worn-looking black leather jacket that smelled brand new and cradled a bottle of red wine in his left arm. He gave George a curt nod as he crossed the threshold. Daddy got us iPods! shouted a gleeful Corina. That's great. She frowned. Even though I told him not to. And it's pronounced iPod, sweetie. Richard gave a pronounced shrug as he set the wine on the counter. Yeah well, it's the new model and it was on sale. I couldn't not get it for them. I mean, look how gorgeous my daughters are. Jessica hugged the girls again, if only to hide her disappointment. Go put your stuff away and wash up for dinner. She instructed. They bounded up the stairs quickly. The new arrivals had left the door wide open, so George closed it behind them. After the girls were gone Jessica turned to Richard and asked. Why did you do that? You knew I was planning on getting Haley one after she did well on her next report card. Oh, don't get so worked up, baby doll. I'm sure there'll be something even cooler for you by her in a few months. That's not the point. See the Jessica. She seemed to be trying very hard not to raise her voice. We talked about it and agreed that until Haley gets her grades up, she wasn't going to get any new toys. He snorted a condescending chuckle. So what do you want to do? Take him away from them? Jessica glared at him like she could actually pierce him with a stare, before giving up and checking on the food. Richard sighed. So, George, how ya? Oh my god. He stammered as he caught sight of Dawn, waiting patiently next to George to be introduced. His eyes scanned her from head to toe, alarmed at what he saw. Hey, Dick, this is my girlfriend, Dawn. Dawn, Dick. Dawn extended her hand daintily for a shake. After a few moments, Richard finally wiped the stunned expression from his face and took it. A pleasure, Mississippi. He turned to George and with a sinister glare added, Don't call me Dick. He marched over to the kitchen and retrieved a wine key along with a couple of wine glasses. He whispered something to Jessica. Jessica whispered something back. Meanwhile, Corina had bounced back down the stairs and finally took notice of George. Hi, George. She said happily as she hugged his waist. Normally, George let Corina hug him, but had never hugged her back. Not because he didn't like his youngest sister, but he found it difficult to hug anyone. Today, though, he looked down at the mess of long dark hair and pixie-like features, and felt like not hugging her back had been cruel. He bent down on one knee and embraced her tightly. The little girl didn't even blink before burying her face in George's neck. George was surprised at how wonderful he felt just hugging her. Any ill feelings he had been harboring towards her were dismissed. All was forgiven. He didn't let go of her for a long time, and when he finally did, Corina whined and wouldn't let go. Looking up, George could see Dawn watching them with a pleased smile. Without even a grunt, George lifted the little girl up and held her close to him. Rena, this is Dawn. Say hello? Corina turned to Dawn, then quickly looked away in cute embarrassment. Hello, Corina? That is a very pretty name. Said Dawn. Corina hid on the other side of George's face, but snuck a quick peek before hiding once more. George heard her whisper. She's pretty. George laughed, and as he turned to Dawn said, I think so too. In the kitchen, George could see his mother gazing at him.
Her hand was over her mouth and brimming with pride, like she had just watched him take his first steps. Richard was watching too, but his eyes were on Dawn. He did not look pleased. George was confused as to what this meant. His stepfather had the perfect poker face, and had always been difficult to read. But George quit worrying about it. The inner workings of Dick were among the last things that interested him. He shifted his focus back to the beauty he held tightly in his arms. Rena, why don't you give Dawn a hug too? She whispered. Okay. George set her down while Dawn knelt. Corina wrapped up Dawn just as tightly as she had George, though for not as long. Corina pulled her new toy out of her pocket and presented it to Dawn. Daddy got me a iPod, she said bashfully. I see that, said Dawn. It is very cool. Will you show me how it works? Yeah. The little girl cried as she took hold of a very surprised Dawn's hand and led her to a spot on the couch. Corina began teaching Dawn, as far as her little mind could assess, the magic of an MP3 player. Dawn listened intently and segued into a discussion about music. Before long, they were sharing a pair of earphones as they flipped through Corina's playlist. As he was about to join them, George was summoned over to the kitchen by Richard. Yeah? said George quickly. So? You gonna tell me about her or what? If you want. Shrugged George. Dick cocked his eyebrows in frustration. Would you stop being thick and talk to me? This is your first girlfriend. It's a big deal. Why didn't you tell me earlier? George was taken aback. Uh, since when do I tell you anything? Since I adopted you, for all the good it did. He kept his voice from disturbing the ladies in the living room. George and Richard had barely spoken in the four years since his mother walked away. This line of questioning was confusing. Uh, last time I checked, you got divorced? Dick leaned on the counter and shook his head. So it's like that then. Okay, fine. Disrespect me. That will get you far. W what? It had never been the case that George wanted to go any distance with Richard. No matter how amiable their conversations had started, they eventually devolved into lectures about showing proper respect. Jessica said, Richard, stop pestering him. They just started dating over the weekend. You're one of the first to know. Dick threw his hands up. Okay, fine. Tell me the story then. I want to hear this. George explained. I was at work when she walked in and wanted to swim. We started talking and it turned out that she had just arrived in town and didn't have a place to stay. So I offered her a bed for the night. We hung out all weekend and, well, that's about it, really. That's not it. Where is she from? He asked incredulously. Phoenix. Arizona? What's she doing out here? She said she was tired of the heat and wanted to go someplace different for college. Stafford was on her list. She have any family? Um, she's an orphan, actually. Ah, uh, there it is, said Richard, almost to himself. So if I called up the child services in Phoenix, they'd be able to tell me all about her? Uh, I guess. What the heck are you doing? Interrupted Jessica. Nothing, forget it. Sorry, George. It's not my place to give you the ninth degree about anything, is it? He sighed. No matter how much I wanted it to be. It's all right, assured Jessica. I already gave him the ninth degree. There's no reason to get so upset. I swear I've never seen you so worked up about anything before. He eyed Dawn once more and muttered. Yeah, well, I'm just being careful. The oven timer buzzed. Dinner's ready, said Jessica. George, get your sister, will you? George headed upstairs to his sister's room and knocked. Haley, mom says to come down for dinner. Haley? After a few seconds of silence, he cracked the door a sliver. Hales? You decent? He stuck his hand inside and waved it wildly. Nothing. What am I doing? He thought. He reached inside and flipped the light switch on and off a few times. What? Yelled Haley. Dinner's ready. He said on the opposite side of the door. The door swung open and Haley marched out toward the stairs. Sheesh, you could have just said so. I did say so. You didn't answer. She shot him a condescending look. I was listening to my iPod, duh. Just come in next time. Right. And if I do that, you'll get pissed that I barged into your room. Whatever. She muttered as she rolled her eyes. Who's that girl downstairs? That's Dawn. She's going to be living with us for a while. Haley turned on her heel and wore an alarmed look. Why? She's, she's my girlfriend. And she needs a place to stay. Haley looked shocked. I don't have to share my room with her, do I? No. He breathed in frustration. 
She's sleeping in the spare bedroom. She became even more agitated. She can't stay there. Why not? I have stuff in there. It's not your closet. It's a bedroom. And now it's Dawn's. I don't want her going through my stuff. Then get your shit out of there. Do I have to think of everything? She pointed at him like he was a spoiled child. I'm telling mom you swore. Holy crud. I didn't come up here to start a fight with you. I just came to tell you that dinner was ready. She ran for the spare bedroom and flung open the door. She called back. If she touched anything I'm telling mom. George gave up. If she didn't you'll tell mom she did anyway. Just come down to dinner before she yells at both of us. She didn't listen. Instead, she tore into Don's room and made noises like she was moving heavy boxes. As he was quite finished matching wits with his annoying prepubescent sister, George went to relieve himself of all the alcohol he had drank earlier. He wasn't feeling its effects anymore, but a mild headache was adequately filling its place. Dinner started surprisingly quiet. There was an awkwardness in the air that was almost palpable. They rarely all ate dinner together as Richard usually dropped off the girls and then left quickly. He was a partner at a corporate law firm in the city, and his job demanded a great deal of his time. That was, at least, his excuse. But to his credit, he never missed a weekend with his daughters and doted on them excessively. But this was nothing George hadn't expected. The silence was what struck him. Dinner with Dick usually meant listening to him lecture about political issues, all of which he had an answer for. But tonight, all that could be heard was the sound of cutlery dinging on plates. All of Richard's attention seemed to be on Don. Everyone else at the table sat waiting for him to begin the conversation. All except Don. She was much too busy scarfing down a plate of lasagna to notice the dark cloud looming over dinner. My goodness! This is unbelievable, Mrs. Everhart! You are truly gifted. George jumped on the bandwagon, thankful for an end to the awkward lack of chatter. Yeah, mom. This is some good slop. He stuffed a humongous bite into his mouth, as if to illustrate the point. Ha! Laughed Richard. Good slop. I remember Henry used to tell that to my mother whenever he was over the house. She hated it when he called it slop. I swear he used to do it just to ruffle the old bird's feathers. Haley scoffed. Gosh, it's always Henry this and Henry that. Do we have to talk about Henry all the time? Jessica said sternly. Hales, be nice but I've never even met him. Can't we talk about something else? For once, George was in complete agreement with her. He hadn't meant to remind anyone of his father, but many of his sayings were ingrained in George's mind to the point where he didn't even need to think about it. Richard said, Haley's right. Oh, but honey, please be nice. He amended after Jessica glared at him. Let's not talk about the past. We have a guest. So, Dawn, tell us about yourself. Dawn was in the middle of savoring a large mouthful and her eyes widened when she realized she was being addressed. She swallowed and wiped her mouth with a napkin before beginning. There is not much to tell. I grew up in Phoenix, but I never cared much for the heat. So when the opportunity arose to break away, I took it. George tells me you're an orphan. A commonality between you, I imagine. Corina didn't seem to be listening that intently, but quickly asked. Mommy, what's an orphan? Jessica shifted uncomfortably in her chair. Um, well, an orphan is someone who doesn't have a mommy or a daddy. To George's surprise, Don added. It means that my parents died, a long, long time ago. Oh, said Corina sadly. My fish died. Jessica reached over to rub Corina's back. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Slippy was a good fish. George had never met Slippy. It was Corina's pet goldfish. But it was kept at Richard's house. Richard continued. Sorry, Don. I'm just curious, but I would have thought a nice girl like you would have been adopted. Or at least taken into foster care. The system is something of a mess, unfortunately. There just were not enough willing adopters around, and I did my best to stay away from foster homes. I had heard stories. Actually, I spent a great deal of time at the local YMCA and at the library. It was safer than wandering the streets. Very wise. He nodded. So, you ever been to any of the football games at Arizona Stadium? Don looked at him funny. No. I've never been to Tucson. He gave an exaggerated snap of his fingers as he said. Oh, that's right. It's Sun Devil Stadium in Phoenix. Sorry. So how did you afford the trip out here? Bus tickets cost money. She answered. Lucky for me, I did very well in school and earned several grants. It is amazing what kind of funding there is out there for promising youths in difficult situations. 
He nodded. Where are you off to next? What's your plan? Well, I am not so sure anymore. I had not planned on staying here for so long. But I find myself drawn to this place. Under the table, her hand crept into George's lap. George took it. To be honest, I would be happy if I never left. Jessica noted. She's renting the room upstairs. She already found a job over at the college with George. Dawn nodded. That is correct. Rena, you and I are going to be in the same group. Really? She squealed. Uh-huh. And we will have lots of fun. Does that sound good? The little one nodded happily. Pardon me. Continued Richard. But you have an odd way of speaking. Is that how all the kids talk back in Arizona? You are referring to the way in which I avoid contractions? He nodded. Honestly, I do not know. I guess I find it fun to revel in the language. Cumbersome, I admit, but oh so delicious in the right situations. Does it bother you? No, not at all. It's quite nice actually, shows you have a brain. It's just... Odd, that's all. I'm done. Haley announced. Mom, I'm gonna listen to my iPod. Oh, don't you want some cake? Dawn made it. Haley shot a mean look at Dawn. I'm fine. She said through her teeth. Jessica frowned. All right, your loss, but clear your plate and put it in the dishwasher. Haley rolled her eyes. I know, I know. Sweetheart, give me a hug goodbye before you go away. I'm gonna get going soon. Richard sounded uncharacteristically loving. Haley hugged him and said with much sweetness. Bye, Daddy, I love you. He kissed her forehead. I love you too, sweetheart. As Haley ran upstairs, Corina asked. Mommy? Can I have some cake? I don't know. Can you? Was Jessica's snarky reply. The little girl looked confused before she remembered. May I have some cake? Yes, you may. Jessica rose and began clearing the table. Dawn jumped up to help. While the women were busy in the kitchen, Richard refilled his wine and took a large sip. He glanced quickly towards George before lowering his eyes. Quietly, he said. You must have done something right in a past life. What do you mean? George asked. Richard motioned towards Dawn with his glass. She's one of a kind. I had my sights set on one just like her when I was younger. For once, George was interested. What happened? Richard smirked. What I always do. He said more to himself than to George. I told myself that I would pay any price to have her. I guess I never really thought about what that meant. Then. Then it was too late. George watched him closely. He had a glassy look, like he was somewhere else entirely. Richard shook off his melancholy and shrugged. Oh well. Nothing to do about it now. He said nonchalantly. He finished his glass of wine in one gulp. Dawn returned with cake and ice cream. She served George first, and then Richard. Here you are, she said with a smile. Thanks, Dawn, replied Richard with a wide grin. So, Jess, how's the real estate business treating you? Jessica took a bite of her cake before answering. Slow. I closed a few deals last week, but with the economy like it is, buyers are drying up. I imagine that's good for you, though. I mean, with all the corporate belt tightening, clients must be banging your door down. You would be surprised. There have always been companies in trouble and our firm has always been good at getting them out of it. Our business never really changes. He chuckled. Just remember that if you need some help. It's not that slow. She interrupted. George detected a hint of exasperation in her voice. All right, all right. George? How's things going at Stafford? Aside from all the babes you get to ogle, obviously. Uh, fine. He said. Oh, come on, that's all I get? Fine? Well, uh, there's going to be a big swim meet at the end of the week and all the parents are going to be there. We're all trying to get the kids to look good in the water. Richard nodded in agreement. Got to impress the investors. It's the same everywhere. When Henry and I were investing in businesses around town, people would roll out the red carpet for us, even if they had to rip up carpet from their own house and bleed on it. Uh, yeah, I guess. I heard some oaf named Rocco was giving you trouble. Whatever happened with that? Under his breath, he added. Honestly, who names their kid Rocco? Oh, you know, everything is cool now. Richard's evil smile returned. I bet it is. If I had a woman like Dawn, there'd be no one to stop me. I could take over the world with a woman like that. Without thinking George turned to his mother, who seemed to be forcing herself to keep her attention on her cake, hiding the pain from years of being unfulfilled by Richard. But George saw. And he became angry. 
You had a woman like that, muttered George. Richard was in the middle of finishing a large glass of wine. I'm sorry, what was that? I said, you had a woman like that, he repeated. But it wasn't enough for you. It's never enough. George, whispered Jessica. Corina sat in silence, uncomfortable with the impending adult conversation. No, no, Richard interrupted. Let him speak. It's always important to communicate. Go on, son. Let's hear it. Jerk, thought George. He was certain that Richard called him son just to twist the dagger a little bit. He straightened himself and asked, What was wrong with my mother? Why wasn't she enough for you? Don gently squeezed his hand under the table, and he realized he was losing control of his tone. But while George was losing his calm, Richard seemed to be quite pleased with the events unfolding before him. There was nothing wrong with Jessica. I love her still, as much as I loved her the day I married her. But we were going in different directions. You know all this. I wanted to move away from here, start a new life in the city with all of you. But she wanted to stay here. She wanted the small town life, and I was headed for the top. That was her choice, and yours if I remember correctly. He gave a melodramatic sigh, and said, I wish things could have been different. It was enough for my father, George shouted. He would have lived in a lean-to in the woods if my mom wanted him to. Which proves my point that Henry was a fool. Now, now, don't get excited, added Richard hastily. He just likes second place. He was always like that. In high school, he took the ugly girl to prom even though the prom queen asked him to the dance. In college, he opted to live in the worst dorm on campus even though he could have afforded to live in the frat house. In law school, he tutored undergrads for free when he could have made some money off it. He had the skills and the influence to run the most prestigious practice in the world, but he was happy with being the small-town family lawyer. I wasn't. And that doesn't make me a bad person. He was happy at least. Shot George. And now he's dead. Said Richard calmly. He leaned in close George. And do I look like I'm unhappy? George jumped up so fast that his chair slid out and tipped onto the floor. Get out! He shouted. Richard shrugged. That's why I left four years ago. People always telling me to get out. All right, you're the man of the house. Corina rushed over to his side. No, daddy, don't go. Richard hugged her tightly. Sorry, Rina, I've worn out my welcome. She began to sob uncontrollably. No, no, no. I love you, daddy, don't go away. Richard picked her up and handed the inconsolable five-year-old to Jessica. It's been very nice meeting you, miss. He said to Don. He then turned back to a furious George. Don't lose this one. She's definitely a keeper. George stood silent with his fists clenched. Richard left as Corina cried her eyes out. After a few honks of the car horn the noisy vehicle sped off into the night. Corina wriggled free of her mother and started attacking George, punching him in the leg as hard as her little arms would allow. Why do you hate daddy? Why did you make him go away again? I hate you. I hate you. Behind the mess of bangs and tears, George could see anguish and loneliness in her eyes. She felt abandoned, and George couldn't help but feel responsible for making her feel that way. He didn't know what to do besides let the little girl pummel him. Come on, Rena, comforted Jessica as he picked her back up. It's bedtime for Bozo. Corina buried her face in Jessica's neck and whimpered. I don't want to go. I want daddy. Daddy will be back next week. Say goodnight. Jessica began carrying her upstairs to her room. I want my iPod. I want daddy. She repeated as Jessica put her to bed. Finally, it was just George and Don. She hugged him gently. Will she be okay? Don asked. George sighed. She always cries when he leaves, but she's never. She does not hate you. Not truly. But she does not understand how you can hold someone she thinks of so highly in such contempt. The image of Corina's tear-streaked face was still fresh in his mind. Just a short while before she had been hugging him with all her might, and he had hugged her back. Now, she thought he was the greatest enemy in the universe. It was the same as always. The moment he affirmed his affection for someone, they turned away from him. He knew it wasn't rational, but he couldn't help but feel it. Come on, he said as he disengaged unceremoniously from Don's loving embrace. Let's clean this place up. Don stared at him for a moment, sighed quietly to herself, and joined him. Jessica returned a short while later, and the three of them made quick work of the mess. George could see the disappointment in his mother's expression. The silence was deafening, 
and George felt compelled to apologize, if only to break the tension. Mom, I'm ah really sorry for ruining dinner, he said. Jessica stopped scrubbing dishes momentarily before answering. You didn't do anything wrong, George. She sighed and began cleaning more vigorously. Everything you said was true. I just wish you didn't need to say it. After a cup of tea for each of them, Jessica said her goodnights and headed off to bed herself. It was late, and George and Dawn were exhausted. They headed upstairs to George's room, or so he thought. But Dawn turned right at the top of stairs and headed towards her own room. Oh, uh, right? Said George uncomfortably. I would prefer to stay with you. She said hopefully. Uh, no. No, it's mom's rule. He said sadly. All right then. Good night, George. Shall I wake you again? He nodded. Yeah. Uh, same time. I like getting in a little early. Very well. Is there any particular way you would like me to wake you? No. Any way you like is fine. She bowed and said. As you wish. Sleep well. She began to step into her room when George said, almost instinctively. I. But stopped. She held her breath as she waited for him to continue. I'll. Um, see you tomorrow. Disappointed, she nodded, and the door closed with a quiet click. George entered his room and crashed hard, face first on his bed. It was an hour before he finally got around to putting on his sweatpants and t-shirt. Another hour followed an agonizing half-sleep, with the minutes ticking away slowly. His mind raced. He thought about Karina, and how good it felt to feel close to her, if only for a brief moment. He thought about Haley, and why she had to be contrary to him in any way, no matter what. But he thought of Dawn most of all. Something was bothering her. She had been quiet ever since Richard left. Finally, he could take no more, and in his mind called out. Dawn, are you still awake? Yes. Why is sleep so hard? She replied. It never was for me before I met you. I used to sleep like ten hours a day. She laughed. I bet that is when you came up with all of your perverted dreams. You don't even know the half of it. Maybe not, but I am looking forward to finding out. They both laughed, and then they laid there in silence for a while. So, she began. I think we may have to talk about something. Yeah, he said. I, I do not know where to begin. I suppose I shall just talk for a bit. Perhaps I will figure this out as I go. Please forgive me if I am leaving my place. Go ahead. I know. I know that you care for me. And you know that I care for you but. That doesn't seem to be enough. Am I doing something to upset you? No. No, of course not. Then, why do you pull away from me? I'm not. I mean. I don't know. He admitted with frustration. Are you afraid? She asked delicately. He thought hard before he answered. Yeah. She was quiet for a moment before replying. Me too. She said. Of what? He wondered. Many things. I am afraid that I will say something dumb because I do not understand everything. I am afraid that I will interpret a wish incorrectly. But what keeps me up at night? What fills me with dread is losing you. But I thought that I couldn't lose you. Isn't that a rule or something? You can't lose me. Nothing can take me away from you. But I could lose you if you decided you didn't want me anymore. You mean you're worried that I'll reject you? Hmm. Don I. You do not need to say anything. I know you are not doing it because of anything I am doing. But that is part of what worries me. It seems as though there is nothing I can do to help you. I cannot make everything all better. I wish. I wish I could. All I can do is show you how amazing you are. George listened. He knew she was right about everything. George, do you remember what you promised me that first day together? I promised that I wouldn't take you for granted or shut you out. He cringed as he realized what a jerk he was. Oh man, he said with great disappointment. So, why did you pull away from me after dinner? I, I remembered why I kept my feelings to myself. But I took it out on you. That wasn't fair. I'm just so used to people not caring. It's hard. Others may have wronged you before. They may have taken what little affection you would allow to leak out from behind that wall you have put up and cast it aside. But not me. Do not ever think for one moment that I will not be there for you. I will never ever reject you. He thought about she said for a while, and then remembered something that made him chuckle. What is it, George? She asked eagerly. Just remembering something you told me before. You said that you are nothing more or less than exactly what I need at any given moment. I guess I really needed this talk, huh? 
She chuckled also. I know that I did. All right. How's this? If I ever pull away from you like that again, will you smack me upside the head? I don't ever want to hurt you, but I'm only human and I know I'll do something stupid. Hmm, I think I can find better reminders than crude bonks on the noggin. He laughed again. I bet you can. A long silence ensued, and George's thoughts transformed into others as his mind wandered. He was tired, and wanted to have a nice dream before he woke up again. But they were all forced, and none seemed to take hold. George asked, Hey Don, what do you dream about? Would you be surprised if I dream mostly of you? You, and things you could do to me? If it were anybody else, then no. But what else do you think about? I mean, I can't be in every thought. I am only three days old. I haven't had much time to think about anything else. That's true, I guess. More time passed in silence. But George was still no closer to falling asleep. Don spoke. George? Do you like Lindsay? Yeah. Do you really like her? I mean, would you like to make love to her? George swallowed hard, unsure of whether or not he should tell her what he was thinking. George? Ha. Huh. If I can't tell you, then I can't tell anyone. Yes. I want to make love to her, someday. Me too. Sometimes I think about what it would be like, to feel another woman's body against mine. I keep wondering what her lips might taste like. He imagined them together, with Dawn on top of Lindsay, kissing her deeply. Hey, babe, you keep talking like that and I'm really not going to sleep. I can't sleep when I'm hard. I know, I'm sorry. But just imagine the three of us together. Lindsay and I on either side of you, touching you, kissing you. She was doing this on purpose now. That would be a lot of women. He mused. You could handle it. She purred. Hey. Earlier, during that last race, what did you do to her to keep her so distracted? Nothing invasive, not to worry. I called up one of her most potent fantasies about you and would not let her push it out of her mind. And I made sure it was particularly vivid. What was the fantasy? He wondered. It involved a dance. A prom, I guess it is called. She never got to go to it. George knew what Dawn was referencing. He and Lindsay had made a promise to each other that if they couldn't find dates then they would go together as a last resort. But George had faked an illness to get out of it. He had no problem with going to the dance with Lindsay. It was the act of dancing that frightened him. So, what happens at this dance? He asked. Well, it starts out quite sweet. You pick her up and pin a corsage on her dress. Then the two of you arrive at the dance where everyone is excited to see you two together. Then you dance. But then, things begin to get a little frisky. Oh, how so? Oh, you know. A little grabby-grabby here and there, followed by some serious necking. You confess your undying love for her whereupon you take her virginity. She has thought about it extensively, and is very certain of the things she wants you to do to her. I made sure she felt every single one of them. In her fantasy, of course. It was like an extremely intense daydream, really. That does sound nice, actually. I'm sorry I messed that up for her. Hmm. Maybe you will get a chance to make amends. With my help, of course. Oh, you know what would be really hot? What? If Lindsay and I were kissing, passionately, and I mean a full-on tongue kiss, and then you slide your big cock between our lips. It would be like making out and sucking your dick at the same time. The image was not difficult to conjure. George could vividly imagine Don and Lindsay making out with his shaft in the way. The girls would lick the length of his shaft and caress it with their lips. Then they would take turns popping the head into their mouths. His hand traveled inside his pants and he began to actively stroke himself. Are you touching yourself right now, babe? Hmm. She moaned. That is definitely something we'll have to try someday. I wish we could do that right now. She said desperately. I wish. I wish to feel that right now. Close your eyes. He did. Suddenly, he was lying in a huge bed in a softly lit room. Dawn and Lindsay were there above him, kissing each other sweetly and passionately. Dawn wore her trademark light blue brown panties, and Lindsay wore red to match her hair. The two beauties were hugging each other close, pressing their breasts together as they kissed. The girls acknowledged him with their eyes. Then, without allowing their soft lips to break contact, they slowly lowered themselves until George's fully erect cock was pressing lightly against the sides of their faces. They rested their bodies against his legs, the flesh of their breasts sliding softly against him with every small movement. The girls then gently wrapped their fingers around his shaft and guided it between their moist lips. Their tongues swirled around the head as they tried desperately to reunite. They moaned with urgent need as they kissed his cock like they would kiss each other. 
Just when George knew it couldn't get any better, Lindsay showed him her gorgeous green eyes. You're staring at me again, George, she said as she smiled. George couldn't help but be amazing at how real Lindsay looked and sounded and felt. In awe, he said. If you were me, you'd be staring too. You can stare. I love it when you stare. She moaned. Oh, George, I want yours to be the only cock I ever suck. Dawn ran her fingers through Lindsay's fiery hair as she gazed at her lovingly. She kissed her once more. Lindsay lowered her lips to the head while Dawn moved her hair out of the way. Her lips parted as the head pushed through, slowly. She moaned with sweet release while Dawn caressed her head in assurance. Lindsay was able to take the entire head into her mouth, and not much more. But Dawn easily handled the rest as she stroked him with her lips and tongue. George was in heaven. The image of Lindsay, his best friend since before he could remember, treating his cock like it was the most important thing in the world. Periodically, she would look up at him and smile around his cock. George knew she wasn't real. He knew this was just a fantasy. But he wanted this to be real with all his being. He had always needed her. Now, he wanted her. Dawn whispered in Lindsay's ear. He's getting close. Are you ready? Lindsay nodded, repositioned herself, then sucked even harder. She bobbed her head quickly as she took as much of him in her mouth as she could, slurping obscenely. Dawn continued to coax his shaft with her talented mouth. George felt an errant hand wander to his heavy balls. She cupped and fondled them, juicing more fluid into his impending explosion. Look at her go, George, said Dawn. Do you see her? She is trying so hard to please you. After all these years of waiting and wanting, here she is. She has waited for you her entire life. Come for her. Show her how much you want her. Finally, George surrendered, and the dam burst. George came hard with a loud grunt, his jizz shooting into Lindsay's mouth. Her eyes widened in disbelief as the torrent overwhelmed her. Curtains of his cum flowed down his shaft where Dawn was waiting. She licked up the excess while Lindsay did her best to capture as much as possible. The girls purred lustfully as their hunger for him was satiated. George's breathing returned to normal as his orgasm abetted. But he couldn't take his eyes off of Lindsay as she fought to keep as much cum in her mouth as possible. A few dribbles escaped and rolled down her chin and onto her breasts. Without missing a beat, Dawn took hold of Lindsay's breast and kissed the wayward cum from her friend. She followed the stream upwards to her neck and chin, lapping the remaining drops with long licks from her tongue. When she reached Lindsay's lips, Dawn engulfed her in a gooey kiss. The two swapped their spin between them, moaning and writhing. Their hands slipped through each other's hair, down their backs, across their breasts and finally rested on the curve of their asses. They pulled away and a long, sticky strand of cum stretched between them. It lay gently across their tits, and it wasn't long before they were taking turns licking it off of each other. Lindsay smiled a huge smile at her new friend, then turned to George and said, This was fun. Can we do this for real someday? George nodded. Good. She beamed. Don't keep me waiting. I've been waiting forever. She kissed Dawn once more. George watched as the scene went blurrier and blurrier until it disappeared entirely. He was suddenly back in his darkened room. His lust had been taken care of, but he was no closer to falling asleep. He called out to Dawn. That was nice, babe. Thanks. You're welcome. She purred sleepily. He laughed. Hey, isn't it the guy who is supposed to conk out after sex? Perhaps. Though, I think I worked pretty hard for you just now. That's true. Do you think you'll be able to sleep now? Hmm. I wish I could sleep with you. Close your eyes. She instructed. No sooner had he complied than he felt Dawn's body nestled next to him. He felt sleepy already. He kissed her forehead. Good night, Dawn. Hmm, love you. And she was out. George opened his eyes to see the shadows of his room. He could feel her no longer, and felt sad. But then he closed his eyes again and there she was, lightly snoring, wrapped up in his strong arms. He kept his eyes closed as tightly as he could. It took a while, but he eventually fell asleep. The End